0: You can kick your fancy you can by the wagon. but the only for the brave and come from that green
1: dragon.
2: Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast. This is Jeremy with Kylie. Hello, hello. And we are doing the long-awaited, oh, our episodes are long-awaited, but this one is especially <laughs> long-awaited, the Angmar Army Review slash Secret Tactics slash You'll Never Want to Play These Guys Again. Isn't that right, Kylie.
0: Yes, I'm mean, so excited to get these. This is like my favourite faction, aside from Corsairs. <laughs> well, actually, is this... No, I, would, I wouldn't say it's my favourite faction, but it definitely has my favourite model in the game in it. So I'm really looking forward to getting in and talking about him.
2: Can picture what that is, although there's a few candidates in this list and we're going to go through and... It's, it's one of those lists that's got a good amount of things in it. It's probably, it's more challenging to ally than, than other army lists because of, because of its rules and its time period. But it's got a very specific play style and it can be very enjoyable. And it also can be a bit of a negative play experience as well if you don't know how to deal with it. So it's a bit of a balancing act our Angmar. But one, one thing it is, is very strong and very thematic.
0: Yeah, all the stuff kind of really works well together. That's what I love about Angmar. Every single uh, option and choice in the list is there for a reason and is there for a purpose. Everything feels a role, and it's just about chopping and changing which uh, roles you need to fit into your list and swap out and stuff, which is is really kind of nice to have in a list where every part of the list uh, can and will be used and is viable to be placed on the table.
2: Absolutely, I agree with that. I think that there's, there's every single choice in this list is something that I thought, yeah, I'll take that at some point. Or you can even design the army around and you don't feel like you're cheating yourself. Some army lists, when you, you design around a model, you feel like you're, you're maybe not optimising, you're making it hard for yourself. But this army list, definitely not. Although there is a few exceptions, but not a huge amount. So let's uh, bring us into our first segment.
0: Know thine enemy.
2: Angmar. There are many barren and forsaken lands within Middle-earth, ruled by evil and plagued by ill fortune and foul creatures. The greatest of these is the kingdom of Angmar in the north, for this cruel realm is the stronghold of the Witch-King, Sauron's chief servant and the lord of the Nazgul. It was from the realm of Angmar that the Witch-King unleashed his fury upon the northern kingdoms of Middle-earth. So great were his armies that those who opposed him trembled in their cities. The Witch King was able to use his dark powers to bind tortured spirits to his will, unleashing creatures of nightmare upon his foes. It was this fate that saw the once great kingdom of Arnor fall into ruin. Hordes of orcs marched upon their capital, Fornost, bringing destruction and death to the people there. Joined by ghostly spirits of lords and warriors past and twisted malignant apparitions bound to the will of the Witch King, the armies of Angmar slaughtered all who opposed them. Although he was eventually defeated, and routed from his holds in the north. The Witch-King endured, and his armies, though scattered, slowly sought to regroup. At the end of the Third Age, there were still packs of orcs and wargs raiding and plundering the homesteads of the north. Bands of trolls roamed the lands in search of fresh victims, and there are whispers of unnatural beings lingering within the shadows of that foul kingdom. Within the ruins of the Kingdom of Angmar, spectres tempt travellers to their unsuspecting doom. Tortured spirits are still bound to the will of the Witch-King. For while he lives there, they can never be free, cursed to wander the forgotten highways of a realm long since abandoned. barrow hold court within the ruins of the halls they once ruled over. No longer the wise and noble rulers of old, they are now the beings of evil and malice, tasked with sacrificing those they find in the name of the Dark Lord, but there are greater terrors still. Hidden within the realm of Angmar lies a great evil, a being that has survived countless centuries. That terror is Gulvar, the demon of the ancient world. Quite how he survived the age of the world will never be known, yet it is likely that he was drawn to the northern realm by the ever-growing dark powers of the Witch King that emulates from Angmar's borders. Gulvar now roams this land, ever eager to feast upon blood and sustain himself for ages to come. Okay, welcome to Know Thine Enemy. So, we're going to start with a character we've talked about many, many times before. So, Kylie, can you go through, once again, the Witch King of Angmar?
0: Oh, the Witch King of Angmar, man. How many times have we done this? This is like the third iteration. got to be at least the third. At least. I think it's the third. I think it's the third. But anyway, he comes in between 70 and 150 points base because he has that funky... Uh, might, will, and fate mechanic, where you can buy a point of might, will, and fate for five points each. But we'll we'll get into the rest of it. His keywords are spirit, ringwraith, mordor, angmar, infantry, and he is a hero of legend in the angmar army list. Of course, he's the witch king of angmar. Of course, he's going to be a hero of legend. His move value six. He has a fight value of five with a shoot of four plus. Strength four, defense eight, one attack, one wound, courage three. His might starts at zero but can be brought up to three. His will starts at 10, can be brought up to 20, and his fate starts at 0, but again, can be brought up to 3. His starting wargi is Heavy Armor and a Sword, and for heroic actions, man, he, he has a lot of them that he can uh, dish out. He has Resolve, which can be handy in the right situation. Uh, heroic Channeling, Heroic Strike, Heroic Strength, mm, not so great, and Heroic Channeling is absolutely rubbish. Heroic uh, Channeling
2: us- rubbish, really? That's a new take. No,
0: Challenge, Challenge, Challenge. Sorry, sorry I no, saw no, that the challenge there. No,
2: I think it was Challenge, but... Uh- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think that's uh, that's what we've talked about before, and I'm sure someone could find a way to use that, but not us. Not us.
0: Yeah. Too much effort. Too much effort. Anyway, for his options, he's got a lot of options. I'm just kind of realizing how much options he has. Again, uh, he has an Armored fell beast for 70 points, a regular fell beast for 50 points. He can take the patent-pending, absolutely best piece of war gear in the game, the Crown of Wargul for 25 points. Armored horse for fifteen points, horse for ten points, Mogul blade for ten points, and a two-handed flail for five points. Mm. So those are some absolutely fantastic options. Like just straight off the bat, like we've talked about how good the Crown of Morgul is, bringing up to three attacks with the uh, re-roll on the casting and resist tests. Like honestly, if if you're taking a competitive list, you pretty much always will take the Crown of Morgul. There is never a situation where you won't take the Crown of Mughal.
2: Even on a Fell Beast with, with lots of kit.
0: Yeah, I would still take it. Like that, that, that addition to casting a resist test is just too valuable Like you'll always get your points back off that. That that's that's essentially with with ten points of will is going to be at least five, five, five rerolls, probably more, easily.
2: Yeah, it's it's so hard to make a justification for not. But like some of the other stuff, I can do without things like uh, I'll always always give him a, a way to move around if possible. So definitely. Like, on foot is not terrible, but I would like, like horses are so cheap. So why wouldn't you? Fell beasts are always good value as well. Armored fell beast, eh, I could take or leave that one. Morgul blade is very very handy, but it's also ten points, so it's something you might leave at home sometimes. I, although. You sometimes regret it when you do flail. To add of mm. flail, I could definitely leave that one at home if I if I'm not interested in it. Although it can be quite handy, especially if he's on foot, you need something to to go and add some extra hitting power. But but you're right; that first choice always seems to be the crown of Morgul, and you can afford to go a bit lower on some of your other stats because it does really make your will incredibly efficient.
0: Yeah, it's super efficient. Probably the most one of the most efficient models in the game. Uh, in terms of uh, resource management, in in terms of their will, uh, it's it's just it's just too so it's just so damn effective. Um, yeah, Crown of Morgul and Horse are pretty much always your, your first buy unless you're maybe looking at an Affal Beast or something. But kind of getting into his specials and spells, he has Harbinger of Evil, of course, Terror, the uh, Will of Evil, and as we talked about before, Might Will and Fate. You can modify his Might Will and Fate for five points each. His magic powers now he is really really nasty with some of these and a couple of them get buffed too so his drain courage is at range 12 on a 2 plus cast his transfix is at range 12 on a 3 plus cast his compel is at range 12 on a 4 plus but this is where it gets juicy instill fear 3 inch aura effect on a 4 plus cast that's insane
2: They've all got the good uses, but yeah, the four-poster cast is pretty handy for something like Instill Fear, which can be a bit of a a risk at times. Sometimes it's a very high reward. And keep in mind, this is going to be an army where Terror and the Harbinger of Evil comes up quite a bit. So anything to do with Terror is very handy in this sort of army.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. He also has uh, your staff is broken on a four plus to deal with those extra enemy wizards. Uh, range twelve on that. Uh, your you your, your standard uh, black dart here on a five plus to cast, and as well a sap will on a five plus to cast. So he's got a really good arsenal of spells here, and it's it's honestly as we have talked about heaps and heaps and heaps of times before. It's his versatility. He has so much versatility. Once you slap on that crown and a horse. And, um, you know, giving some my points and a decent amount of well, you can pretty much do whatever you need want with him. Whatever he needs to do, really. You can fill just about any role.
2: Absolutely. And that comes at a cost, though. And the cost is he costs a lot of points. So you've got to sometimes decide whether you're going to base your army around the Witch King, which, honestly, a lot of times you are. But if you're just trying to use him as an extra throw-in because you're not quite sure what you want to do with him, you're probably going to end up spending too many points on him to, to make him worthwhile. So he becomes a main focal point of your army whenever, whenever you use him. And it's definitely worthwhile. And he, he works so well with pretty much everything in this list. But once again, if you, if you don't use him well, then you end up trapping yourself into basically overspending for a, a very, very valuable, but very costly model.
0: That that that's true, but I I always see him because I whenever I am playing with the Witch King, particularly in an Angmar list, I always want to look at basically dropping one hundred and fifty points on him because I feel that's a reasonable amount of points. Uh, for him, because you got to remember as well, in the Angmar list, he is a leader. He is a hero of legend. So unless you're rocking like a Balrog or a Sauron or something like that, he is pretty much always going to be a leader. So you want to make sure he has some kit, he has some resources available to him to be able to deal with, you know, your enemies and your opponent's threats that can actually get to him or engage upon him. So getting him up to that three attacks is really important. Getting him that three points of might is really important, and making sure he has enough will. In, in the back pocket is, is important as well. And 150 points will get you 3 Might, 13 Will, 3 Fate, uh, a Crown, and the Horse, which I think is a really, really good starting point for pretty much any any Witch King that you're looking to run at any decent points level, say, around 600 or greater. That's a good starting point for your Witch King because then you can kind of add a little bit more, get get some extra bits and pieces, also subtract a little bit if you need to cut some points or you've got some extra points to spare here and there.
1: Yeah,
2: that's a fair call. Uh, budgeting one hundred fifty, I think, is a good amount because that's what you'd budget for something like a a big sort of tier one hero, one of the one of those big guys that's going to hit. You know, the like any any lords of the wests, any hero on a horse, anything like that, you'd, you'd definitely happily spend 150 points. So if you don't want that, well, just don't spend it and, and buy other things. We'll talk about some other options in the list as well. But if you want to go for the Witch King, I don't think you're ever going to regret it. I don't think you're ever going to look at it and just say, why did I take this guy? He was a bit of a point sink. Uh, occasionally, he will get killed before you want him to because he does only have the one wound. And yes, you can buy up to three fate, which is very, very nice, but still... That means in one shot he can can get hit occasionally so just watch out for that he is one that that if you've got an opportunity to take one wound off a model this guy is definitely a prime target because he is so valuable so threatening so such a uh dominant model try not to get him stuck on his own i know that that i take him on a fell beast a fair bit some and uh it, it is tempting to sometimes end up flying over in the wrong spot so you've got to be be pretty careful about that, but I think we've talked about this guy quite enough. We'll mm. definitely talk about him in the tactics. Yeah, you, I, I do you have, know what we think about him.
0: Yeah, I, I do have one more thing I will say just quickly before we move on to our next model, is uh, particularly with the fate. I think uh, in this particular scenario, him being in the Angmar list and pretty much always being a leader, I think you pretty much always want to take those three points of fate on him, even before you start to take my. That's how I think how valuable the fate points on the witch current of Angma. In an Angmar list, is he because he is that fragile at times? You need to give him every ounce of survivability as you possibly can because you can, you never know, you know, how crafty your component will be. You know, a captain to, into the flank or getting around you or a legless shot to the face and suddenly he's in trouble.
2: Yeah, I, I would argue that I would always go for the three points of might as well. So, whether you put it on early or not, I tend to go to fate, but. I'm tempting fate with that as well. I can see your argument and it's mm. a pretty, like for the cost of one orc, it's a pretty good insurance policy.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I just go with, with both might and fate start at a hundred points and away you go. Yeah.
2: No, that's a, that's a fair call. And that is the huge advantage of this guy is that you can customize it, but you can definitely take those very, very valuable stats and, and maximize the ones you need and, and maybe not the others. Will, I, I don't think either of us really maximize it that often because you, you often run out of points. So I think that, I, I know you've talked about it before, that 12 to 20 mark is probably your go to. The more is better, obviously.
0: Mm, I found 15 is the magic number.
1: Okay, 15, 15,
0: 15 will. 15 will. I've, I've never, never found I've ever needed more than 50. And I've always found that when I have 15, I'll have like. Uh, most games I'll end with The Witch King on like two or three will. And that's perfect. It's perfect amount of will to be ending a game on. Uh, a little bit extra just in case things go really badly. But most of the time, 15 will is absolutely perfect. Especially in like standard tournament games of around, you know, 750, 600 or whatever. That It seems to work really well.
2: Yeah, that's fair enough. It's it's a hard one as well. Like the perfect game for for any ring wraith is you want to end on as close to to one will as possible while it's still alive. Ideally, unless it doesn't cost you anything, then you can definitely get rid of it. But for this for this army and any any army that has a lot of low courage models, having a ring wraith around for stand fast on one will is absolutely fine. That's that's a fine use of it. What you don't want to do is end up spending all your resources in one or two turns on on frivolous. Like black darts or anything like that. So, so a pacing of it. it we'll talk a lot more about pacing of the Wraiths in our uh, in our keep it secret segment. But let's move on to our next rave, Kylie, and I'll go through this one. This one is the tainted, of course, and the tainted is, is the nicest looking rave, potentially, arguably, definitely. He's one that's, He's that's the sc- nicest.
0: Yeah, I don't I just say so. He's the nicest.
2: Yeah, I I, like, I I really like him. And I do like the uh, the sort of greeny-gray they've added to him in the paint job as well. Adds some interest to it. But for 120 points, you get a spirit, which is important. Ringwraith, Mordor, Angmar. Don't worry about Mordor. Angmar is the important one here. Infantry and a Valor hero. So Valor is 15. That's pretty good. He's got uh, Might, so he's got 2 Might, 14 Will, 2 Fate, and a standard Ring profile. So he's no- nothing tricky about this guy. There's no special fight buff or courage buff. He's just got the Fight 5, the Defense 8, the Courage 6. Heavy Armor and Sword, so Sword's a hand weapon, which is good to know as well, because sometimes they don't come with hand weapons. Heroic Challenging for the action, fine, that's fine. You'll use that occasionally. Sometimes you won't, sometimes you will. It's good. His options are Armored Foul Beast. Uh, I tend to go the Foul Beast over the Armored Foul Beast. I don't. Like, the extra defense on the Foul Beast, I don't think that's really a problem. And 20 points you can spend on, like, extra stuff for your Witch King or extra things. So, Foul Beast, if you want a Foul Beast, is good. Armored Horse is quite good. Horse, quite good. Either of those options. I often go just a Horse for the Tainted, but any of the options are good. Tainted can also dance around on foot as well if he needs to. He's a Harbinger of Evil, Terror, Will of Evil. Fine. Special thing. The Miasmic Presence is at the start of the move phase before heroic actions are declared. So before heroic actions are declared, but start of the move phase. So this is one that you've got to be very careful as well because a, a canny opponent will just jump into with a heroic action before you get to use this. The Tainted may elect to spend a point of will. If he does this until the end of the turn, all warrior models within the 6 inches may not benefit from the Standfast rule nor take part in heroic actions, which is fantastic because you can decide when to use this, when to turn off Standfasts, when to turn them on, and it's very, very useful. Now, keep in mind that this combos very well with... Uh, any sort of fury you have around now, unfortunately, that's not the case in in this army's shaman. So that would be basically in the Mordor list. But just to be able to go and move over and tell warriors to to run away or to not is very very nice. So that's got a little bit better in this edition. It used to be always on. It's it's a good thing that that's the uh, the old lobelia Sackville Baggins rule but you can turn it off and on, which is really nice. And he's got Seeping Decay, which is a little bit of a bonus. So at the start of the fight phase, roll a D6 for each non-spirit model. Now, this is nice that it's non-spirit. In base contact with the Tainted, uh, if the model's a cavalry model, you roll for both. And on a 6, they suffer a wound, which occasionally happens, uh, usually happens to his spearmen, but occasionally it happens. So that, that's a nice bonus. He's a bit of a caster, so he's got Drain Courage on a 2+, plus, Transfix 3+, plus, capellan on a 4+, and then Black dart and Sylphia and sap will on a 5+, plus of all standard ranges. Basically, if you're getting this guy, it's for that uh, Mosmatic presence to try and and stop people from using Standfast, which in an army with Harbinger of Evil and lots of terror things, pretty nice, pretty nice.
0: Yeah, honestly, I think you've actually missed out something that's uh, honestly at times can be better than the Standfast, and that's not being able to take part in heroic moves. I totally, yes, I didn't highlight that at all. That's that's huge. Not being able to benefit from heroic actions. It's not even heroic moves, sorry. It used to be heroic moves, but now they've buffed it to heroic actions. That That is massive. Being able, if you've got priority, being able to lock out a significant portion of your opponent's army from re-engaging you, especially if there's something like cavalry, that has a huge tempo swing in your advantage. Yes, it also affects your models, but when you when you when you're playing this sort of Angmar list, you have so many, like, little tricky things that you can do. You can really put your opponent off balance and give yourself a lot of really good tempo uh, in terms of your engagement. And if you chuck him on a foul you can even do even crazier shenanigans, like flying past their army, getting it so that the bubble's within range of their troops, but not your troops. And, like, do some really funky stuff with that if you're really clever. So really be on the lookout for when you can pop uh, this ability because it, remember... It's heroic actions. It's all of those really cool fun effects that that extra move, help the consolidation move from uh, heroic uh, combats can really muck at your opponent if they've set up a really good, you know, slingshot with like five guys. You can drop the tainted nearby, drop the aura down, and suddenly their big amazing heroic combat flank isn't going to work out because their own models are getting in the way, and only you know the 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 Thaedon or something can can move afterwards. It can can really catch your opponent off guard.
2: It also has potentially got that heroic uh, stay back in your own army. If you want to be really clever and just move your heroes first as part of a heroic move, you can do the the, the with me, bring your heroes, leave your warriors, and let them react later as well. So there is some really tricky stuff you can do with that one. Yeah,
0: imagine like having like uh, three uh, like Angmar Orc uh, captains on WAG or something like that. And using them on the flank, having the tainter just beside them, drop down the aura and then push them the the riders forward with, with, with a hero or two, you could do some really funky stuff with that.
2: A lot of it is quite corner case, but it's also toolboxy as well in that you can you can add it and mm. you can plan around it and you can definitely surprise people with it because it, it's something that doesn't happen in any other models and a lot of people don't see it coming. So it, it's one of your tactical advantages. Instead of just pushing everything forward, you've got some stuff you really have to think about and, and consider some placement. So that's quite good. Uh, how does this compare to the Dwimer Lake Kylie? Can you go through this one?
0: Oh, the Dwemerleg. leg. I I have opinions about this model, but we're go- we're going to save them until after we go through the profile, as as just just to be a little bit fair. So the Dwemerleg, 120 points uh, are the same as all named wraiths. He doesn't have any fancy keywords that are different from the tankers. Still got the spirit ring, mortal, angmar, and infantry and hero keywords. He is a hero of valor, of course. Uh, where he's changing though, is his Might, Will, and Fate. He has 0 Might, 16 Will, and 2 Fate. So, he doesn't have the same uh, action potential as the other ring Ringwraiths. Uh, for War Gear, he has Heavy Armour and a Two-Handed Sword. Notably there, he does not have a Regular Sword, so he is going to be at minus one in the dual roll using that Two-Handed Weapon. For Heroic Actions, he has Heroic Channeling, and for Options, he has an Armoured beast, a Regular Old beast, an Armoured Horse, and a Regular Horse for 70, 50, 15, and 10 points, respectively. For Special Rules, he has Heartbringer, Terror, and Rule of Evil, of course, and his special, uh, kind of unique ring race special and that is Sap Fortitude. Every time a hero model within 6 inches of the Dwemer Lake spends a point of might, will or fate, the Dwemer Lake may elect to spend a point of will. If he does, roll a d6. On a 4+, the enemy hero model must spend an additional point of the same type or the deed will be cancelled and any might, will or fate already committed will be lost. Note, a hero model that wishes to expend multiple points of Might, Will and Fate may wait to see how the Dwimalake's role affects their first point of Might, Will or Fate, before committing to spending any more points. The Dwimalake will have to spend a point of Will for every point he wishes to affect, though he may wait and see how his first point of Will affects his opponent before deciding to spend another point of Will. Ah, oh, that was so wordy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is wordy. It, it's look on its own, ignoring the wrestler profile and everything else like that. That is incredibly annoying to have basically someone being able to shut down your your might. So as a as an opponent, you really have to choose whether you spend might around here. And I think most people end up not spending might around him. So he almost creates this this null might zone where, where there are not a lot of mites being used by your opponent around there because you don't really want to risk having to spend extra points for all kinds of actions. Like suddenly a two-point heroic combat, a two-point strike, a two-point move. If you absolutely need it, you absolutely need it, but it's not particularly nice. Uh, but it is only a, a six-inch range as well, so it, it is something that a hero can be placed away from it as well. We'll go for tactics a- against this a bit later on. But overall, Kylie, now I'll let you talk about what you think about this model. Have we gone through the spells first? I don't think we have. Ah, uh, standard- no, we haven't.
0: But this, they've got the standard re- He's got the standard ring re- spells. No modifiers there. Drain Courage on a 2. Transfix on a 3. Compel on a 4. Black Dart and still Fear and sap will all on 5 pluses. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so that, that's, that's all fine. You've got plenty of will in this model. The big thing is no might and a two-handed sword. So... So he kind of sucks in combat. So this guy is is one of the few that if I if I consider taking him, sometimes I'm foot. I'm not against that. Definitely a horse just to put him in the right spot. I think is is the key thing yeah. to do. But and a horse gives you a knockdown as well with a two handed sword. If he's like adding like a coup de gras type move, that's not too bad. He can definitely help out there, but. His combat is definitely not his priority. You've got him there to to cut down might, and he might be a good choice if you've got a, a might heavy like play group or whatever. If everyone's using like lots and lots of might heavy armies, especially ones with only a single point of might, um, I know there's not a lot of those around anymore. But the might spam armies pretty much don't like this guy. But other than that, he yeah. he might end up being a, a bit of a point sink.
0: Yeah. Well. A little bit and yes and no. The the way I see the Dwimmelite is he's a he's a combo piece. He's he's not the first wraith you pick or he's not the really the first model in an Angma army you pick. He's kind of he's kind of there to one, as you said before, tax your opponent's resources but particularly to enable your your resources from being more effective. So, say you have um, uh, Ice, which we'll get into in a moment, or other key key uh, models like uh, big scary monsters, or you know, um, possibly even uh, the um, Witch King or the Tainted or something like that. He's there to kind of he throws the first transfix out, that gets blocked, and then the second transfix comes on the top. Once you add that in with the Sap Fortitude. It can be really, really uh, problematic for your opponent to actually get a resist off. Because he's using he, he, the way his uh, special interacts with those stats, he can make your already potent spellcraft be even more potent. So if you really need a crack through, a really particularly difficult hero to to, to nuke out or, or, or to deal with, this is the guy you want backing up your other spellcasters. And, and that's that's how I see the light being used, is this kind of uh, additional combos piece to, to really push home the absolutely lethal spellcraft that uh, the Angmar has at their disposal.
2: Yeah, that's fair enough. I could see a lot of use with him with Barrowites, as you say, but also as a friend for the Witch King, that's a pretty nice buddy to make sure that his three mites getting used really, really well and and making sure that spells go through or making sure that there's no cheeky strikes around and uh, anything in that extent. Definitely useful. Uh, What kind of points level are we talking about dropping this guy in first, Kylie?
0: I would be looking at minimum 650 points. Minimum. Probably even more. Because he's 120 points on top of some other big scary thing. Like, you look at all the other like scary stuff in the list, they're all coming in at, you know, 100 points. Really, when, when you're looking at the models that you're going to be want to comboing this guy with, you're already sinking 100 points in. So when you start to kind of layer out your army and, and figure out how many resources you get you you really need that extra kind of points limit to be able to get use out of his rule because like I said he's a combo piece which means he comes second to something else. If, if you only get room in your list for one ring wraith, the Dwemer Lake's not your wraith. It's the Witch King or the tainted.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking eight hundred to a thousand really because yeah. I, I just think he's a he's a bit of a an expensive luxury piece that as I say on his own you, they, you can work around him pretty easily. If he's got some pretty powerful friends with him, yes, absolutely very useful. And uh, we'll go through how to use him if you do want to use him. We might yeah. even design an army list with him in there as well just to show off what to do with him. But I, I look, I, I like in that he's, he's different to the others. I think it's really cool to have a wraith that works differently from other wraiths. I think he does provide tactical challenges. I don't think he is terrible. Like I think there's some things that they've tried to be different yeah. where you're really hurting yourself. I think you're hurting yourself a little bit with this guy, but there is some real high reward as well. Like, if you go against certain armies or in certain situations, you might end up getting incredible value out of this guy as well.
0: No, I agree. Like, you look at kind of the minimum kind of combo stuff that you want to do with him, which would be Dwemer Lake and two Barrow Whites, that's still 220 points. So... Like you said, Jeremy, he's a great model to have at big points levels when you can afford him, and you will get the benefits from him. And that, that's that's the key thing here. Out of all the lists in the game, this is probably the army list you want him in is is the Angmar armulist because he will turn on the that the, like deadly spellcraft, like you said, but. Like you also said, Jeremy, you're going to need that extra, you know, 200 points at 800 or 1,000. That's when he's going to shine. Because, you know, when you say you have the Witch King, the Tainted, and the Dwimler, you've got all three of them, he's going to be absolutely lethal. Imagine three transfixes coming over the stop with the taxing on the resources. If you need to transfix something at 1,000 points, this is your guy to get in on the action. Even Smaug and Sauron and all those big guys are really going to be scared of this this model on the table.
2: I can imagine some, so those big sort of ones that you could set up some some real character assassinations that would almost be impossible to resist at this point if you are placed well. So he, yeah, he, oh look, he's definitely got some uses, but a huge point sink. And I would like for that many points, like you're looking at at least 120. Why not spend the extra 80 points and go for our friend Gulliver the Teravarnal? So Kylie, I'll do the reading of this, and I'll let you do the colour commentary because I think you will enjoy oh, that quite a bit. Yes. So, yes, so we've got. This 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 model, I think li- long-term listeners will know that we really like Gulliver, the terror of Arnor, from a from a gaming point of view and from a model point of view, and he has gotten better since our last edition. So Spirit, Angmar, very, very important in this army list, and, and can be a positive, can be a negative. Monster, Infantry, infantry is interesting. Monster, yep. Hero, Hero of Valor. So a Valor hero, fantastic. That's 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 really important as well to have, have the 15 models. Uh, you've got a, an incredible profile. So a move six without the fly. So we will get fly later on, I'll spoil that. But six inches without the fly is very useful for those times when you have to walk or your wigs suddenly stop working for some reason because dwarves are around. You've got fight of seven, which is a great starting value, Oof. fight value. Uh, four plus, eh, who cares? Strength eight, amazing, amazing. So good strength eight. Defense five, okay, a lot of people focus on this defense five. Defense five is not a guarantee wounding. It's enough. It's plenty. You don't need to have a million defense, especially of a model like this. You've got attacks and courage of an asterisk, which is strength of body, strength of will. You get those equal to the remaining wounds, and the wounds start at four. So your attacks start at four, courage starts at four. Attacks four is so, so good. So good. Like the attack four is amazing. No
1: less.
2: Yeah. Courage four, uh, that's okay. It's not great. So you've got amazing attacks, good wounds, four wounds, uh, great wounds. Courage, eh, yeah, that's okay. But they will go down as well. So uh, that's another thing people look at and go, oh, but what if I'm on one wound? Well, you've got one attack and one courage. Yes. At that point. Not so great, but importantly, your fight and strength stay the same. So it's not like you lose those ones. You've got a good heroic profile with three might Three will and zero fate. Unfortunately, the zero fate. But that's kind of cool as well from a story point of view. You've got all the attacks where you need to be. The three will, very, very handy. And that is very good because you've also got resistant to magic. So it's hard to get spells off against Gullivar. Three might is fantastic. You've got huge claws and teeth, which are just hand weapons. Your heroic actions, heroic strength... Going up to strength 10, maybe, if you want something like a, some sort of ridiculous hurl or something, who knows, um, or to not be knocked down. I don't I don't know. That, that's a corner case one. But heroic defense is great. So heroic defense, if you're ever, ever in a bad position, you get him get him sucked into a bad position, throw down a heroic defense, and it means that you can save those precious wounds. Special rules, fly we talked about. Harbinger of evil, great. Te- goes with the rest of that. He's also got the terror. He's got monstrous charge. That is so, so... Good it's, to be it's, able to get.
0: It is oh. that edition of that. That's one special oh. role that took Gulava from being a good model to a great model. Oh
2: no, I disagree, Kyle. It's gone from a great model to a like a, a top top three in the whole game model. Like it's just. Oh.
0: I mean, as much as I want to disagree with you, I can't. I can't. Yeah, go I, on, go I, on, try. I, 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 I am. I am honored bound to agree with you in this situation. Name three can... models better. I can't. No, you can't. Name I, I two models better. I, I think he's the best model in the game.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would be. And we haven't even finished.
0: We haven't even finished his profile yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay,
2: okay let's keep going. No, <laughs> I, I agree with you as well. I'd be, I'd be really hard pressed to to, to find others. Um, Immortal hunger. So he regains. This is just gravy. Regains a single wound for each model he slays in combat. So you've got to actually kill the model. You've got to remove it from the table. Rend is the only brutal power attack that allows Goulivar to regain wounds in this manner. Well, that's a nice bonus. It actually works with Rend. And it can never take his wounds beyond four. So if you do cop a a, a sneaky wound here or there, you can always just fly off and beat up a a weak guy and get your wound back. So that's really nice. So there, I've done the profile. Kylie, the podium is yours
0: okie dokie alright Goulvar the Terravano, my favourite model in the game and what I also think is the best model in the game he is just oh he is the bee's knees the cat's pyjamas whatever adjective you want to throw at him he has got it covered I so like the th-
2: bee's pyjamas from that combination <laughs>
0: <laughs> the thing that I love about it is his fight 7 and strength 8 those two stats cannot be underestimated that, that high strength And that high fighter with the mobility of fly and monstrous charge makes him a force to be reckoned with. He is unparalleled in terms of damage output. I cannot think of anything else that can do more consistent damage than Gulliver. That is how good this guy is. And, you know, he he is the reason that I managed to to win Masters. He is that powerful of a model. And... He's just... There's just so many nuances. I'm kind of getting a bit starstruck again because of how much I love this model here. But kind of what we're trying to sell is here, what makes him such a really fun model to play is his three-dimensional playstyle. Because you can attack from so many different angles, and particularly because he's vulnerable whilst doing so, makes your opponent think that they have avenues to get in and attack him with. So you can get these really funky situations where you can almost place Gullivar on a spot to force your opponent to come into a, a zone or an area where they think they can attack Gulivar from, and then you can surprise them by re-engaging on them or jumping back in or using your other support pieces like Barrow White and um, the Witch King to fizzle out that re-engage onto Gulivar or that engage onto Goulivar. And having a heroic defence as a last line of defence, essentially, as this panic button press can be so useful in stalling out and buying tempo. The amount of ways you can play Gulliver is is absolutely mind-boggling. He can he can turn into this you know, pseudo-tank character for a few turns with his heroic defense and being able to restore wounds. You can use him as the beat stick. You can use him as an assassination stick. You can use him as leverage. You can use him as bait. You can fill any role you want and he just provides so much to an army. Yes, you will be building an army around him, but man, if he isn't going to take advantage of the fact that you've built an army around him.
2: I think we just say build an army around really. It's more just, okay, if you're making him the leader, you are going to have a huge advantage in contest of champions, but you're going to have possibly issues in other places and you, you want to give him some support. So the occasional thing that gets him doesn't, doesn't make too much of a mess of him. But I think what people look at sometimes when they see a model is the negatives and, in, in terms of playability, in terms of power, negatives are really good because what they do is they keep the points cost down to an affordable level and good players will... will basically find a way to, to mitigate those negatives. So the negatives for Gulivar that people see sometimes is fight seven, is you're not able to get that higher. Now, that shouldn't be a negative, but it does mean that Strike can get him. So make sure you're never in a position where you've got a couple of heroes of Strike surrounding you or anything like that. Because I see people losing him for almost nothing, where they go charge him headlong into some striking heroes, and they kill him in one turn because they can get through that pretty easy. So don't do that. Avoid that. The other disadvantage people see is... Once again the the wound's going down with the low defense you've got to put this model in places where you're not going to get cheap wounds taken off on mass. You can afford to lose one or two here and there. You can definitely afford to do that if you've got an army that's that's got a slower tempo where you've got multiple turns. But what you want to do is make sure that that he's protected that when he attacks, he just destroys something and he can roll re- like we're talking about four attacks, plus one on the charge for the monstrous creature that a uh, monstrous charge. You're looking at 10 attacks on a knockdown? That's...
0: It's insane. At, at, at strength 8? I've seen this guy one-shot, literally one-shot of a single charge, a Durin. Models do not... There aren't many models in the game that can one-shot a Durin. This is one of the models that can one-shot a Durin. Absolutely. And, <laughs> yeah, it's but but it kind of goes a little bit more beyond that. It, it's It's... That what that strength eight is actually doing, it, it doesn't really have much bearing on the defense eight and defense seven. That's kind of like whatever. The models that are defense seven and eight, if if you've gotten into and you've set up a charge and you're probably gonna kill them anyway with the motor charge. What the strength eight does is it means you can crack defense six frontline shield walls with impunity. You do not care about them. You do not worry about them. You do not even blink at them. You just walk through them like paper mache, with, with with a with a chainsaw. It's 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 that kind of carnage that he ensues. Like I have seen this guy go into your bog standard kind of defense six elf shield walls and just walk through it. I've seen him go through dwarf iron guard and walk through them. Hell, he's I've even seen him go through um the defense the, the stupid iron hills. At defense A, he can still walk through him. And that's that's his power. Is he can go into these defensive line formations and just breach them, unlike any other model in the game. Even even the stuff that's designed to be able to stall out monsters, he can beat them because of how high your strength is. The only other models that have the strength A are ants. But they don't get knocked down they don't get the charge bonuses that this guy does and that's what makes him special is that strength eight being multiplied across the attacks and across the monstrous charge
2: if you, if you charge the model you just pick him up and take them off the board essentially you've got to, uh, to we'll go against how to beat him in a, in a moment but man it it, it is mm. really really challenging to to do this so look he's he is 200 points. It's it's a lot of your army. I think it's absolutely worth it. I think it's probably on the undercosted level, but he that's a, that's a probably a quarter of your army for in most armies or more. So it's one that you have to protect. Yes, if somehow someone gets four shots in shooting or hits you with a siege weapon, you're in a bit of trouble and you've got a big gulava shaped hole in your army. But other than that, it's just yeah, it's just the hitting power, the the assassination attempt like potential on almost anything in the game is just so, so, so huge. So, yeah. uh, look... But, yeah, I can't, it's, can't, we can't speak yeah. highly. Oh, yeah. so it's, it's,
0: it's not just that. It's like, There's other factors in play, like the support he has in the army that, that makes him really shine, but I, I'd almost say that his weaknesses is what makes him strong, because it's the weaknesses that that almost lulls players into his falsest security, thinking they can take him down, going, oh, he's only Defence 5. Oh, he doesn't have strike. So it can almost lure your opponent in or fall, think, make your opponent think that they can go into him when actually they really can't you know you, you might have an arrestor kicking around and he goes I'm fight 6 with strike I can fight Gullivar and arrestor runs into Gullivar he strikes up he gets to fight 10 but then the orcs come in and they peel off a couple of elves and now suddenly it's only arrestor and a single spearman fighting a Gullivar and arrestor only has 2 attacks with a friend and then beats him in combat, and then Gullivar eats him. That's the kind of stuff that can happen with Gullivar, and it happens surprisingly often. When you have four attacks, five on the charge, you'd be surprised how many combats you can just swing back because you have more attacks than your opponent, and you generally will have a lot more attacks than your opponent because of that as well, especially once you're chucking something like a banner arrow.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yes, Yes, you can even do that. So this is one of those few models in the game where... Like if, you, if you ever charge something like a Gandalf, and we know how resilient he is, just call a heroic combat. Not a problem. Just take him out yeah, in one turn. I've, it, I've heroic
0: it's... combated off a Gandalf before. Yeah. <laughs> and then proceeded to jump into a, uh, I think, what was it? It was a, one of the elf, annoying elf ones. Yep. The, yeah. uh, the, the you know, the, 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 the twin dude. Yeah, off Gandalf into a twin, kill both in a single turn.
2: Are the twins fight six or seven? They're six, aren't fight they? six. Yeah, six. Easy, easy. Heroic combat, doing the bulging with Gulliver is just, oh, it's so good. And he's, he's one of those models that you don't usually make your points back in this game unless it's something that's really cheap. So usually, like, your infantry is stuff that's making its points back, as in killing more than its points are worth. But this guy often does. 200 points. You can kill 200 points worth of stuff with this guy most of the time.
0: Yeah. E- easily. Easily, in fact. Because once once your opponent's major threat that can actually do it, Gulivard goes down. It's like Gulivard just kind of pats his hand and goes, "Right, I have free reign of this board now." I mean, hell, in, in in the game I played against Jay in the final, like there was a point where Jay ran out of might, and I just kind of just kind of grinned to myself, like going, "Gulivard's got free reign. You're out of strikes. You have no fight seven. What are you gonna to do to stop him?" And that that's 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 the kind of situation Gulivard does. He goes. No one can stop
1: me. Smack, no.
2: smack, 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 smack. <laughs> okay, well, that's enough on Gulliver because once again, keep yeah. it secret. We'll talk about, we'll about probably with Gulliver a little bit of how to use Gulliver. We talked about it a lot then, but more how to strategies against Gulliver, and that will help yes. the Angmar player as well, because the Angmar player will know what to look for, because it's, uh, it's, it's a tough model to beat if you know what you're doing. And yes. uh, It's he, a he... scary, scary model.
0: He's is essentially a, a scalpel, very sharp, very dangerous. Can can absolutely surgically position and cut out anything in the game, but it's still a scalpel. If you push it the wrong way, it's going to snap.
2: But yeah, anyway, yeah. we're moving
0: on. We're moving on. We're moving on. We've talked about so we go from we go from one great spirit model in the game that gets talked about a lot to another great spirit model in the game that gets talked about a lot. Well, I'm not sure about great, but you know. Shades be what they are. So next, we have, of course, the Shade. The infamous Shade. He comes in at 100 points. He is a Spirit Angmar Infantry hero model with uh, Hero of Fortitude, I believe. Yes, Hero of Fortitude. He is move 6, fight value 1 with a 4 plus shoot value, so absolutely rubbish there. Strength value of 1, also rubbish. Defense of 8, actually, that's pretty good. Uh, 1 attack, rubbish, uh, 3 wounds, pretty good there. Actually, courage... it's quite
2: good I, I think that's that's pretty good especially with the defense
0: yes uh, courage of one absolutely rubbish again it has zero might eight points of will and one uh, no zero points of fate I don't where I got the one throw' probably looking at a troll chieftain or something like that yes I probably was uh, so zero eight zero there for the might will and fate uh, for war gear the uh, shade doesn't really have a weapon it is a mass of twisted undead uh, a Shade never counts as being unarmed, so it has this kind of weird blades of the dead strangly kind of situation. But essentially, a shade is always armed with a basic hand weapon. For special rules, they have blades of the dead, which is very very handy. Terror, and lastly, chill aura, which is their kind of unique special rule. At the start of the fight phase, before heroic actions are declared, a shade may expend a single point of will to activate this ability. All enemy models within six inches of the shade suffer a minus one penalty to their jewel roll. This is cumulative with other penalties, such as wielding a two-hand weapon. But wait! Unfortunately, there has been an FAQ that has come in and slightly tweaked this special rule. Instead of targeting all enemy models within six inches, it targets every model within six inches, both friend and foe. So this means that if you have your own models within six inches of the shade, they will also suffer the minus one penalty. However, this has no effect on friendly Angmar models that may be a part of your army list. So a lot of incentive there to, to take this model with the Angmar keyword models.
2: Yeah, I think this is, this is one of those models that, that has a long history of of annoying people. So it's taken a, a bit of a hit uh, in a few FAQs and also in the the stats. So firstly, the Chill Aura, you have to choose when to use the will. So uh, that's that's fine. You've got eight will. Eight turns is plenty, but the issue comes when... Something takes away your will, or you need your will for something else. So you might get a few less chiloras than you'd hope for, uh, than than previously. So that's that's something to think about. Uh, I do think that eight wills pretty handy. It means that you can resist things. It means that your courage of one is not going to come into play for the first time, uh, even even before it didn't as well. It had it had enough will to survive the first one usually, but that that's pretty handy. This this ability is that good. It, to be able to to basically give a huge advantage to everyone that's fighting within six inches is is massive. And people design armless around this uh, to the point where we, we used to run the tactic of don't fight near a shade. Just don't do it. Don't fight near a shade. Yeah. Now, there are times when uh, now, I think considering it has to spend a point of will for it, I would definitely fight a couple models near a shade and try to bait out that will for just a couple models. But still, the tactics against still are are the same and the tactics for you've got to put your shade in a position. You've got to make sure it's locked in position. So it doesn't accidentally wander off through some, some sneaky way, whether someone's targeting its courage, like a a sentinel or whether someone does a compel. Once again, you have to spend your will to resist that, which is a pain, but you want to make sure it gets into position and then you get the maximum benefit from it. this is another model that I think you're actually designing your army list around. I think it's it's not mm. something you just put in because you've got a spare hundred points. I think if you have a shade, the rest of the army is designed to take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, hundred percent agree. Like the shades have always been such a, a an awkward model to design because it's such an unfun model to fight against because you just almost have this immunity. Like that minus one effect is essentially a a at minimum a plus sixteen percent. Uh, increase to your odds to win every combat for every model that you have within 16... Uh, within uh, 6 centimetres uh, inches.
2: Mm, it works a little it's, bit it's, different than that. Yeah, but, yeah, yes.
0: but it's... It's it's just... It, that, that, that's just insane because the more combats you have around the Shade, the better it gets and, and that's kind of where a lot of these issues come in and Quite often, why a lot of players will design lists to be able to deal and take out a shade, or or have counter play to it. it it's the reason why Lady of Light is so prevalent in in. Um, most uh most communities meta. It's the reason why people take uh you know Lothlorien or Merkwood into a list just to get access to Sentinels. It's the reason why Spectres get t- tapped into lists so often. It's the reason why people say you always need to compel. It's the, because of this one model it has changed and evolved so much of how a lot of competitive players will change and design their list. Because what if I fight against a Shade? I'm absolutely screwed. So being Changing it a little bit around and what they're kind of done with, with the FAQ is going to help. But at the end of the day, I, I still think this guy's like an absolute bargain for 100 points, especially if you get really creative and actually get some use out of that defense state and three wounds. Because if you put a shade in a, in a position where your opponent thinks it's vulnerable... They're going to go after it. They're going to try and alpha strike it. They're going to try to, you know, knock it out with a, a single Boromir charge or or try to get Bolg in there to de- bulk it up. But if you can set up the Shade in such a way where you can bait in a charge from one of these big heroes and then counter that big engage with, say, you know, like a Ghoulabar we talked about earlier or maybe a Barrow Rite or a ringrave Paralyze, you can get even more use out of your Shade. And that's where I think... Uh, a player with a shade goes from being good to great, is being able to get some use out of that defense eight and that three wounds, because as bait, there's no better bait than a shade. It really comes down to it.
2: Uh, absolutely. I, there is some tactical choice involved in it. The way that they, they've moved it around, they've basically made it, punished you for taking it as an ally now, which I guess I'm not, I'm not against that. Um, I didn't necessarily agree with how it was done, but it does it does make sense in a way as well so we don't want this guy just pasted onto a corsair army and and people were designing themes where a ghost was following them around for all kinds of things cuz the model is incredibly powerful but what it does is it makes the agma list very very powerful and and I guess when you're playing against an Angmar army, if you know someone's got an Angmar army, the idea of facing this guy is pretty scary. Because you're right, you have to have a plan against it. You can't just go in thinking, I'm just going to gonna play normally with a shade around. It does not work. You have to modify your game plan. You have to have a plan for it. And that's that's incredible, especially at 100 points, to have a model that, that basically changes the way you play the game. So we'll talk once again about the shade so much in the Keep It Secret, and we'll give you some tactics against it, I think, is probably the probably one of the better things to do but also how to use it as well now and and how to do some sneaky stuff with it there's some cool things you can do with a shade uh once again in a in a decent size army so once you get to that 500 points it's it pretty much will will be a good value model i think.
0: Mm. Well, Jeremy, why don't we go on to one of your probably favourite models in the game? Oh, yes. The Barrow White.
2: Yes. The Barrow White. Look, the Barrow White was always incredible for 50 points and now it's even better. It's so so impressive for, for me anyway. So the Barrow White, for 50 points, you've got a spirit. Once again, Lady of Light. Go away, Lady of Light. We don't, we don't care about you. We'll use the army bonus on the spirit, which we'll talk about a bit later. Uh, Agmar... Am are good because it works with the shade? Infantry hero fortitude, so it can lead twelve models. A spirit leading models is actually pretty good. You you would expect these guys could be a a kind of um, even an independent or a minor hero because they're like how often does a ghost lead things? But he does. I guess there are ghosts in this army list, but there's no disadvantage of that. I. I like when Warg Chieftains can only lead Wargs, you think... Well, can only give heroics to Wargs anyway. You think that this guy might have had a penalty, but no, he doesn't. He's got a move of six, a fight of three, which is, which is not terrible. Uh, shoot four plus two cares, you're not going to use that. Strength of three, pretty, pretty decent, actually. Strength of three, I think that it might have gone up, but that's good. Uh, defense of seven, great. Attacks one, wounds two. Oh, nasty, nasty. Used to be wounds one, now wounds two. Courage six, amazing and very useful. Uh, might of zero, will of five, good, would love to have more, but five is five is enough for what he does, and zero fate, heavy armor and a sword, so blades of the dead and terror. So that strength three does, does work. It does work for the blades of the dead. So that means that you're hitting things in the same way that army of the dead does. You're going against courage. So you can look at at wounding things, most things courage about that 3-4 four mark, 4 plus, 5 plus. Not terrible. Not terrible. Especially because you've got two wounds in defense 7. You don't mind it being in combat. But that's not what you're taking him for. You're taking him for magic powers. Paralyze. The best magic power in the game. Fight me on it. I still think it's the best. No, range I
0: agree six... with you. 100% agree with you there, Jeremy. Paralyze is the best spell in the game. Full stop. Capital letters. Start a new sentence.
2: Yep. 4 plus to cast. Not terrible to cast. 6 inch range. Got to get up close, but this guy doesn't care about it. He doesn't pop when he runs out of will like the ring Ringwraiths do. So once you're out of that will, which he will run out of will. This guy never ends a game with full will. Uh, he always use it up. So he becomes basically a little courage bubble with the courage six. So he's great for late game, objective capturing, keep your army together, stand fast, all that sort of stuff. But that paralyze just... It means that, that once a model's paralyzed, they automatically lose combat and get struck against them. So even your humble orc warrior with a two-handed axe is going to town on something. It, it is the scariest spell for heroes. You will do anything you can to resist a paralyzed because if you're paralyzed and then something goes into you, you're going to die. Or at the very least, you're going to, to get hurt. Or even worse, someone's going to do some sneaky stuff with uh with monsters or anything like that with some some nasty things we've we've automatically winning the combat. So there is uh, always a use for a Barrow-white in an Angmar army and it's almost surprising to see an Angmar army without one.
0: Yeah, honestly, you are 100% right. I don't think I have ever written an Angmar army that doesn't include at least one of my uh Barrow-whites as I uh like to affectionately call them.
2: Barrow-whites. Okay, that's, Barry that's uh, Whites. I've never heard that. Oh yes. Barry White, yes, Barry yes, yes. White. yes uh, yeah. yeah, we've we've done Barry White before, yes,
0: yes, that's what I said. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, singing you to sleep with the paralyzed, absolutely. Yes,
0: but it's 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 all about a threat. This guy, this is almost the cornerstone or the linchpin of the Angmar army list. Everything is kind of almost designed around this one model and particularly this one spell because of this hyper threat. This almost surgical nuke that you can drop on an opponent's hero and just absolutely muck up their plans this guy just he empowers everything in the list he empowers the the nasties in, in, in your Gulivar and your trolls he empowers your other spell casters and your other spell casters empower him he he gets multiple benefits out of the plethora of orcs you could throw into this list There's there's nothing that that this guy can't interact or synergize with him the list. And that's, that's kind of the reason why we really like him so much. He creates a really interesting dynamic in the game. His uh, Paralyze is powerful... It still needs to be used at the right time with the right amount of resources. So you have some really good decision-making trees that you have to go in there. How much will do I use? Do I go two wheel, two wheel, one wheel? Do I go all out for one big spell on four wheel, or maybe you know do something funky like one, one, one? You know how you stagger out and space out your your paralyzes can be just as important as you know getting the spell off. Just just as as it is, and it creates a really good, fun dynamic in the game, but as we will get into in the uh, Know Thine Enemy, there are some really good plays with it, and really good counterplays against the Paralyze and the Barrowite. So,
2: Kylie, just just a question. Do you still have that little book you wrote, all the tactics when you're preparing for the Masters?
0: Uh, My uh, playbook? Yes, I do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, what, did you write something about how much will you leave on the Barrowites? I think I remember having a big conversation about that.
0: Yes, I've actually got... There's a whole two pages dedicated to will management in the Barrowites.
2: Oh, fantastic. We'll and, definitely and go like, through that in yeah, keep yeah, yeah. secret. What, what, what to do
0: <laughs> with the stagger-outs and stuff like that. So I look forward to sharing my knowledge that I have gained in my journeys uh, all the way to Manchester.
2: Yeah, that was, that was fun to, to come up with that and, and theorise about that. Okay, so I'm going to... Oh you you take the next one Kylie. Let's yep. go for another spirit, I think.
0: Yeah, so this is the last of the spirit models in the Angmar list. We have a Dead Marsh Specter, 15 points, and it's probably I would say probably the best 15 points you could spend in the game. Agree or disagree Jeremy?
2: I just can't get over the name. It's not a Dead Marsh Specter, it's an Angmar Specter. The Dead Marshers are not in Angmar. I I've gone through this many many times that just gets me going every time. I saw an amazing uh Someone put together a, basically a dead Arnold Warrior, I think it was, as a yeah. dead Marsh Spectre. It looks so good. That's a that's an Angmar Spectre, not this guy. But anyway, 15 points. Yes, look, I, I agree with you, Kylie. This is an absolute bargain for 15 points. Yeah. So keep going, keep going.
0: Let's, let's see what we get. So we get move value of 6, uh, fight value 2 with a 4 plus to hit. Strength 3, defense 5, 1 attack, 1 wound, and a courage of 6. Courage of 6 on a basic infantry warrior. My <laughs> lord, that is good value. Uh, and an War- evil warrior
2: as well. Like, that's, I know. That's, yeah.
0: Yeah. For Wargear, he has, uh, they have, sorry, uh, heavy armor and a sword. They have special rules of Blades of the Dead, which is absolutely phenomenal. Terror, mm, yeah. which is even more phenomenal. Yeah. And a foul Light is in them, which is insanely phenomenal. So at any point during its move, a specter can choose a single enemy model anywhere within 12 inches and line of sight. This model must pass a courage test or make a full move under the control of the spectre's controlling player, even if that model has already moved. This move cannot be used to enter an enemy model's control zone or perform actions that will cause it direct harm, such as jumping down a cliff. It may also not be used to have the target dismount or lie down. Effective models may move no further that turn, but may... And may not activate abilities for the remainder of the move phase. So very, very potent. We've talked about it so many times on this podcast how important it is and how powerful it is to be able to control your opponent's movement. Being able to position your opponent's models anywhere on the table is just—it's just an insane ability to have, and to get this ability on mass, even. With these spectres, because I have seen armies of ten or more of these guys is 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 absolutely game breaking. Even just one of these guys in your army can absolutely change and dictate the course of a game.
2: They're cheaper than the the Lothorian counterpart, the the Sentinels, which is which is nice in its own. But we've got a lot of nasty things that they don't have. So things like the terror ability and the uh, the blades of the dead is really good. So they're quite an offensive threat. And the, that really high courage. And the the defense of whatever it is five is is really useful. But the foul light is so good, so I can. It's almost a, a, a just how many do you want? Like, do you want do you want two? Fine. Do you want four? Fine. Do you want ten? Fine. Why not? Like, it's you can definitely do it with this army, and it's it's such a cool model. And I'm really glad that they're bringing it back. I don't know if it's if it's made order or permanent order. I don't really care about that. But people have got the opportunity to buy them again, so that's fantastic. Mm.
0: Yeah, they're, 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 again, another one of the cornerstone models to the Angmar army. You pretty much never leave home without at least one in your list. I have a a golden rule I like to tell uh, some of the newer players that are coming into the game, that you want one spectre at minimum per 250 points, and uh, my 750 point uh, kind of tournament list that I run with Angmar, I generally run three, so they're such a a great model they're they're a fun model to play with and um when you kind of get skilled enough that they can be very uh challenging and kind of almost enjoyable in some cases when your apprentice not taking a ludicrous amount of them at least to kind of play around because there are strategies to play around them marsh vectors uh and there are ways of, of counteracting them too and Even when your opponent is running, you know, bodyguard or en masse bodyguard, they can transition into other roles such as uh, breaches, which I like to call models that can easily kill and wound uh, opponents because while they might have bodyguard, Courage 3 is still Courage 3, and Blaze of the Dead is wounding those kind of models on 4s, which can be very, very handy in very specific circumstances, particularly if you're trying to get rid of some of those pesky Vault Warden teams.
2: They're, they're amazing sometimes when you combine them, the Paralyze as well, that plays of the Dead. So those kind of models go down really, really quickly.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I've, I've seen these dead marsh Spectres basically uh, on their own, just two of them uh, walk up to uh, Big Bad Boromir and basically kill him while he is down. Boromir paralysed. two of them go in. They go, right, well, we've got four strikes here between the two of us. Uh, we're wounding on fives. Add in lands and in they went with the Blades of the Dead and over two turns, you know, knocked out his last wounds and fade.
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting model in that, isn't it? It's, it's one of your key movement pieces, but it's also one of your key hitting pieces. And if you, if you play it cleverly, you can... You can definitely use it in in lots of different ways. It's such a such a nice toolbox, such a such a fun model to use on both sides. I I don't mind it. Um, uh, its magic is incredible. The fact that it gets it every turn is is really really good. But in some ways, it's it seems more fair than say the Sentinels because you're often going against good models, especially if you're thematic. So that's that's kind of cool as well. But let's move on to the next one, Kylie.
0: Um, just before just before we do though, I think we we this before we get into any of the orcs. We need to point out the army bonus special for Angmar because okay, sure. I think it is super, super important to point this out before we start talking about the Orc models. So the army bonus is, if that fell Kingdom should rise again, Rivendell, Lorien, the Shire, even Gondor itself shall fall. So this translates into, friendly Angmar Orc models within three inches of a friendly spirit hero model gain the Terror special that is phenomenal. We, we have talked oh, about Terra people. in spades. And all the models we just talked about, the Witch King, the Tainted, the Dwumalake, Gullivar, Shades, Barrowites. all of these models will proc and make this special rule activate for the orcs that we're about to talk about. And we've, we've, we've talked about the Humble Orcs so many times, Jeremy, but kick us off. What, what orcs do the Angmar have at their disposal?
2: Okay, so the first one we want to get through, I'm going all the way to, to to my favorite book, The Scary of the Shire book, the new one. Love this book. We've got Goldfimble, the Orc Chieftain. So he's he's managed to sneak his way into an Angmar list, which is a, a very nice addition for him. He's Imagine him with some some spirity friends helping him out. That's going to be great. So for 40 points, we've got an Orc Angmar Infantry Hero. So once again, he's... If, uh, no, it's only the warriors, isn't it, that cause the terror? It's not the heroes, is that right? Or is no, that no. The heroes?
0: Orc, orc heroes will cause terror as well. It's okay, so so yeah, get, put him next to Barrow orc. White and,
2: and yeah. he's causing terror. Great. Hero of Fortitude. He's move six, fight three, four plus. Yeah, he's just, just an ordinary orc. That's that's Okay. Uh, defense five, okay. Attacks two, okay. Wounds two, okay. Courage four. No, not too bad actually for a, for an orc hero. That's that's not terrible. Uh, might two, will two, fate zero. So fate zero, but he's got a special later on to help you out a little bit with that. Two wills, nice. Two might, okay. Forty yeah. points, cheap. I'll take it. Uh, um, yeah, i will say. Look, it's it's another option. It's good and to have some might is actually really good in Nangma list as well. So his war gear is armor and a hand-and-a-half mace. Love the hand-and-a-half option. That's really good. Hand Two-hand weapons are great in armies that have barrow-whites, so to have this option on a hero is really nice. Heroes with two-handed weapons can be really, really handy. His heroic actions are pretty decent. He's got heroic strike only on your fight three, but it's it, it's useful if you're going up against something with a static fight value. So if you're going up against, say, a monster and you just want to, to get him and a bunch of specters in, that's pretty handy. It's it's a nice defense as well if, you, if you're if you going up, some elves manage to grab into him.
0: Yeah, even, here. even against these lower-end uh, heroes, like a, a fight six... Um... Goblin King, or yeah. hell, even like a Flight Six or something like that, throwing him in there for a cheeky strike can actually be really, really beneficial, because it could scare your opponent into calling a Counter-Strike back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it, having having Strike is good. Having Strike on Fight 3 is not amazing, but it's better than having no Strike on Fight 3, so, so I'll take it. Heroic Challenge? I'm <laughs> probably not going to bother with that one, although he is a Hero of Fortitude, so you can play... If you do find a useful challenge, he's the kind of guy to do it, because he can pretty much challenge whoever he likes. Uh, the next thing you've got is a wag for 10 points, which we know what we feel like that. That's that's a great choice always if you get some some that. So a two-handed weapon on a wag, great. And his special rule, he's got an impressive girth. So whenever he suffers a wound, roll a d6. On a 5+, plus, the wound is ignored exactly as if a point of fate has been uh, spent. He cannot use a special rule against wounds caused by magical powers. But I guess if someone's using magical powers to cause wounds on go- uh, ball, who cares? Like, that's... They're using yeah. spells on Golf Wimble. And he's part of the list. We already know that. So that that's pretty decent. It can be better than a single fate point. It can be worse than a single fate point. But you don't have to think about it too much. It just happens. So so in some games, it can be amazing. Like you always get those stories where someone did four wounds on him and he saved three of them. And and occasionally it'll work really well. A lot of times it won't there, but but it's it's better than nothing, especially when he's got zero fate. But this guy, the chief advantages of him are in an Agma list you've got that 2 points of might you've got a tactical strike if you need it you've got a two-handed weapon and you've got a little bit of will and a little bit of courage which can which can help you and the movement as well so the work so i think he's got his uses and he's really not that much points
0: no he's not he's he's, he's a nice option in place of an orc captain uh, mm, yeah, if you a don't if, if you don't need the captain, uh, if you have the option for a captain and you don't need March, or you might already have March because you have, uh, say for instance, a chieftain in the list, this guy can be a really good sub and substitute because he does offer some extra uh, little extra nice bits of utility that the regular orc uh, captains do not. The carriage four is uh, quite nice as well. I will say there's been a few times where that has bailed me out of trouble. I've rolled that seven and my opponent's looked at me and smirked and gone, you're going to use that mic point, and I'm like, nope, I'm Courage Force, so I'm going to go straight in there, and it can be especially useful on the flanks, and that, that's kind of where this guy belongs, is on the flanks, he does a really good job, you know, mopping up, um, you know, objectives and, and stuff like that. He's pretty reliable to stay around with the uh, impressive girth, especially early game when he has the two mic to buff those rolls if he needs to. Uh, just overall, a very handy model to have in the list. Um, and you pretty much always take the WAG. So 50 points uh pretty well spent, to be honest. Uh, I don't really have any complaints about him.
2: No, he's not not my first choice. But if I'm doing a say an orc focused list, he's a pretty good second orc captain. Like I, I do like the march on the orc captain, and I think the march is very important in this this list. And if you don't have it, then I think you need to think about some other things, and we'll, we'll talk about that. It's not it's not absolutely vital, but it's also pretty pretty important. But he does he does other stuff and. He's he's one that you can definitely look at his weaknesses. Like having a low fight value isn't always the best into combo of strike. Having no fate can be can be problematic. But he's got the girth. I think I think he's okay. And I think probably not my first or captain, but but definitely my second one. I, I would probably take this guy over the second or captain. I think he's got. Pretty useful, and I do like that that hand-and-a-half mace. I think that, especially in this army list, can be can be pretty handy. Kylie, do you want to go on to our our friend, the standard orc captain, which we were comparing gold people to?
0: Well, Angmar orc captains coming at 40 points, as you would expect. Here's the orc, Angmar, infantry, and hero keyword. Heroes of fortune, as every captain in the game has. Uh, Movement 6, uh, fight 34 with a 5-plus shoot. Uh, strength 4, defense 5, 2 attacks, 2 rings, courage of 3. His might, will, and fate is 2-1-1, one, one, as you would expect. And for war gear, he has armor and your choice of either a sword or a pick. For heroic actions, we have heroic march. And for options, we have a wild for 10 points, orc bow for 5 points, and shield for 5 points. And remember, can get terror if he's within 3 inches of another Angmar spirit model.
2: Orc heroes are already good. I feel like they're they're the hero that... It's at that points level where... Just take the hero. It's a great points level. It's very handy. It can tie up heroes for, for an annoying amount of time if you put on the shield and just... Just make sure you go defensive. It can move fast and hit hard. If you've got a wag, it can can provide that cheap might that you really do need in this army because there's not a lot of cheap sources of might. So these are a really good go to, and you've got that incredible bonus of the army list rule with the terror. So, yeah. so having the terror, we'll talk about that so much in the Keep It Secret, but the terror is really, really good. It works really, really well with this army, and and I love this choice. And it's part of me thinks I would love it to have like a different profile a little bit maybe some more will and maybe less fate or something like that something to make it actually angmar or captain but i'm actually okay with it as it is Mm -hmm. i think it's it or captain's already very good this guy just gets a bonus for for nothing. Uh,
0: honestly the Orc captain in this the angmar or captain in this list kind of reminds me the last piece of a of a puzzle that you're putting together he solves so many problems like being able to take that wag and having march with the two points of might Allows you to, one, keep up with your really fast, highly mobile uh, models such as Gulivar and the Witch King. So you can get into position, uh, might not be right next to them, but with that 6-inch aura bubble that you get from, from the heroic moves and stuff, he can be in place, ready to call that heroic move for Gulivar or for the Witch King. So you don't have to use their might instead. Plus, he brings that all-important march to the table on a cav base is really, really really important. It means you can go, go really fast. If you need to hyper engage with, uh, Gulliver, you can do so with him and an old captain. He just, he just fills that last little problem in the list that you need to fill. And he fills it really, 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 really well.
2: Yeah. A bit of a, bit of a utility piece and an absolute throwaway. You never care about losing this guy. And he, he's great. If he's there in the end game, if he's not, you don't really care. I just suck. So- so good, and, and I think uh, a lot of armies should design with probably just a single one. But then there are some armies where yeah. you can definitely consider taking multiples and, and do some fun things with that mm-hmm. as well.
0: Yeah, I've, I've definitely seen this guy, like, almost in a way, uh, pop off because he kind of gets forget about. Like, oh, there's a witch king and a gulabar on the table. I got to deal with them. And then suddenly the old captain's just sitting there going, and bonk, that's one elf dead. And bonk, that's a second elf dead. And he just kind of sits there for, like, three or four turns, just killing one elf a turn or something like that. Or, or he, he just provides a lot to the list. And with terror and stuff, you can even maybe get that heroic move off when uh, you, your opponent might not be expecting you to, just because of that terror. Like, terror on any hero is good. You, you stick it on a utility hero like this, it's just a bonus. and
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah unassuming hero an amazing bodyguard for some of your spirit heroes as well so so getting him to to stand in front of a a witch king and just make sure he peels off the right guy or or helps out in a heroic uh, combat or something like that is really nice he yeah, you can take advantage of him, absolutely. You've also got an orc shaman, an Angmar Orc Shaman, and this guy's this guy's uh, I've got mixed feelings about this one. So it's slightly different to another one. So which I like. I like that it's different. You've got an Angmar Orc Shaman, fifty points, so competing with the Barrow White, the Orc Captain, the the golfing ball level. Uh Orc, Angmar, infantry hero, minor hero, so only six guys leading. The standard profile, so fight five, five, shoot five plus, who cares about that? Strength five, defense, sorry, strength three, defense five, attacks one, wounds two, courage three, uh, one, three, one, might will, fate. Heavy armor, dagger, spear. Spear's nice, but nothing to write home about. Heroic channeling. channeling. Yeah, okay. Uh, options for a warg. That's that's good to have an option for a warg, get to get him where he needs to be. And the magic powers are... Interesting magic powers. So, first of all, your go to is your wither 12 inch range, cast three plus. Kylie, what does wither do? Uh,
0: minus one courage for the rest of the game, actually, quite mm. handy. Uh, we talked about wither a little bit in some of our other episodes, but particularly with this guy, in any other list, I would say it's rubbish. In
2: this list, are you I... sure it's minus one courage? I thought it was a different, no, no, no it's
0: strength, it's minus one strength. That's, yeah, what I, yeah, that's, that's what I said, that's, that's it? It. You said courage, but courage
2: oh. is the um, drain courage.
0: My apologies. It is minus one strength for the remainder of the game. Actually, it's really, really handy. And any other list, as I said, this would be rubbish. But specifically in the Angmar list, it actually has a home. Because you have so many other spellcasters that can be even nastier than the Wither, you can almost use him to disable... Uh, and make useless another random hero uh, in, in your opponent's uh, army list. Maybe not going after the big heroes all the time, but say there's um, like a, a, a Mudrill or, or a Kyrian or, or one of those low-tier heroes kicking around, chucking three withers at them and getting them down to, say, a Strength 2 or a Strength 1 can basically write them out of the game for, for all of eternity, really, because Strength 1, you're not going to really do much with it. And yep. it, it's just a little handy thing to do, especially at low points level, uh, when you might not have access to some uh, some of the bigger stuff in the list. Taking, a, say, a, a, an Ongmar, Orc, Shaman, um, Golf and Bull, and then just spam Orcs can can be a fun little list that you can um, you can run with, with your mates and stuff. Um, he has a WAG, so you can do some of the, the cool all-mounted list and that. But as a little side character that can can maybe surprise your opponent... He's not too bad.
2: Yeah, it's another it's it's another way to to basically noodle one of those big heroes, in my opinion. Like, I know you can get middle heroes, but a lot of these really big heroes, and I was talking about big as in, like, big points cost heroes, are sitting there at strength four. So if you can do it, get a couple withers. If you can get two of your three withers off on them, strength two is really problematic suddenly when you go and get things like defense five, which a lot of your army is. So it's not a bad idea to... to to cast that a few times and then just throw things like Spectres into or Barrow Whites into that hero, meaning that they, they have a lot of effort to kill what they're fighting and they're quite dangerous. Those blades of the dead means that they could actually do some damage back. So they're, they're nice there. They're a bit of a, a luxury. Fifty points, oftentimes I miss out on them. They've got another spell in Still Fear, but my problem with this one is it's it's not that reliable. So I have stuff. Three inches, five plus, the Wraiths have it. I feel like if this is your strategy, you do it on the Wraiths. And it's... One thing I don't like about the Shamans is there's usually like a go-to power and then a dud. And casting on a five plus when you've only got three points of will and there's no way to get the will back, um, it's not appealing to me. It's just too unreliable. But the three plus casting spell is definitely an option. Uh, Strength is one of the better stats in the game. It's one of the more important stats in the game. So reducing someone's strength can be very useful you could easily do it for some sneaky stuff as well if you wanted to to make things uh so gullivar could monstrous charge them i'm sure you could find a case for that kylie maybe uh, if you withered a tree is that is that something you can do
0: (laughs) it is something i have done uh one of my favorite little plays i have done in the game was uh throw a wither on an ant and then proceed to one shot it with a gullivar that was a uh, <laughs> that was a that was a fun time, mind you. I did know that my opponent was taking an a- ahead of time, how uh, to in a couple of events. So I, I, I uh, nah, s- yeah. snuck the Edma uh, Orc Shaman in, hoping my opponent wouldn't notice until the last possible moment. Because well, like, that's
2: that's actually a really good target for it because they most of the normal ants only get what is it resistant to magic in their army list. So that's. So they,
0: get the, they get the better version of it. This was actually an allied contingent for them because we were playing. A better, oh, okay. Yeah, we we're yeah. playing a thousand point game. So taking Treebeard and an end and then a bucket ton of Rohan with throwing spears was kind of their play yeah. for the day. So I went, all right, well, I'm going to take every single cool fancy thing on the Angmar list. So I ended up with yeah. uh, like Gulabar, Witch King, you know, a Wide Chieftain and a Shaman and a Captain and stuff like that. So, you know.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Look, in this army list, if I'm honest, this is probably the last thing I consider. I think I almost have to work to fit it into the list, but it's not I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying like it's the same cost as a barrow white. So I can almost put a barrow white in without thinking. And this guy, yeah. I have to do some thinking.
0: Yeah, that's, that's essentially, yeah. Where where the Barrowite is almost guaranteed to, to knock a hero out of the game, there's only very specific heroes that the Angmar Orc Shaman is really going to neuter and really going to make problematic to, to have on the table. And if your opponent doesn't have one of those heroes that the Shaman is really going to do nasty things to, then you'd be better off with the Barrowite.
2: The Baroway is just such an all-rounder, and it's, it's incredibly useful if... If its main tactic, if its main paralyzed doesn't work, because you've got the. It generates terror for orcs and it gives you the, the courage to stand fast. So, yeah. once again, it's, it's, it's almost a definition of a luxury pick, and it's very much a, a gotcha type thing where people don't expect it coming, and you might actually frustrate someone incredibly if something like. Um, Elindel ends up, well, which is really hard to get because he's good at resisting magic. But someone, something really good, one of those heroes that someone's relying on doing so much damage loses a couple points of strength. That can be can be devastating for them yeah. as well.
0: So my personal my personal favorite in that regard was getting an hour on down to strength two, and he did nothing for the rest of the game against my defense five He just sat there and twiddled his thumbs.
2: Yeah, that that's a good target. There there are some the ones you can get the spells off against are, are really good targets Partic- for it, I can but, imagine. Yeah, particularly something the ones. Like that, Boromir would hate it.
0: Yeah. Particularly if he doesn't have the lance. Um anything that doesn't have modifiers to their to wound rolls absolutely hates being with it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But it's I, I almost feel like this guy I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if it was thirty five points or something like that. I don't think at fifty, he's just—it's too obvious comparison to things like the Barrow White. Yeah. So uh, that—that's that's my only real problem with it. I think it's—it's it's, there's just other things in that slot that just do a better job. I don't know why it's a minor hero. I think if it was a hero of Fortitude, you might then say, okay, well look, at least I can take twelve walks with it. But the fact you can only take six as well, and the Barrow White could take twelve. Yeah. Ugh, the only thing really
0: he really has going for him is that Wither and the wild. like. But if if you wanted a mounted yeah. wag, like a mounted spellcaster, why not take a wraith? And if you wanted a a, spell, a, a really nasty spellcaster, why not take a Barroway? Yeah, it, it's
2: it's at that point where it's like, well, okay, look, I'll, I'm going to start taking some of the fun parts of this because the list itself is pretty good. So it might be a way of of just lowering the power of the level a little bit so that people enjoy playing it. So if your opponents don't like playing against Dragmar, he's probably a good guy to take because he's he's. Got definite counters, and as as someone playing against him, I don't mind playing against him. He can be absolutely brutal at times, but at least you know it's coming. So I, I yeah, I've got uh, got mixed feelings. I don't know if it's hundred percent right, but it's not. It's not terrible. It's just there's just such like you've got the best options in the game competing against it. I, I in reality,
0: yes, yes, you do. But anyway, moving on from the Angmar Oksama, we have. The Angmar Orc Warrior, humble Orc Warrior for five points. You guys know this pra- profile like at the back of your hands, or well, you should, because we do know this profile like the back of our hands. It is an Orc Angmar Infantry Warrior keyword, movement six, of course, fight value three, shoot value of a five plus, strength three, defense four, one attack, one wounds, and a courage of two. For war gear, we have armor and your choice of a sword or a pick. For options, Battle for 25 points, Orc Bow for one point, Shield for 1 point, Spear for 1 point, and Two-Handed Weapon for 1 point. And of course, like all Orcs in this list, they gain Terror if they are within 3 inches of an Angmar Spirit.
2: Yeah, amazing. Uh, amazing. So, so cheap, so useful when they're not Angmar Orcs, and they become uh, a really, really good warrior. I, I was going to say one I, of the warriors say, in the game, I would but... say
0: the best warrior in the game. One, when you, if you've taken a, a, a fully like, green list with Angmar, which is basically just Angmar, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys become become the best troop in the game. Because for for the value you get out of it, uh, at six points, for defense five with a shield and terror, like, chuck a spear on there maybe, even for a little bit extra, and you don't care if you fail courage to charge. Like, you just sit there. It's like, okay, I'll just sit here. You either charge me, or... I, I sit here in rank 5 formation. Or you freeze, in which case Gullabar gets more time to do what he wants. Or Berno gets to smash that hero. Or the Witch King gets to cast whatever spells he feels like. They're just... They're just so versatile that giving them anything more on top of what the standard orc profile gives you is just, it's just asking for someone to just take a whole army of them. Which basically you do.
2: That army bonus, I actually... I think that army bonus is the best in the game, and I think I think these guys uh, they're, they're
0: best in the game. Oh, I don't know.
2: I think it is. I think I reckon it
0: it's I reckon I it's, it's top three. I think um, the uh, master of battle army bonus. Yeah, yeah, that's gives, it, gives it a, uh, a a run for its um, a run for its money, and I think the Rohan army bonus gives it a run for its money too. The straight four on the yeah. charge is very very helpful fair
2: fair enough top three then but I, I actually I think it's better than those two but I, I, I will give you that 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 makes a lot of sense mm. but it's just an orc is so useful an orc that causes terror is so useful and so annoying because it's just most of the time that terror is going to do nothing most of the time you're just going to ignore it you're not going to bother with it but that one or two times when it, it stuffs you up it's going to be devastating because you're going to go in with, with an elf and you're going to expect a charge and suddenly it's just standing there and breaks up your battle line and stuffs you up
0: yeah, let alone the effect it has against other evil armies in blue on blue matchups. Like, that's, that's, that's the thing that gets me, though. That, that's what makes them such high S, like, S-tier warrior choice is because when you take them against other evil armies, they just go exponentially up in value to, to absolutely ludicrous proportions. Like, mm. if, you, <laughs> if you have Courage 2 Orcs with Terror and your opponent has Courage 1 Orcs with no Terror, you dictate the game. Period. Yes. Like, yes. you're oh, yes. not doing anything. They have no control of the game. They have to make a serious play with their heroes to get even get come close to getting back in. And that's what's so rude about it. I'm like, I distinctly remember in one of my um, tournament games with, with Angmar Orbs, they just, they froze an entire battle line up just for one turn. And I just went, excellent, that's an extra turn I have with the Witch King to go beat things over the back of the head.
2: That's all it takes is just that one turn where it stuffs things up and absolute... Tempo yeah. grabbing models there. Yeah. Perfect, that,
0: perfect. That's great. Or tempo. They, sometimes they, they, they just
2: simple. steal a resource of something. You have to suddenly use a point of will to pass a courage test, and that's that's a point of will you can't use to resist a barrow white. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the barrow white's gonna be right there behind these guys because Angmar, Orc Warriors and Barrowites are, are probably oh, best the best cost affected twelve man warband you'll ever get. Like Yeah, oh yeah. 110, yeah, hundred and ten points for ten orcs with shield. And a barrowite, it's just like oh, I can't think of anything that's got better value than than ten orcs and a barrowite. Yeah, that that's some hard value to beat.
2: And the the nice thing, orcs, we said before, you got all the war gear options. They're they're all good in this list. So the two handed weapon is is a decent choice, especially with the Barrowites hanging around. But the spear shield option, the the shield option, the spear option, the orc bow option, the banner option, they're all good options. You, you take them all. They're they're all fine.
0: Yeah, uh, Anwar is one of the few uh, like basic Orc lists where I'll mix and match my war gear. I will take a little bit of everything. Uh, all, yes. pretty much always all shields um, because shields just work so well on this list. Um, but yeah, I will splash in a couple of two-handed weapons. I will splash in some some orc Burrows, because they're just that good. Yeah. They're just that good. Yep. Just now, the joke. Agmar
2: Warg Riders, uh, we're going to say exactly the same thing. They're that good. You've got the cheapness of the Warg Riders with the bonus of the Agmar army list rule, essentially. So you've got your standard orc profile, which we talked about, on a Warg with the options of a banner, orc bow, shield, and a one-point throwing spear. And those one-point throwing spears are really important in this list because you don't get a lot of shooting options in this list, and that's one of the better ones.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, if uh, if any of you uh, remember our cavalry episode that we had Hendrik Coleman in, uh, and one of the lists he brought with him was uh, uh, an all-mounted Angmar army. So if you're interested in really uh, kind of listening about how to get the most out of your throwing spears, I'm really kind of delving a bit into not only the Angmar list, but mounted Angmar and the uh, Angmar riders, uh check out that episode. It is a really fun episode to listen to, and uh, probably a good supplementary to, to, to this episode in particular just to kind of get a bit more... Um, kind of varied opinions about the uh, Angmar Wagriders because uh, Andrew absolutely put on a masterclass uh, in that episode.
2: Yeah, look, I love these guys. Having having either a 12-point with a bow or 13 points with a spear... Th- uh, sorry, throwing spear shield, you're going to love them. I usually go for that 4-5 that mark where it's just enough to, to do cavalry things, but you can go really heavy as well.
0: Yeah, there's... Like what I love about like I like taking a, a captain with five, uh, with the shield and throwing spear, uh, and that little hit squad is is the perfect uh, Gulivar babysitter um, and Gulivar, you know, pillar. They they will they will basically bail Gulivar out of just about any other problem that he can get into, uh, because with their speed they can keep up. But most particularly when they go in to charge. And peel the models that are trying to surround Gulabara. When they die, you get refunded with a wag some of the time. So even when Mm. your opponent thinks, right, I've got rid of the chaff, now I can kill the big guy, there's still some chaff left. So, they still have to cut through, and, and that extra turn that they can buy you can be just enough time for you to get your Barrowite back in a range or swing the Witch King around, back around the flank, or or bring the Tainted up to get Gulliver out of that problem situation. And it, it, it's just so handy to have them just rocking around in your list. And imagine five of these guys are the captain and a Gulliver on the charge, and there's not going to be much of a flank left once these guys go in.
2: No, no, they're... They, they, oh, I, I love it. They, they're spoiled for choice. They're, they're a really good choice and, and a nice sort of thematic option as well and a nice way to do design differently. So a lot of people, initially, when they're starting it, they will, might avoid them, but they... They're good, and they're a way that you can get more fun out of your Angmar list by just adding these guys in and focus more and more on them as well. They've also got the nice way of uh, moving your banner around. So having a banner on a WAG is a pretty good option in this list because you've got a lot of fast-moving stuff that might want to like flip a flank. So if, say, something like a, a Witch King, Gullivar, a couple of WAG riders, maybe a WAG Chieftain, which we'll talk about next, want to go and, and go flank hunting, then take your banner with them is a really good move.
0: Yeah, no, i absolutely 100% agree with that. And we'll, we'll get more into the Tactica. Uh, about the Wargrows, or you can uh, jump across to the uh, Cavalry episode at your leisure. But right now, we're going to look into our next model, which is the Wild Wag Chieftain for 80 points. Mm. This guy I actually really love. This, this This guy has turned the corner on me, and we'll kind of get into a bit why why with his profile. So he has the wag Infantry Hero keywords. He is a Hero of Fortitude, but man, he has some thick, juicy stats. He has a movement of 10... Bite value 5 with a shoot of 5+. plus. has strength 6, defense 5, 3 attacks, 3 wounds, courage of 4. He has 2 might, 2 will, and 1 point of fate. He has wargear, claws, and teeth, which we did kind of really pick up earlier when we talked about Gullivar, but claws and teeth can't be shattered, so a little bit of uh, uh, anti-synergy there <laughs> with the uh, Gundabad shamans. Uh, so
2: corner case. So
0: corner case, but it's handy to have. Uh, heroic actions are heroic march and heroic strength. Special rules, terror! Terror! On this guy as well, very very handy. Uh, and his drawback special, which actually can be a bit of a positive too, is Pack Lord. Only friendly Warg models may benefit from the Wild Warg Chieftain Stand Fast and Heroic actions. So you can do some funky stuff where you call Heroic Move with the Warg Chieftain, you put, push him forward with the Wargs, and then keep the remainder of your force into reserve. And it can be really, really handy to have this guy, you know, rocking around in your floss, particularly at low points game. That's where he shines. Anything, like, sub 500, and he is just probably one of the best 80-point drops you can throw in a, into a list.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to be as enthusiastic as you about that, but I, I do see a lot of good uses for the, the Wild Chiefs. And 80 points is, is getting up there in points, but your fight value is at that really nice level, especially for Evil. Having a fight 5 model with might is is pretty nice to be able to do some sneaky heroic combats occasionally or the heroic moves you have to, or just to bump up and win the fights. He can be be a threat. Strength 6 speaks for itself. That's that's really nice. Defense 5 is enough, and 3 attacks is great. 3 wounds means he can play a tank role if you want to because he's actually pretty hard to get through. And he's... Like, the Terror synergizes really well. with The army, I I, I do like him. I feel like he's one that... that I, I I take him or leave him. So if I'm designing a WAG army, would love to have him in there. If I'm not designing a WAG army, he probably uh, misses out on it. But he he's a fun model, and he he's one that he's annoying to get rid of. I find him really difficult to to get rid of and and to to take down because uh, once you got it, you got to win the fight against him, and he's that's not. That's not easy to do. And then you've got to get through his Defense 5 and 3 Wounds and a Fate, which is at that level where most things can't flash kill him. So I do I do quite like him. Speed is always useful. Courage 4 with 2 will means he's probably not going to run away without a bit of work. Uh, he's a good choice. And also his, his WAG friends are a really good value now. They used to be a little bit more expensive. But for 7 points, for just a standard warg profile, the Fight 3, the Strength 4, Defense 4, Courage 2, and Claws and Teeth, which can't be shattered, just good. Good stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Really handy, especially in like the movement scenarios. Like, particularly seize surprise. This guy excels at seize the prize because oh, he loves seize. Because the prize. picking the prize up with a wide chieftain can be very, very difficult to deal with, especially when you a have...
2: march as well. Ooh, yeah, oh, nasty.
0: Yeah, because you're on at turn one, you're digging up, and you have just so much reliability in protecting that prize with the three wounds, and even in stuff like storm McCann, he has the wounds to get there. Uh, the uh, combat ability to stay there but one of the things that we didn't really touch on is his ability to duel enemy heroes because he has really good stats fight 5, strength 6 3 attacks and 2 might he's actually even if he's at lower five value really handy to have around to, you know, fight those one-on-one combats against your Arrestors. Fight those one-on-one combats, you know, against the Huron or, or something like that because they're not getting knocked down against him or, or any of those those fun cavalry bonuses that, that they would normally get um, because he's strong six. He can't be knocked down by cavalry. So he, he, there are some really cool uses for him in a list and at that low points level, he absolutely shines.
2: Mm, yeah, yeah, he, he's definitely a fun one. Now, the, in the last part of the list, we've got some trolls, and I want to go through these because I've got uh, got some strong opinions on the trolls. So, i will about first the one, you take
0: the regular old wogs? Wild oh, I just
2: mentioned them very quickly. Oh, yes. you we, want, we, do you want to add any more?
0: No, nah, we, we all know what they are. Seven points for, we do. for, for a wog. We, we, we all yeah, know what the yeah. wog so is. Let's,
2: let's go into our, our troll chieftain, birder. So 110 points, you get a hero troll, which is... Very appealing. Troll, Angmar. He's got the Angmar keyword. They'll come up later. Monster, Infantry, Hero of oh, Valor. So that, that means that he's going to be a leader a lot of times. So this is this is a good model, especially with the armies designed around him. Uh, move six, fight six. Uh, he's a troll. He's a he's basically a cave troll with some bonuses. So you've got your strength. Uh, four plus uh, shoot value. That That's uh, important. You've got strength of six, defense of six, three attacks, three wounds. Courage four. Not too bad. Might three. Great. Two... Oh, sorry. One will, one fate. Okay. Pick is a, your weapon. That's, that can be very nice. If you want to get some, some higher strength, why not? His heroic actions are good. So you've got heroic strike on fight six. that He's your best striker in this list. So that that's that's really nice. Heroic strength. That can be corner case useful at times on a monster. Uh, stop a knockdown from a big monster. Hurl bigger distances. Hurt something more. Yep. Whatever. Uh, heroic challenge. He's a hero of valor, so... You may consider it. I probably don't... Th- I don't think you will. I don't... I still think... Don't think Challenge is that appealing. He's got Terra. He's got a Strength 8, Range 12, Throw Stones on a 4+, plus, which is pretty nice if you're playing a stagnant list. That's... That actually hits pretty hard. And he leads by examples. So... In a turn which he slays an enemy hero or monster in combat, all friendly orc models and troll models within six inches of him count of being in range of a banner. So you suddenly get a six-inch banner range if he slays a hero or monster, which he wants to do anyway. So that's a really nice bonus. And it's sort of things like the heroic combats with him to try and kill something, get a banner up and going, is a, is a nice bonus. I really like that from a thematic point of view. I don't think it's it's game-breaking, but I think it's really nice. What do you think, Arlie?
0: Yeah, I absolutely love him. Um, as I was saying earlier with the Troll Chieftain, I love pairing Birda a Troll Chieftain and a Barrow White up at low points. So at say, you know, four hundred, five hundred, well it really is not low points, more mid range, but those three models in particular have this really weird synergy where they work really, really well together. You know, you've got the speed from the WAG, the hitting power from Birda and the control from the Barrow White. So as as an auxiliary piece to list I absolutely love this guy. He, he fills a role that no other Angmar model really does. Like you said, Jamie, he's got that really good heroic strike in there, uh, coming out from the fight value six. But in particular, if you're not feeling confident with the Gulliver, this is the guy you go to next. This is, this is the one where if you don't think you, you can manage Gulliver or you have the control to get the most out of Gulliver or you're worried about what your opponent might be taking, uh, and stuff like that, Birdo is probably your next best choice because Birdo, with a couple of spellcasters behind them, whether it be double Wraith, whether it be double white, Wraith White, hell, maybe it might be double white and a Wraith, uh, he will absolutely shine because him going into any model, you know, going with the pick, coup de with three attacks, against a paralyzed something, he's probably going to kill it. Maybe not with the same reliability as Golbar, but that little bonus you can get out of that, 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 uh, banner effect from the uh, lead by example can be handy and the throw stones is I mean we talked about throw stones before how how useful it can be when you need to be static. This guy's this guy's amazing. He's just an all-round, really good pickup. And on a 40 mil base you can't ask for more than that.
2: Mm, oh 40 mil base is such an advantage isn't it to, to be able to move him around. Yeah you're right. He's he's almost the training wheels for Gulliver. He does does a lot of things similar but not as dynamic but he's he's a really nice Nice leader in this army. I, I just think he's a fantastic choice, and he's a great centerpiece for it, and he's a nice model, so so why not? If you like Agmar, get a birder. Uh, he leads the Cave Trolls, which are a nice option with him. 75 points. they monsters. Infantry Warrior, not Agmar. FAQ this as soon as possible,
0: please, riders. Please, 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 FAQ Make him Agmar
2: Trolls, please. Uh, he's got a spear as the Wargit comes with a spear, which is nice. Uh, can swap the spear for a hand and a half hammer for five points. Good choice. And Troll Chain, uh, comes with a troll chain. It's a nice throwing weapon, three-inch range, and a strength of five, and a five-plus to hit. Not too bad. High-strength throwing weapons are, are always handy. You can move at full speed, and, and if people avoid you, you can hit them. Uh, is Burly? Great for a hand-and-a-half hammer. That's such a good addition to this model. Terra Great. Throw stones, 12 inches, strength eight. All good stuff. So
0: everything except
2: the synergy with the, 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 the shade, shade is yeah. good.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely love it. Um, what I love about Berder and the Cave Trolls is that big points as well. They can function as auxiliary uh, or secondary uh, monsters. So particularly the Cave Troll is really good for this. But Berder tends to sink out your points a little bit too much. But if you're at eight hundred plus, you could take Berder instead. Uh, but one of the things I do like to do is take Berder and a Cave Troll, or Ber oh, sorry Gulava and a Cave Troll, or Gulava and Berder, because what it does is it. It applies a secondary combat threat to, to your army and forces your opponent to have to deal with them. So say you do lose Gullivar to a play or a reckless attack, you then have a secondary uh, model that you can fall back on. And cave trolls are, are fairly underestimated. And when you pair them up with the control that you get out of a wire or a Ringwraith, they can be absolutely lethal. Especially now that they get Burly with the plus one to Wound. There, there are so many little, uh, cool little things you can do with them. And as we said, 40 mil base is really handy for a monster, particularly in the Angmar list. So always look at supplementing your battle line with a Cave Troll if you have the points for it. You might have to give up, uh, say, a Captain or something to, to be able to squeeze them in. But at big points level, especially when you hit you know, the 750, the eight hundreds, even the 1,000 points, adding in an extra Cave Troll on top of your big threat, like a Witch King on Foul Beast or a Gullivar, these guys can absolutely go ham
2: yeah that's a good point yeah I, I agree the the having the, the redundancy for for a real low points cost it can especially late game I find that the mm. trolls are really nasty to deal with early game I feel like people can take them out pretty easily but late game it, it, once you're out of resources it becomes very difficult mm. and they can can sort of get on their own and do some really good stuff so uh, they are they are some of my favorites i just love the models
0: yeah and like you said with the resources if there's any list that can enable these guys it's angmar because angmar is all about taxing your opponent's resources and making him burn through that might alone fate and if if you can deliver a cave troll to the late game which with angmar is Pretty not, not that difficult to do They can do, absolutely do some mess Like you said, Jeremy Hell, uh, you probably could even run an army of, of like four or five of them Backed up by a bunch of orcs And you could have a good time with it as well
2: Can you not steal my uh, master army?
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry <laughs>
2: Foreshadowing, very nice, very nice Okay, so uh, let's uh, I think that's enough for that one That's all the profiles we got through yep. Let's go into some secrets, Kylie
0: Look forward to it
2: Now we bring it to the most exciting segment. Uh, well, well, at least the top four exciting segments. We've got keep it most secret. most anticipated segment. Most anticipated. We've got so much tactics for Angmar and keep it secret, keep it safe. So, Kylie, I'm going to. well, I, I think we should should go through quite a few things with Angmar because at the at the there's a lot to cover. I, well, it looks like for a lot of people when you play this army, it's really just a death ball. Throw everything together, throw your army under the cover of Shade, push it forward, and just, just win games. And I think there's a little bit more to it than that as well, and I'm sure you will agree with me on that 100%
0: statement. 100% agree. This it's a army, pretty safe
2: yeah. statement. <laughs> yes.
0: This army, surprisingly, actually, as as proficient as it is at, at playing like a front-to-back kind of style, it actually... It actually prefers to be more um, dynamic uh, than that.
2: It also, I think that that's partly our play style as well, but there's not a lot of missions you can win just by playing like the same death ball all the time. And when I say death ball, I know I've defined this before. I mean, literally everyone in the whole army stays within six inches of all the characters and you just push them forward and say, right, everyone's going to be under my bubble influences, my banners, my shades. Everything else, and you're gonna have to to take it on in my optimal conditions, and I'll just roll through you like a like a ball, like because that's the rolling part. Yep. So anyway, so that that's that's the idea, and, and we used to see that quite a lot. We used to see shade powered angmar death balls where it was just so many orcs, a shade, pick your monster of choice if you wanted one. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people just went for lots and lots of orcs and maybe a, a couple barrow whites and spectres, but you saw lots of witch kings around. We saw uh, a birder always showed up. Maybe there's always the um, the birder, a couple of trolls, in the shade friends' army mm. as well. And and that that's all fine, but it really does limit what you can do because your opponent can see exactly where you're going. And that's
0: it, takes your, away your, some of the mystery. Yeah, your, mo- your movement becomes predictable, or your play style becomes predictable. That, that's that's something, especially in competitive play, you do not want your army to be predictable,
2: unless it's like unbeatable and it's it's a scenario where everyone knows what's going to happen as well. So something like a seize the prize, predictable is predictable. But in in a lot of the more tactical choice type games, you, you want to have your opponent thinking about multiple things that could happen, and death balls don't encourage that. So I, I guess we'll go into to. Uh, some some more specific tactics, but generally, I think we both like the playstyle where you've got some flexibility about where you insert your most dangerous pieces. Now, usually, those are magic users or they're monsters. Uh, or well, that's cough, pretty much it, Goulabar, isn't
0: it? Cough. Well, yeah,
2: but there's other ones as well. Like, like Goulabar isn't the only. Absolute killer in this list. And, and Gulliver, yeah. I do think he's one of the best models in the whole game.
0: But uh, I think he, he is the best model in the whole game. But then again, I did yeah. win Masters with it, so I'm a little bit biased.
2: <laughs> You're going to mention that. <laughs> well, it's the my episode. I'm going I'm to let you off for that because that's establishing your credentials there. But I do think that that's... Uh, knowing where you place them is really important because all those, those big things, the, the magic users, the monsters, your opponent will have the resources to take them out if you put them in a bad spot. They, they will. That's how the game works. You, you always have the ability to take something out. So you've got to be careful about where you put it. And if your opponent knows where it's coming, they know where to set up their best counters. They always do. Mm. So if you keep them guessing, if it could go to three or four places, they have to set up three or four counters in different places, which means that they're a lot weaker. So overall, as a general tactic, the death ball is, is very useful at times. But learn some other tactics. If you learn some other tactics, your Angmar force will be much more enjoyable to play, but also much more powerful as well, which I guess people are going to hate us for saying that because we don't want more powerful Angmar because it's already powerful. But I just think that's that's more of an interesting way to play. So Kylie, can we start... Uh, i have just having a, a rambling intro. Can we focus <laughs> on, on how to use magic? Because you've got so many magic choices, and I wanted to see your thoughts on that one.
0: Yeah, well, Angmar, Angmar for me, uh, at least in my experience, has always been a, a faction that's all about... Taxing your opponent's resources. So what we mean by that is you want to knock off their, particularly their might points and their will points for, you know, their big, en- big enemy spellcasters like Yigandalf, Sugar and stuff like that. So one of the, the, the fundamental like power parts of them, of the Animal List is the fact that they have Paralyze on the wonderful, wonderful Barrow White and they also have things like Black Dart, Transfix and Compels off their Ringwraves. So this layering of effects of these two very potent magical powers allows you to apply threat pressure to your opponent. They have to respect these spells. Otherwise, they're gonna lose their heroes like a click of a finger. That's what... what the magic in the Angmar list is there to do is there for you to tax your opponent's resources, and then once they're out of resources, give you the opportunities to, you know, make a play, you know, jump in with Gulvar, you know, have Birdo go in and, and, you know, decapitate someone or something like that. So that's what we kind of mean a little bit by magic like magic targeting and stuff, but obviously when we say magic targeting, you need to know what you're going at. So target priority is probably the next big thing that kind of comes as the next step to that. Mm,
2: So what's your your first spell you're doing, Kylie? So you've set up, you've got, let's just say hypothetically you've got a a Barrow White, because that's the magic user I always go through first. You've got whatever Wraith you want, I don't care. Pick your your choice, I don't care if it's a Witch King, I don't care if it's any others. Just just, You've got a Wraith, so you've got a Barrow White, you've got a Wraith, and let's go crazy, let's give you an Orc Shaman as well. So let's give you those three. What are you doing with the spells, Kylie? What are you targeting? What's your plan?
0: Well, the first thing I'm going to be looking at is looking at my opponent's force and kind of analysing what they have at their disposals, like seeing what their big threats is, uh, to kind of just steal an army list off uh, an opponent. Uh, so we're going to go with let's say, a Wolflorian list or an elf list. Let's go on a generic elf list with Elrond, and he has Guahir backing him up as well. So we have Guahir and Elrond as big potential threats in my opponent's army. There's an Arwen kicking around, and because of course there is, there's a key down. So looking at that, those those four characters that my opponent has, I'm looking at what can really hurt my army. And immediately I see Elrond and I see Guahir. Yes, Arwen is a big problem, and she can do a lot of damage. And yes, Kieran is annoying, but in terms of actual what is going to win my opponent the game, it's not going to be Kieran. Kieran is going to throw up his bubbles and be whatever. It's going to be the Guahir or the Elrond. So I'm going to look at which one's in position, which one's got a, a nastier a kind of attack avenue, and which one I can get to more easily and kind of set up on. So I'll probably lead with a with a with a Witch King and probably go a compel, try to threat out. Um, to my opponent of, oh, I'm going to compel you forward uh, and then jump on you, or I'm going to, you know, push you back or something like that, even though I don't ever plan on actually going in if the spell goes off. The the whole plan here is to force my opponent to use their will and then use their might to get get the resist off. So I'll throw that compel in. If they block it, they block it. Who cares? Then I will then probably step forward with the Barrowite and do the same thing. Try and, uh, paralyze, especially if Aaron's on horse because it knocks him off his horse. And then again, threat that will store that Aaron has. If I can knock out that will and knock him off his horse, his damage and threat potential goes down. His ability to put CC on my army goes down. And his reactive ability to deal with, say, my Birder or Gulivar goes, goes away as well. And then after that, I'll probably try and sneak in a, um, uh, uh a spell from the Shaman maybe on Elrond or Guahir, if an opportunity pre- presents itself. So, you know, just kind of buffer that shaman spell in when you really want to try and keep taxing. Because once your opponent's out of will, you basically get to have your way with them. That, that's
2: absolutely right. And But you want to make sure you've got enough will for good spells as well. So I would be careful about how much will you throw away on those almost dummy spells. And I know we've, we've debated this a lot, Kylie, about, about when to use it, but I, I think the will that's the most important... Uh the the will is really important because it keeps it alive, but I actually think that barrow white's will is is the key. And I would advocate for only using that last point of will in the most dire of circumstances because the difference between a barrow white with one will and a barrow white with zero will in terms of threat is is huge. It's a barrow white with no will is 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 a joke. Like it's just just yeah. ignore it. It's it's there for courage stuff it it's, yeah it's just they're, gonna it's they're put down, to down a tarot
0: bubble but you're exactly right kind of choosing your you're your staggering out spells um and how much resources you do throw is is another really good point in terms of magic targeting um i am a big fan of the two to one approach with the barot right so your first spell is two your second spell is two and your third one is is kind of your your hail mary i need this to go off or i'm dead spell so that's the one, like Jeremy said, you don't throw unless you are absolutely backed into a corner and are forced to throw it. Because the threat of having that Barrowite on the table can change the way your opponent um, plays. Um, for instance, when I was playing at Masters, having that one wheel on the Barrowite forced my opponent to keep having Gandalf throw his Protection of the Balar on Guahir every turn because he didn't want Guahir to get paralyzed. That in itself meant that, again, our spells weren't going at another target like the Witch King or Gulliver, and gave me a lot more freedom to do my own thing. With your Ring rays, however, they are, they are your good lead casters. They're the ones that you want to kind of throw forward first and throw their will out with, with their stores. So if you have a Witch King, uh, even if it's early game, if you've got a lot of space between your opponent, you can chuck out those cheeky one-dice spells. Um, and then re-roll them if they fail, and just take whatever result you want. Um, Or you can, more likely, if you're up nice and close, and you need to get your spells kind of rolling early, throwing a nice 2-dice or a big chunky 3-dice spell, chasing that 6 early on, is a really good way to start. You want to get that first 6 out... So that your opponent feels pressured to resist the spell. You want to be threatening them constantly. So, you know, stuff like the Compels, like the transfixes, like even even at times of Black Dart can be can so, so influential and forcing your opponent to resist. Because that's, that's what you want to do against Angmar is you, uh, with Angmar, is you want to be forcing your opponents to resist. Put them in a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario.
2: I think there's also an element of of having some implied threat with that spell as well. So a pack of wags or a wag rider or a, a chieftain or a, a birder or a, a gulliver, somewhere in threat range. So if you cast that one dice, compel on a hero, they look at it and they go, ooh, that will put me in range of these guys and I'll be compelled. I don't want that. And even if you have no intention to go ahead, which, which often you don't because it'll put you out of position, I think having that, that threat, Encourages them to use the will a lot more because mm. the last thing you want as an Angmar player is p- to be casting those spells and your opponent just to say, Yeah, it's fine, doesn't matter, yeah. doesn't matter doesn't yeah. matter because and, you're not getting anything
0: yeah and that is that is the difference uh when playing against um so kind of casual players to uh, playing against basically the best of the best you need to make sure you have that thread in because an extremely experienced player is not going to resist a, a compel on elrond if you can't bring him forward or you can't put him in a position where say suddenly Gulivar can dive on him or suddenly he's going to be Copying a birder to the face So that threat is is the difference Between your opponent resisting the spell And your opponent not resisting the spell And kind of going a bit forward For, for those players that uh, are really struggling Against Angmar, you need to be really Hyper aware of where your opponent's Threats are, because you need to make The choice when you're playing against Angmar Which spells are the spells I need To resist. Sometimes you just Have to bite the bullet and go, I'm up against Angmar I need to dismount off my horse oh, My horse is going to do nothing this game And sometimes you have to just make that call of, okay, right, my opponent has a Witch King um, and two Barrow Whites, all right? My goal now is not to resist the paralyzers, but have enough models around my heroes to try and wake them up with that natural six at the end of the turn, because you do not want to be spending your precious, precious will and even more precious might to have to get back up from being... uh, to to get back up from after being Paralysed or resisting the Paralysed, because... Having might and resources available to you in the heroic strikes, the heroic combats and stuff with your big heroes is what allows you to fight back against Angmar. And that's what Angmar's trying to get get rid of off you. So this is to and fro push between you not wanting to uh, spend resources to the Angmar player wanting you to... Or effectively forcing out those resources. Mm. So, Kylie,
2: I've got a follow-up question on this one. Hit me. The horse thing. Why on earth would I dismount from my horse? What is that doing? What advantage do I have of being on foot?
0: All right. Well, specifically against uh, Angmar, um, a lot of their really big high damage threats, like a Witch King on Fowl Beast, a Gulliver, even to a lesser extent the Birda, but not quite as much, they're on big bases. Um, and when you are a cavalry model, it's a very easy for you to be pushed into a position where that big scary monster can get to you. Uh, having a larger base gives you uh, more more circumference for your opponent to charge into, be able to get more models into. But specifically for things like uh, the flying monsters, it makes it easier for them to charge you. If you're only on an infantry base, if you're on foot, you can only be moved three inches with a compel. Whereas, if you're on a cavalry base, on a horse, you can be moved five inches with that compel, which can be the difference between losing and die or lose, losing and having a hero at the end of the game. Because what you want to be kind of doing in these situations against Angmar is using your warrior troops to block out and prevent your opponent getting their big, scary Griblies assassinating your heroes.
2: Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I can see that. I can see times as well where, I, where I'm not going to do that. But yeah, if. if... If that movement is a problem, losing your horse and then putting three guys around yourself might be an option. I also find against Agma, sometimes the option is to just hide the heroes with a bodyguard around, let the troops get in, throw your infantry in, and then bring the heroes out afterwards because you don't want them getting picked out early. So that that, that is oh, it, it can be a, a problem at times though, for both players, actually, For sometimes. So yeah, it, whatever you have to do to, to avoid that magic... Uh, don't resist the spells that you don't need to resist, so just be, be very careful about mm. that. Watch out for things like Shades. If you can tempt them to, to cast a spell on something insignificant, let them do it. Let them mm. let them go and move some guys and, in your flanks, because yeah, well, who cares?
0: As, as we said, this this is not easy stuff to kind of pick up on. It is incredibly... It's incredibly nail-biting to have to make that call of, okay, my Elrond is being paralysed here. Is this a paralyze? I need a block. Because sometimes... You're gonna to have to look at your setup and go right. I have another hero here. I have I can arrestor or an elven twin or even just a captain here that can block for Elron this turn or get in the way for Elron this turn. So going to resist here is not what I want to do. Instead, I am only I'm gonna accept the spell, let it come through, so that that will and might that I have can be more effectively used later on. Yes, you run the risk that Elrond doesn't get up, but that's why you have lots of troops around him to help wake him up. The, the, the big thing against Angmar is, when you're playing against Angmar, is you want to make sure you have a threat back against those big heroes, or some sort of disengage mechanic, or some sort of crowd control, like uh, a, a wizard sorceress blast, or transfix, or a nature's wrath, or a big hero with strike, or even a little hero with strike.
2: Yeah, yeah, something there. I think that's a good point, actually, knowing when to to resist that Paralyze, because I know the go-to is just resist it. You must resist it. You have to resist it. But you can recover from Paralyze, and if you've got four guys around you that you're confident can make a wall, hold off for two turns, and provide those resuscitating like hits, oftentimes that's good enough. Like, you just need to get one six and make sure that the enemy doesn't have a cheeky shot at them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Going on the monsters, Kylie, we've talked a lot about a few specific ones. There, there, there is some monsters in the list. So, correct me if I'm wrong. We've got the uh, the amazing Gulivar, the the big vampire bat thing. We've got uh, Birda who's we. If you don't know Berdur, is uh, I think it's Invention of Games Workshop, yeah. but it's supposed to be one of the trolls that uh, killed Aragorn's father. And it was a um, uh, like it's basically a cave troll with with three points of might, which is very very useful. to and strike it. Yeah, Burda, Burda is, is so good and very affordable. Like Just over 100 points is great. And then you've got Cave Trolls, which are excellent if you're not planning to combine them with the Shade.
0: Yeah, I would also uh, recommend the Wild Wild Chieftain for the, the kind of monsters. Yes, they're not technically a monster, but with their Strength 6, 3 attacks, and a couple of Might points, at low points levels, they can have the same feel and threat as a monster
2: yeah fair call you're basically not getting those brutal power attacks but what what you are exchanging it for is some excellent maneuver and and in an angmar army uh maneuver is not it's not a premium like yes you've got some wild riders and you've got some more captains they're, they're very good but i i rarely see people making that a focal point i know it can happen and i know i know we've had people on who have who've done that in the cavalry list but that's something that you tend to tend to avoid a bit And the, the nice thing about the, uh, the Wild Chieftain Is that it's got that resilience of a monster It takes a lot to get rid of the Wild Chieftain So it, it goes into something It survives it, and then it provides a massive threat And if it wins a combat, it does some serious damage
0: mm, Yeah, it, it can
2: mm, So how do we use these monsters, Kylie? What, what do you do with them in an Angma list? Well,
0: monsters in an Angma list are, are doing one of two things I generally find either, oh, Actually no, let's make that three things the first is zoning. So, forcing your opponent to not move into a space. Monsters are really good, all monsters, honestly, are really, really good at. Denying space on the table, so allowing you to step forward effectively. You plonk a monster down, you know, in a in a gap between two buildings, or you you you, you push them towards a road. Your opponent is naturally going to ebb away from them, and if they choose to move in towards the monster, that's great for you because it means your monster is now in a threatening position. The second thing they're really good at doing is threatening, and specifically following up on that threat to get uh, takedowns, flash kills, whatever you want to call it. They're there to kill st- big. Enemy heroes, so they've got that assassination potential there. And the third and final thing they're really good at doing is clearing chaff, just mowing down troops. That's that's particularly in the Angmar list. They are very very good at mowing down troops. When they, doubly so if they have a shade behind them. So those are kind of the three things you're looking for uh, with monst- monsters or what you're wanting to do with the monsters in the Angmar list. And honestly, you're probably never leaving home without a monster in your Angmar list. Uh, so you probably are always going to be trying to, to leverage one of these three situations on your opponent.
2: I, I, I agree with that. I actually really like that the, you mentioned that last one with the, the clearing chaff, clearing troops, because they are really, really effective at doing that. And sometimes it's it's not considered fashionable for a monster to do that just to kill one to two models a turn. But that that is game-winning because if you're carrying that kind of pressure... You're forcing your opponent to deal with it, and oftentimes they can't because you're backed up with magic. There, when they go and deal with that monster, it's too late. So that, that's your trap. So I often use a combination. I use my monsters, and I I, I prefer the trolley types, but I have used Gulliver before as well. I use them to to like go and attack things on the flanks and and at the uh, and just be be a, a pest and force yeah. my opponent to deal with them because you get to the point where I'm. I'm staying alive with the rest of my army. I'm doing moderate avoidance, close avoidance stuff, which we'll talk about very shortly with your orcs, and letting my monster just have turn after turn of just causing havoc. Yeah. And once the opponent decides, I'm going to deal with this monster, I'm sick of it, then your magic users, your Barrow White, to a, which I've always got a Barrow White, your Rafe if you've got one, they turn around and go, oh, this is good, and you put your monster in what looks like a vulnerable position, and the hero goes in, and suddenly they find that the magic has... has has got them. So you've either traded your monster for significant heroes, or, even better, your monster survives and the heroes go. Mm.
0: It's interesting that you kind of talk about this, Jeremy, because this is what makes playing against Angmar so uh, so frustrating for a lot of players. You've got this weird uh, kind of shift with an Angmar player because they, they do have the potential to dive in and assassinate a hero, like I said, with the click of a finger, but they also have this uh, kind, of almost technique, where they can go into your frontline troops and just take a couple of extra guys off the table a turn. In normal kind of battle, battle line to battle line kind of uh, uh, scenarios, uh, where you know you have your two lines clash and, and you kind of grind against each other, you're going to trade back and forth a couple of kills each turn. But what we're kind of talking about here is getting a small advantage, and this is where Angmar really, really loves. Uh, having these monsters, because over this base of two turns, if you get a couple of extra kills a turn over your opponent, after two or three turns, you're suddenly up six kills, and that is absolutely huge. That is massive to have to be up, say, six kills um, after three turns of of, of front to front, front to back uh, engagements. That can swing the game in your favor. Because remember when we talked earlier about using your troops. to to keep your heroes alive, knowing when and which um, spells to resist. If the Angmar player can take advantage of that time that you've invested into not blocking a spell and getting their heroes out of harm's way the old-fashioned way by using their troops, it gives you a window of opportunity to run in and then Pressure your opponent with your monster. Get a couple of extra kills. Because when you're killing their basic troops, they no longer have that that peel, that support that extra uh, um, bodies on the table that they would have to block out and box out and cover for their hero that they would have. And eventually you would just beat them in a war of attrition. This is why Angmar has become such a devastating force on the table is because of these shenanigans. They can switch between these two game modes of I'm going to kill your heroes, now I'm going to kill your troops. Now I'm going to tr- kill your heroes, now I'm going to kill your troops. And it can be very difficult to manage as an opponent when you, you have someone who's playing this style against you. Which is why we, we we talk so much about knowing when and where to apply your resources and you know, which spells to resist and when to go in with a hero and, you know, start calling some heroic combat, start calling her some heroic strikes
2: absolutely absolutely so you've got you've got a lot of options there and the more threats you do the better and this is where that comes down to that more proactive angmar player tends to get you get you further i think rather than the passive just just push forward and hope type angmar player so uh with with that one kylie i think we should look at at probably the army bonus the special rule because uh I talked about about that um, like holding off lines. You've talked about attacking heroes, attacking troops. All this relies on being able to just break even at points at, at times to to yeah. get the numbers advantage somewhere else. And you've got, I think, one of the better army bonuses in the game. I'm not sure if it's, it's the best one in the game, I, but I think I it's I pretty close put to it their in my Army opinion.
0: bonus up at top three. Top yeah, three look, I,
2: I think it's it's probably. It's not the hidden gem. For everyone knows what it's doing. It's probably the reason, as much as anything, they don't get to ally with things. They don't get much of an army bone like choice of that because it is really uh, scary for for certain armies. And and that that pun is totally unintentional. The, the the fact that basic orcs, your six point orcs that are are there just to to hold the line, can get terror just by being near incredibly good characters like the Barrowites and and Gulivar and and the Shade is huge. They, yes, some armies don't care about, about courage, but the majority of them do, I think. And this army, if someone's got a, a shaman, this army can get rid of a shaman, no problem. If someone's got a hero that uh, can, say, give bodyguard, this army can get rid of that hero with bodyguard and then just make that terror work. So what are you doing with this terror, Kylie?
0: Well, this terror is there to support your, your threats, your, your big scary monsters, like we talked about. It's to support your, your, your witch king, support your, your birder, even at times your captains. Basically, what we're talking about is they're a roadblock. They're there to, to, to take one of your phrases, uh, Jeremy, they're there to die slowly.
2: Yes, that's my favorite tactic.
0: Yes. So what we want to be doing with our orcs is we want to be using them to block off avenues of attack against our big threats. Our big pieces on the table. So, we do this by setting up these formations with our Barrow Whites and our Witch King to to give them terror, and setting these formations in such a way so our big heroes, our big scary monsters can't be trapped. So, you know, getting them in beside, but keeping our, our bases so we can move forward still. You know, setting up, almost incorporating our monsters into the shield wall, but at times as well, making sure we have our Orcs and stuff, you know, couple lying around the back guarding our flanks making sure that any avenue of attack that our opponent is trying to make or you know set up a play against our our key models and our key targets is going to be significantly thwarted by our mass bodies of orcs and orcs are really good at doing it because they're they're cheap they're affordable you slap a shield on them and they will do this job to the end of the earth and back
2: they certainly do, and I, I think you hear there that last point as well. The shield is got to be your, your primary option. Whenever you're thinking about what weapon should you give your orcs, if, if you're in any doubt whatsoever, if you don't have a specific role in mind, you give them a shield, because the shield orcs here do so much work. If you want spear orcs, give them a spear and shield if you really yeah, want. No, you can I was, definitely do that.
0: I was, I'm actually I'm actually going to say, Angma orcs, I think, should always have spear and shield. Like, sorry, sorry, no. Your Spear ox should always have a shield as well. So when you're playing that that, that shield wall formation, because one of, one of the problems with not having shields on your back rank is when your front rank dies to the eventual grind or to an enemy hero, your back rank suddenly lowers by an attack because they don't have a shield. But when you have that shield, you can still retain that two attacks because, like we said... Their sole goal is to die slowly. They're there to buy time. And going from one attack to two attack is such a massive jump in the odds to win a fight. Even if you're lower fight value, just having that second attack is just huge. Even if you don't get to strike blows is, is massive. Because we're not relying on the orcs to do damage. We're relying on the orcs to either break even or lose gracefully. Meanwhile, our you know, big hitters like our war Wargriders, our, our big scary monsters, our Gulivars, the Witch Kings are running in an absolutely crushing face.
2: Absolutely. Like, you can get so much value in terms of like, game tempo with, with, say, six orcs with a terror-causing uh, hero. So usually, I, I keep saying the Barrow White, that's my go-to because he's so cheap, but he's such a threat. But something to, to power up that, that terror... That means that you don't have to, to put them in two ranks. You can put them in a single rank with the the shield. If you've got a banner, even better. And they can, with some some key terrain, can hold up for a long, long time. And the longer they hold up, the more time your Witch King or, or whoever is, is got to, to get in position and do the stuff they really want to do. So these guys are probably the unstung heroes of the list. They definitely make the list work. And if you know how to... To, to maneuver your orcs and use your orcs, you're going to make the rest of the the game really easy because what it does is it gives you that tempo. It means that you can you don't have to go in for the big kill this turn. You can just say, look, I'm going to hold the line. All you're going to do is kill two of my guys. I don't care about that. I can wait till I get an even better setup for another turn. And that that's that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a huge amount. If you know that they even if they go aggressive, they're only going to kill a couple of you. Really, really helpful. Mm-hmm.
0: Particularly with the terror as well, like that—that's why we rate the terror so, so well—is because it increases this ability to die gracefully, die slowly. Because it, if if two out of Three of your models' opponents' models are only going in. That means that they've got you know a handful of guys that are either gonna muck up their formation because they failed courage test or not be able to get their attacks to bear on you as well. So, being able to freeze up some forces can almost buy you a turn. There have been times in games where I have seen you know three or four of my opponent's models freeze in the front rank and not charge, and then I'm like, I don't need to charge here. My guys being alive is more valuable than me maybe getting a kill. I'll just sit here for another turn. And that's another turn for Gullivar to do Gullivar things. That's another turn for Birda to go troll smushing. That's another turn for my cavalry to get in position and charge in with, you know, the captains and the wild chieftains. That's another turn in which I can use the Witch King to pressure my opponent. And buying that extra time for your big scary stuff is so, so, so valuable.
2: I've said this before in the podcast, but I remember that little training exercise we did one time, and I had an elf captain and a handful of elves taking on a handful of your orcs uh, with the terror up and running. And that turn where my elf captain failed the courage test was just draw dropping because it doesn't happen very often. But when it does, it just destroys my battle line because cause what do I do at that point? You can just gang up on a couple elves and, and probably kill them, or like it, it's it's really is, is game-breaking the terror at times. And, and you've got to give it lots of turns to happen because it doesn't happen every turn. So the more turns you're playing, the more likely it is to, to make a difference. And these orcs definitely, definitely help you out with that. So I when I designed the Agmar army list, I'm always taking a very solid squad of at least 2,000 orcs, at least. But I know there are other builds, but that's, that's me. That's what I'm doing with an Agmar army. And Kyle, are you similar as well? Is that the uh, kind of basis you start with?
0: Yeah. I, I, a core A core of my army has got to be 30 Orcs. Because 30 Orcs does so much for me. I, I can't use 30 Orcs like you would imagine. Especially now after that training session, Jeremy, because I'll tell you what, after seeing what a single barrow wire and 10 Orcs with a banner can do, like, I did not ever, in, in my wildest dreams, think that 200 points could delay 500 points of my opponent, of, of, of Elves, for 14 turns was possible. And that's what this, this list can do, is it can have a dozen dies Hold up half your opponent's army for fourteen turns, and that that is game winning to be able to pull that off. And yeah, I, I, I'm always looking at you know in terms of models, probably three quarters of my force being being orcs.
2: And and you can afford to as well. And the orcs really help the whole army work because everything else is pretty expensive. Like you've got. Your big stuff costs a lot. Your Shade's are 100 points. Your, your, your Trolls are 100 points a pop. Your Gulivars 200 points. Your, your Barrow Whites and, and, uh, are 50 points. Your Ringwraith's probably between 100 and 150 points. You're spending a lot of points on this other stuff, and some of it needs that support. So the Orcs are really your go-to there. Wargs can do it, but the big base really does hurt them a bit compared to the Orcs. The Orcs can, can castle up, and the Terror on the Orcs is so, so, so fantastic.
0: But we've talked a lot about the Orcs. So let's talk about the speed, the mobility, and the reason why mm. it's, it's so, so, so potent and so powerful in the Angmar list.
2: I know that the, the Wargs don't enjoy, don't like the shade, but I think they are, especially now that they've they've got to even lower points, these are fantastic. Just take a few Wargs to mix in a few Warg riders, and then you've got on the extreme end, you've got your Warg Chieftain and, and your as as basically fast hitters. But I really love these fast and like a flanker objective grabber ones because what they do is they break up your death ball a lot. So sending out a wag riding two wags on a flank is going to keep your opponent guessing for a lot of the game. What are they going to do? Is that for objective grabbing? Is that for running around the back and trying to knock out a a banner? Is that for that turn when I finally get to those orcs? Are they just going to run in the back and trap everything? Are they going to peel for Gulivar when I, when we jump over the lines and they go and they just one of them runs in and sacrifices themselves against the hero to take them up for a turn? Who knows? But they they are very very useful for that element. It's an army you could design around all wargriders Riders and Wargs. Absolutely, I think that would be a fantastically fun way of playing it. But having a little bit of speed is very, very useful. And, Kylie, I'm going to let you talk about one that I haven't mentioned, and that's the Orc Captain oh, as yes. speed. Oh,
0: I was so hoping you were going to say it because the Orc Captain is probably my favourite hidden... Well, it's not even really hidden. It's there in plain sight. But it's one of my favourite assets in the Angmar list, because March is your friend in the Angmar list, because you have so many movement shenanigans, with your Compel, with your... Um, uh Spectres with with your your flyers and stuff, you can get a lot out of a single orc captain. It can win you games and has has won me so many games in the past. Um particularly uh at bailing out Gulliver or using him as a support for Gullivar and the Witch King. These captains are absolutely phenomenal. The March is really helpful and the heroic moves being able to get him in position next to Gullivar can be so 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 helpful. Just having that extra you know point of might, just being that extra, you know, reliable body to sit there next to your big hitters or, or or keeping your troops mobile and moving is so important. And because your might is so valuable on your big, scary uh, characters like your Witch Kings, you know, like your Ringwraiths, like your Goulevards, like your Birders, having expendable might in the form of the Captain is, is absolutely massive. I will always include a Captain in my list over a Barrowite, almost hands down. Over a second barrowite. I I was always go (laughs) barrowite, then the captain before I will look at another barrowite because having that captain is he's just he's he's like that little you know that little tool that you always keep going to that the shifter or or a small hammer. He's not he's not gonna do fix every job, but damn he's gonna he's gonna put in some work to fixing all those little bits of problems that you might not be able to free up. You know your other big hitters and your other big assets. Um, to deal with. Oh,
2: absolutely! That guy is an all star because he does so many different roles. And I think we talked about it a bit in the no line, but but he's he's a tank for a turn or two if you want to, him to be. He's a couple expendable might points for for marches if you want him to be. He's a great guy to throw away the might for for heroic combats, so you don't waste it on your big guys. So you, you get him in combat with with any of your, your biggies and he, he fires them up. He, he's a good friend of the Witch King. He loves loves heroic combats with the Witch King, loves heroic combats with any of the trolls, loves heroic combats with Gulivar. So he, he's great in that way. And he's an incredible, like, objective grabber flank piece because you can send him off on a mission and send him with just a few guys, a minimum investment, and your opponent's going to have to work really hard to, to one, catch him, and then, two, to stop him because he, he can go really, really well. And if he's... With the amount of magic you have, you've probably got the ability to go and and get him terror at some point. And an Orc captain with terror is is really really nice. It's surprisingly
0: nice. good. Like I've I've seen I've seen I've had my captain and Gulliver just solo opponents armies before. Just 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 those two, just in in the right position attacking in the right spot. They they just they just kept charging and charging and charging because even, even a basic captain charging with three attacks and strength four that that can be enough and especially if you have the might and a willing minute to win a, you know a handful of combat rolls here and there, he can reliably kill an alpha turn and it's it can be very very nice to have that kind of a cheeky little asset in the back pocket.
2: Now, Kylie, I think with speed, this is the appropriate time there's there's two two models I want to go into a fair amount of detail in this little no line, and they're armies that they're, sorry armies there are they're models that you design your army around so in speed Gullivar, we've talked up Gulivar so much, so I think we need to go into a little bit about how to play with Gullivar and how to play against Gulivar. so let's start by playing with Gullivar, Kylie all right
0: so Gulivar you, you kind of want to have an idea of what you need him to do at the start of the game so one of the big things with Angmar is you need to threat assess the crap out of your opponent's army. You need to know what's a threat, you need to know which parts of your models your army is going to deal with that threat, what resources you're willing to spend to remove those threats, and particularly how you're going to approach and engage those threats. So it's a lot to take in at once, but you just kinda you just kinda gotta do it at the start of the game because if you throw Gulabar in blind, throw him into unfavorable situations, he will die. He is fight seven, yes, but he has no strike and he's only defense five. He can and will go down if you put him out recklessly. So what do we need to do to fix this problem? Well, we need to make sure that when he does go in and goes into attack, he is supported. And that, that is the name of the game in essence is make sure Gulliver has support make sure that he has war riders captains around him to prevent him from being trapped on the counter engage you need to make sure that you have your spellcaster's Targeting and locking out your opponent's threats that can kill him. So anything that has a decent value, fight value, and strike. Anything that is a spellcaster and could possibly uh, lock him down. Particularly multiple spellcasters are really good at dealing with Gulivar. So all of these things you need to be looking at when you when you go in, and particularly when you're charging in. Don't throw him over the opponent's line and charge him into the back lane because if you flop that combat roll, which can happen. But if you've that combat role and you're sitting in behind your opponent's army, you're pretty much throwing the game then and there.
2: Well, at that point you will you will be engaged by a striker, and that's the worst thing that can happen. Goulivar is pretty good at everything else. Yes, he can heroic defense even, but but if you're in the back of the line and your opponent gets four guys and a striker into Gulivar, that's that's Gulivar gone. So that's that's the worst thing that can happen. So definitely avoid that. So if if you're if you're one of those super aggressive players that that's just itching to get into combat. Throw him on the flank with some fast stuff, like a wag rider with a banner and and uh, a wag chieftain or a or a mounted wraith or anything like that. Nor captain, just just do something. If you if you need to get him in combat, if that's what you must do, don't put him in the middle of the line because that's that's almost the only thing that's really going to cause him a whole lot of trouble. He doesn't like missile fire a whole lot, so you can hide him from that. Sometimes I just put him out of range of it mm. if I need to and just wait a few turns. Uh, but other than that, he. Doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, uh, so so just watch out for that. The, oftentimes, the opponent playing him is the weakness of Gulovar, is the person that stuffs it up because because he because he could do everything. You don't have to don't do everything in one go.
0: Mm. And like, as we, we'll, we'll talk a bit about playing against him now as well. Um, like we said, he, he he's opportunistic. He wants to go in when he has the advantage. So when you're playing against Gulovar, you need to really th- constantly threaten him. Um, a really good example um, of it is in. Uh, it's actually on video, that I think about it. Um, my my <laughs> third round in uh, International Masters, my opponent threw two compels at Gulivar to move him with Gandalf. This is perfect example of why you need to be putting pressure on Gulivar. You need to constantly be hitting him with spellcast. Yes, Gullivar has resistance to magic. Yes, he has three will and might. But once you knock through those stats and force him into a position where he doesn't want to be, he is very 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 dealable um and i got very lucky in being able to bail my gullivar out in that particular situation um with some uh very tricky uh spells and some very tricky uh heroic moves and stuff like that but when you when you're fighting against gullivar you need to be looking at what threats you have and particularly preserving the uh opportunities you have to deal with him. So if you have a 3 might striker, you need to make sure you've always got a might point in your back pocket ready to go to deal with Gulliver. If that means that you have to cop a paralyzed to the face because you've only rolled the 5 on the resist check and uh, the Angmar player's got a 6, that means you cop it. Because the moment you spent that might, the moment your opponent knows, right, you're out of might, Gulliver has free range nothing's going to stop him. The moment there are no threats on the board, Gulvar reigns king. And in fact, that's kind of true to all of the Angmar monsters. Once you have, as a player, have lost any ability to reliably deal with him, whether that be strikes, whether it be magic, Gulvar is going to absolutely tear you to shreds. So you constantly need to be making sure that you have some threat because Gulvar isn't often going to overextend into another character that has strike or has magic behind him, because the, th- the, the crackback, the, the threat of the counter-engage, or the counter-play against Gulliver is too great, because he's such a big sink in your army, you can't just lose 200 points of your army for nothing he is so, so valuable on the table, and his presence is so felt, that you need to players will be protecting that investment good players will be protecting that investment at all times
2: it's so tough to play against Gulliver, and, and- uh, it, it takes a bit of practice to, to play him well, so to don't think you just put him down and get the most out of him. Because you're right, it's 200 points. You're going to have some limitations in the rest of your army, but once you learn how to use Gulava, you're going to be absolutely dominant. Now playing against Gulava, Kylie, uh, this is this is a scary prospect. There's a couple strategies that I've had that, that I've I, I'm pretty happy with. Uh, one, the evil throwing weapons. Gulava doesn't like these. These are yeah. these are fun. So so evil throwing weapons just just. It doesn't matter who's in combat with Gulliver, Pepper him with with throwing weapons at all times. Gulliver hates this so much. Even if it's ruffian whips or whatever, I don't care. Just just Pepper Gulliver with them.
0: Yeah, absolutely hates it. Corsairs are not a good matchup for, for Gulvar. You almost have to change the way you're playing Goulevard in a matchup against Corsairs, so you really need to be going at enemy heroes, so like charging into the Delamis. As crazy as it sounds, the risk of the throwing weapons is too great, and you need to be making sure that you're in combat, taking those in the ways whenever possible, because the last thing you want is Gulvar to be fro- frozen up.
2: Yeah, go charge their leader is a decent way of, of making sure that they, they think twice about throwing the throwing weapons because Corsair players, as much as they don't care about life, they do like their leaders. They don't like to kill their leaders. So that that's something to, to consider. Uh, the other option I have, which is something that, that pretty much everyone can do. So th- that is something that, that not everyone can do. Not everyone can just get their amazing throwing weapons and just pepper Gulliver. I am a big fan of... A combination of two tactics: the anti-flyer formation and massive amounts of bait. So, so the the bigger you, the target, like Gulliver, the more bait you need. So, so when I say anti-flyer formation, basically I'm setting up this skirmish line that's, it's got lots of gaps for me to move around. But not a lot of room to move a 60, 65 mil, whatever it is. It's 65, but they call it 60 mil base. So you need to, to actually measure that base size. You need to make sure that Gulivar is very limited where Gulivar can land. So Goulivar can't, without a lot of effort, land inside your formation, can't land in unexpected spots. And you've always got places where you can, can run out and, and, and counter. Now, that... That combination, that's a good tactic in general against Flyers, but that combined with with the bait. So at some point, if you frustrate Gulliver where, where Gulliver can't land, can't do what Gulliver wants to do, it's it, Gulliver's going to start to get hungry. Gulliver's going to want to take out a hero. So this is where you look at your lineup of heroes, and often this takes your best non-leader hero. Often you have to throw out some really big bait. But keep in mm. mind, Gulliver is the Angmar's best hero. So you, if you can trade your non-leader best hero for Gulliver, it's you're ahead. It doesn't matter who it is. That's, that's a good yeah. thing. So I go for a precarious position with a, a place where I've got two options. I've got a, a chance at, at doing a long shot hit that turn, or I've got it so that next turn I've got, at the very least a 50-50 chance that I will be ha- having Gulliver at an awkward position with the rest of my heroes. And it, it's a pretty brave play, but Gulliver is that good that there's not a whole lot you can do uh, except for, for make Gulliver bored. Like, Gulliver will, will either make his own mistakes and the player will make mistakes with him, or Gulliver will just just win the game. So you've got to do something pretty dynamic. And I remember games where I've tried throwing things like elf helmet at, at Gulliver or... or any kind of captains or even people on, on like the Faramir level just saying, look, Gulivar can have this person, but there's going to be some risk to it. And it, it's, it doesn't always work and it doesn't actually work a whole lot, but it's it's more reliable, I think, than some of the strategies, which is just let Goulivar do anything.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, 100% agree with that, Jeremy. Uh, if you're going to go and trade for Goulivar, you, you need to offer up something worth trading. Uh, in that sense, or, or make Gulbar think, because one of the big things is separating Gulivar from his support support uh, models around him. So separating him or isolating him from captains, from uh, ring raves, wag riders um, is a massive big deal. Particularly if you can get him out of that heroic move range to force him to start calling the heroic moves for himself. This is why we were talking about the captain being so valuable to Gulbar, because it's an extra two heroic moves for Gullivar, essentially. So if, if you're able to even, you know, push a captain away with the Sorcerer's Blast or something like that, compel them away, um, since the captain's a lot easier to target, can buy you the space, particularly the space, for you to be able to trap and engage Gullivar. Because... At times, all you need is one good trap and surround, and that can be enough. Even with Gullivar's heroic defense, that can be enough to take him out of the game. Because if you get him down to one wound, he is going to be struggling to get back in the action for the rest of the game. So looking for those opportunities where you can pin him in place is a really good idea. One of the other uh, strategies that I found um, can be quite uh, useful against Gullivar, if you set it up correctly, is racing him. Now... Before we, we talked about a lot with uh, taking out the orcs, taking out that the, the troop support for Gulliver, because Gulliver works so well, the more turns he gets, you can play a very hyper aggressive style where you throw all of your heroes forward. You use your your basic infantry to throw up a a um a, an anti flyer formation around your troops. You throw in you know Elrond, you throw in the twins, and you throw in your captain all into the front rank. Throw out combat with all of them. Throw your resources. Just try and kill as many orcs as possible. Because as powerful as Gullivar is, he needs turns. And if you can take away turns off Gullivar, get a tempo advantage at Gulivar, sometimes that can be enough to beat him out in a race. Because if you're giving the Angmar player multiple targets of priority to have to deal with, the, Goulvar, the, the Angmar player can have a bit of analysis paralysis and not know which... Uh, hero to target, they might be forced to split their fire, uh, you know, throw a paralyze at one, transfix the other, to try and blunt and slow down that damage. Because if you're able to go in, call mass at combats and kill, say eight, maybe even if you if you got a really good setup, maybe even ten orcs in a single turn, that can put so much pressure on Gulbar to have to try and catch up that lead and try and get back those kills. Because if Gulbar is behind on tempo, it can be difficult for him to get catch back up, especially if your initial charge, hyper aggressive charge, exposes some of the power models in your opponent's lift, like the ring wraiths, like the Barrowites, like the Banners.
2: If Gulivar's tagged up with the Witch King, go for the Witch King. Just go aggressive at the Witch King and try and, and force that leader kill as soon as you can because uh, that, that's a huge points... Like not sink, but huge points investment. So you mm-hmm. look at the 400 points there between the two of them and and they're both fragile in their own way, but the Witch King will lose combats if you just swamp the Witch King. So I uh, my favorite tactic if they've got both of them is to do, yeah, what you said, that aggressive one and just go really headlong into that witch king don't worry about anything else as much just try and take it out and then then see what happens because at that point Gulliver may may be forced to go and save the witch king and if Gulliver's on on like rescue duty then then something's going right
0: yeah the the, the, the big thing is taking initiative away from the angmar player you do not want the angmar player to have initiative uh by initiative we mean make them making the proactive plays because yes We as players like to react to our opponents or like to do things when our opponent can't react to us, so it's uncounterable, but sometimes the best plays you can do against an Angmar player is when they can react back to you. If they have an opportunity to crack back at something that you're trying to do or have an opportunity to react at what you're trying to do, that means they're not being proactive doing their own thing. I haven't really talked about it too much, but sometimes... Being the proactive player, being the player that is taking priority and going, right, I know the most optimal move here with cavalry is to charge after my opponent has moved. But screw it, I'm going to charge even if my opponent has a a reactive move next. Because when you go in and set up good formations, set up good engages and charges, it can be enough to win you games, especially against Angmar, who is so, so reliant on being the aggressor and being in this command control position. And that's what you want to constantly be trying to do this Angmar player, is take away their um, agency, take away their ability to make decisions.
2: Yeah, the the Agmar player wants the game to go slow, wants to sit back, and wants to be able to, to do things piecemeal. So if you, if you up the tempo significantly, it does throw them off at occasions. Now, Kylie, I want to move on to the other model that I was talking about here, and that is, of course, a very good model. And I'm going to get you to admit that it's a good model, firstly. This is the Shade. Kylie, do you admit that the Shade is a good model?
0: Regrettably, it is a good model, and that's why I have problems with it.
2: It's it's a good model. It's got that, that bubble effect. It's been it's been hit with probably more FAQs than any other model that I know of. So it's it's hundred percent. It's easily. clearly make yeah. a difference. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the big problem I had in the shade of the past was its ally potential. I think the shade was ridiculous when allied with high fight cheap troops. So this was the problem. So what the shade does is it basically it reverses the fight value. So if you're behind on fight, it basically puts you ahead on fight. That's right. that's the effect. Which isn't, isn't the end of the world. It's not the worst thing. It's it's really good, but it's not the worst thing. But what it does to higher fight, if you've already got the higher fight, it makes that so much better and causes so much trouble. So what people were doing was saying, you know what, I'm going to go for as much fight four and five as I can find, Corsairs, and and then just see what I can do with the shade. And that's where it was just, just ridiculous. Because if you started with the higher fight value, you caused all kinds of problems. So much in the way of problems. So now that the shade is mostly with fight three, I don't have as much of a problem with it. So what it's doing, when you're fighting against the shade, number one, you've got to assume that they've they've got the high fight value. So they're winning draws, essentially. That's the, the way you've got to picture it. Now, when you're a low fight value force, you don't go in one-on-one. Well, you do sometimes. If you go one-on-one, you've got a bit of a chance. But you don't go in to... to Big fights on big fights. You don't go into to these ones where you're outnumbered. You go and you wait until you've got three on one. You wait till you've got big advantages. So you've got to be very careful about this. And like all elf players know, if the fight's not in your favor, don't fight. Don't do it. Don't go in. Force them. Just move away. Move backwards. And that's what happens against a shade force. You've got to start saying, no, this is not the turn for me. No, this is not the turn for me i 'm going to go somewhere else i 'll move away to the side i 'll keep going i 'm going to set up my army on two flanks really far away you 've got to start playing around the shade and we've we've said before don 't fight near the shade and that's that's really really true you 've got to find ways to get around the shade. You can do the flash kill you can run in but one of my favorite tactics against the shade is to just force it to to want to be in two places at once because it will get lost and it won 't do much so you go you go hard on one flank the shade moves over there. Then you immediately go hard at the other flank and then just go fully defensive in the other flank. And when I say defensive, I mean avoid combats. Like just don't engage. And try to keep the shade guessing that way. It's a big points cost, it's a big dynamic model, but it's not unbeatable.
0: No, no, I I agree. And when you're playing with the shade as well, don't don't get into this into your head that you're gonna play this massive shield wall formation and run forward in a smash face. Um, because that, that is actually a really good way of losing against a shade, because you're forced to be around the shade. You want to use this, the shade as almost this big herd model, or this big, uh, think of it like um, pushing balls around on a table with another ball. That's essentially what the shade does, is you place it and it forces people to walk away. So you can force them into corridors, into places where they might not necessarily want to be. So, you can set up these really cool sandwiches and uh, engages and stuff. And sometimes the best use of a shade is forcing your opponent to commit to somewhere where you have a plan of dealing with them if they commit there. So, one of the really cool ways of using a shade is taking, splitting your, like Jeremy said, splitting your forces in two, but having that force that you split away from the shade be almost a decoy force, making it. Super tanky, super reliable, having lots of shields in there, bunker them down in some terrain, making it really hard. So your opponent is going to be gravitating towards that and your shade is going to be helping your force out in another part of the battle. And that can at times make your opponent be proactive in the space where... You want them to be proactive instead of somewhere else. So if you if you have them killing off wild riders or, or some chaff on a side that you're prepared to lose and have set up to lose slowly or lose gracefully like we've said, you can then use your shade proactively somewhere else in a space where you're ready to do the proactive moves. You know, running with the Witch King, running with these big cool heroes and, you know, get the kills where you want them to be.
2: I'm going to go on record, and I know that this may be, may be now controversial now. I think The Shade's okay at the moment. I think I think it will dominate games against inexperienced players. I think if you take it to someone who doesn't know how to play it, it will definitely win. It will have the odd scenario where it win the game on its own, but so will a lot of other things in the game. Mm. So I don't have a huge problem with The Shade. It's only in the Angmar list now, and the Angmar list is very strong. But if you take The Shade, you're probably not affording Gulivar at this point. You're probably not... Not having the worst of the worst, yeah. so if, if, it's a it's a big points investment.
0: Yeah, if you're taking the shade and and Goolbar, there's there's going to be some other holes in your list because because of the way points things work, um, in terms of the shade, it's such a big investment for not bodies on the table. And we've talked so much about how important bodies on the table are. If you're running an Angmar list that's only got twenty nine models, for instance, you you have to be really really looking at what's in your list because if your opponent has A couple of good turns of shooting, maybe manages to get in a decent round of combat, you know, spends a few might points, and gets 8 kills up. Suddenly, you only have a 20 model army against maybe, say, a 30 to 34 model army. And like we said before, with Goulivar and Tempo, it can be very hard for Goulivar to catch up if he is that far behind. It's, It's almost this deficit. Yes, at times, he can catch back up, but the more troops he loses around him, the more of that appeal and support he loses the, the less chance um, Gulliver has to get you back in the game or the less chance, you know, any of the other monsters have to get you back in the game.
2: Shade, it's done. No more FAQs to, to ruin the Shade. It's a cool idea. Uh, look, I, I'm not 100% sold on how it was designed, but I'm, yeah. not, I'm not that fast about yeah, it. I think, it's...
0: I think that... I, just, just kind of a side note that I'm just kind of having now, though. I think part of the reason why the Shade has got such a bad rep is, yes, those big armies that that ran the shades before were very good and they are they were beatable but it was just how boring it can be even if you win those i I distinctly remember a game i've played against a shade where my opponent took a shade a witch king and i think they put i think close to 50 orcs on the table it it was something ludicrous and I, I i was looking at this game going yeah, you can play these big fifty model hordes with with the shade, and it can be very, very good. But the problem is, it's it's a really boring game. It, it's such it's almost like a chore to have to go in and and beat it. And and that's that's kind of my problem with the shade is is it creates this really slow, boring, repetitive, rolling you know thirty odd combats in a turn front to back and. It, it just gets it just gets tiring to have to play, and yes, once you break it, the shade eventually runs and stuff like that. But it's it's that slog and and stuff, and it's almost like well, there are better things I could be doing with my time here rather than slow grinding out a fifty model shade army. And I think that's where the shade gets its bad rap is is when it, when you plunk down these fifty model shade armies and go right. Uh, do you have the tools to beat it? If so, good for you. But it's going to be a really Really long, boring game for you to do so. I don't know, Kylie. I,
2: I I don't know if those are necessary, boring games. I don't mind doing a game with lots of models and lots of dice rolls as long as the person I'm playing with is relatively quick. If they're one of those people mm. that, that has to think about every move, then I have
0: a problem. I think but I think. Normally, I think I that's part of the problem, though, Jeremy, is that a lot? Of, I'm stereotyping, and I really do apologize for this, but a lot of the times the game, when someone places that kind of army on the table, they're not playing to the tempo or speed you need to be playing at for that kind of army. If you're at a tournament and you got two hours to knock out a game and you're putting, playing a Shade with 50 Orcs, you need to be playing at a high tempo to, to get that game done. Like, you cannot just be sitting there pushing models forward and and playing at a... a regular
2: yeah, I, I'm not as focused on that at the moment. I think my... I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a staging in gaming or whatever now, but I'll be more than happy to play... Like a, a big points match game over an evening and let it let it play out and I've got no problem with that. I don't need to be playing that that super fast game and maybe it's just because we haven't been playing as much games lately. So so an interesting one is fine. I've got no problem with those grinds. I'm gonna Kylie. When we get to scenario spotlight, I'm gonna talk about one of these probably not 50 model grinds, but one of these potentially grindy type scenarios and go through it. And I think you you might you might like it. And now if you think of anything else, Kylie, I want you to design a list to to show off that tactic. So if, you've, if we've missed anything. You've got to just design a list to show off that concept. So I want to see the, uh, the the four orc shaman list. I think that'll be fun. So let's move on to our next segment. <laughs> <laughs> Scenario spotlight. The Fall of Arnor Formed by the High King Elendil, the Kingdom of Arnor was the most powerful realm in the north of Middle-earth. It was said that the combined might of her arms could not be defeated, not even by all the orcs, trolls and evil men in Middle-earth. Yet the dominance of Arnor was not meant to last. As the years of the Third Age passed by, Arnor suffered harshly from plague and famine. Her once great cities fell into ruin before being abandoned to the servants of evil. Mighty cities of stones were now reduced to naught but rubble, overrun with orcs and other foul beings, and within each city that suffered this fate, the realm of Arnor became smaller and weaker. At the time of King Avedui, Arnor had been reduced to only its capital of Fornost, a shadow of the glory that this realm once possessed. The great armies of earlier times were no more, and the realm was divided and battered by war with the ever-growing forces of Angmar. Gone were the times when Arnor's armies could be matched, for destiny was about to prove otherwise. With Arnor weak, the Witch King of Angmar had perceived that it was time for his forces to assail the last remaining bastion of Arnor's former might, finally reducing this once majestic realm to nothing. Sending forth an army of orcs, trolls and foul spirits, the Witch King's forces were sent with but one objective, to slay the King of Arnor and destroy the Dúnedain. So, listener, we've managed to play a scenario, as you heard the introduction, the fall of Arnor from the Lord of the Rings Armies book. So, Armies of the Lord of the Rings, which is interesting because there is a few scenarios in the back of that. And what I found is I actually really enjoyed most of the ones I've played through. I've been playing through them very, very slowly. As you all know, our gaming's somewhat limited at the moment. I had a lot of fun playing the Fall of Arnor with David just recently, one of the gaming nights, and it was, it surprised me. It, it, so what we get is, for good, you've got Abidui, the last king of Arnor, Melbeth the Seer, the Cap- a captain of Arnor, 24 warriors of Arnor, and 12 rangers of Arnor. So just just the Arnor all-stars, essentially. There's not a lot in that list, to be honest. So, so you get what you get. And for Angmar, which is what you're all here for, of course, you get a Shade an Angmar Orc Captain with shield, an Angmar Orc Shaman, a Barrow White, three Deadmarsh Spectres, Angmar Spectres we'll have to call them, 24 Angmar Orcs, uh, just the standard division to the plastic, so eight shield, eight spear, four bow, and four head weapon, and two cave trolls. Now, I I must say that we made... You have two
0: cave trolls in this scenario? (laughs)
2: Yeah, two cave trolls.
0: Damn!
2: We made a slight change to the current rules, because when this book came out... Uh, the Shade and the Cave Trolls were the best of friends, and later on in one yeah. of the many, many FAQs, which are always, always uh, uh, points match driven, they're never really scenario driven, except when you, they miss something out, it basically uh, accidentally or intentionally, I don't, I don't know, I haven't, haven't asked, but made the Cave Troll not talk to the Shade particularly well. So we, we brought that back, so we gave these, these Trolls the, uh, the Angmar keyword, so they are Angmar yes. Cave Trolls, or just Angmar All Trolls. Right.
0: So so you did the common sense approach to playing games, as as opposed to the uh, literal approach that everyone is so fond of.
2: No, 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 no. We did did the, it's Jeremy's models, therefore Jeremy's rules count.
0: Ah, fair enough. Nothing common sense about that. (laughs) Also, I think a very uh, common sense uh, approach to gameplay.
2: Yeah, well, we wanted the cave trolls to really be a feature. So I might go through the the scenario, the layout, and the yeah. and the rules, and then I'll talk about a bit about the how it works out. So we're laying out on a four by four board with lots of ruins, and this is my favorite type of board, just for aesthetics as much as anything. So you've got lots of ruins, like it's, it's a dense ruins, almost a, like a city street ruins, but also with lots of like overgrowth and and forests around as well. So you get that really nice mixture. And what I love about the picture says. Shows you a lot And then it says The board should be covered in ruins and piles of rocks Towards the edges And much more substantial buildings in the centre So covered Lots of them Heaps so of I, terrain Heaps of terrain the,
0: the, the thing we love Yeah, and, and looks, lots, lots looks, of terrain
1: Because
0: yeah. Like, j- just from looking at kind of The layout and participants uh, and, and kind of starting positions and stuff It seems very street fightery. Yes It, it is Yeah, so I it feels like that would lean more into the good side than it would the evil side.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, it would. Absolutely, they've got the ultimate street fighters fight four spear shield. They love it. So we've got starting positions. They de- the good player they the good player deploys all their models within six inches of the centre of the board, and the evil player deploys their models anywhere within six inches of any board edge. So very simple deployment options. Just good in the middle, evil on the sides. The objective, the Force of Agmar, and this is what I actually quite like. The objectives are really simple. The evil player wins immediately if they kill Avadui and Melbeth. So we know from the story yep. here, the fall of Arnor, Avedui uh, escapes and then goes to the ice people, whatever it is, the, um, the Forakel, I think, it, are their name, and then uh, go, the, goes and the drowns. The uh, I
0: think. Yeah, yeah, that's the
2: one, Forachell. And um, yeah, so it doesn't die here. But in this scenario, the evil has evil has to kill them, kill Avedui and Melbeth. The good player wins if the evil force is wiped out before this can happen. Alternatively, Oof. the game is a draw if Avedui abandons Fornos and manages to escape the board via any board edge. Uh, and if the battle is going ill, this may be a good idea. That's actually the story part of it. So the story, yeah. if you go by the story, you get a draw. So, oh well.
0: That's, so, so, that's... So, kind of, so the good the good side can basically play for a win, but if it's looking too dicey and too difficult for one to go, they can go bugger it. I'm not going to get the win, but neither are you.
2: Yeah, that, they absolutely. So it gives you a, a secondary objective there if you, if you have to. And and I can see that being a good option. Uh, the special rules, uh, David especially enjoyed the fact that there wasn't many special rules. He's a big fan of scenarios that, that don't go and change up the whole game as much as possible. So the mm. sp- first special rule is... Uh, Melbeth the Seer. Whenever Arvidu suffers a wound within six inches of Melbeth, he will ignore the wound on a four plus rather than a five plus. So a very minor change. He gets basically better fate.
0: Yeah, that sounds like that was a, a black dart uh, kind of uh, fix. Because like I, I can honestly say with the twenty wheel ring uh, ring rafe. Wraith... Wait, no, you don't. have... No,
2: what are you talking about, Kylie?
0: Never mind. Ignore me. There's no I, I there's produces... no magic missiles. I am I am curious as to why that special rule was included.
2: Oh, just to make the game go longer. We we forgot it yeah. a fair bit. So I, I actually think it's... Uh, if you're doing Wounds to Avendui, you're doing a Wounds to Avendui eventually. So it, it's it's yeah. just a nice little scenario thing. And and it really does encourage them to stay together, which I think helps a little bit from a scenario point of view because you have to kill them both. So if they're running off to different areas, it becomes difficult to kill them both. And what you don't want is Melbeth to go hide in a corner and then Avendui just to fight, fight, fight. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true. Avadui's last stand is the, the second and last special rule. So Avadui has the fearless special rule. Okay, uh, fine.
0: Good. So so there's no silly. He runs away. At no, and yeah.
2: No, and I like that for this scenario because he's he's desperate, and I I like that it doesn't apply to his warriors. I love that his warriors have to use their courage of two, which. Can, well, I don't think it goes to Courage 1 of this. There's no no Harbinger of Evils around. But Courage 2 is not the nicest thing around when there's so much terror around. So I, I and really three like that.
0: Spectres on the table as well. That could be quite annoying.
2: Yeah, so the matchup's actually reasonably clever. So what we've got here is a lot of things that attack Courage. Spectres attack Courage. The the Trolls have a big Courage bubble. The Shade causes Terror. And then you've also got the Barrowite that causes Terror. So you've got a good amount of Terror that... that also provide good roadblocks. The shades are supplies, surprisingly good roadblock. Like if you want to hold up an area, shade shade does it pretty well. Shade does it pretty well. Cave trolls mm. do it incredibly well. So they can block off little alleyways quite well. The dead marsh specters will be effective. You'll often get at least one one going a turn, which is really nice because the good side has to choose whether they abandon their colleague or whether they go and get them. And if they, they abandon them, then the cave trolls are going to go into barge shenanigans and just bounce it around and push it between each other. So that's yeah. good fun. And, and the, the, But the good side, uh, the Arnor gets a special rule where they, they hate Angmar models. So that's part of the reason why we gave the trolls the Angmar keyword as well. Oh, no, we didn't give the... No, we didn't. We lie. I lie. They didn't get a bonus to wound the trolls. The trolls just were affected by the shades. We went old school there. Yeah. But they they hate Angmar models, which is kind of weird that they, they hate all except for the troll. I think David was teasing me about that. So probably if I played it again, I'd make them just hate everyone. But that makes yeah. them really interesting, and it means the Rangers are actually, with the courage of three, the Rangers are, are some of your better fighters, but they're also the weakest guys. So you end up throwing the Rangers in the front rank just to pass the courage test, and then they end up getting squished by orcs and friends.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really interesting kind of dichotomy between kind of the matchups in, in the scenario, because you you almost hit your most reliable troops. Are your most fragile troops. So if you get them killed too quickly or lose them too early, you could put yourself in a really kind of awkward position where you don't have the appropriate like checks and balances against some of the stuff the Angmar player might have at their disposal.
2: Mm, absolutely. Now, I know that it looks like in the scenario that the good evil player is going to surround the good player, but I think that's a crazy idea because the the good player could easily run at one part and then take it apart. So what you end up doing is a a rough, not, not a full death ball, but a pretty close to a death ball. So you end up choosing one side to attack from. The good player could just keep running backwards, but I think the spectres are probably enough of a threat that that becomes a bit of a challenge. My only concern is the good player could totally abandon that center entirely. And we we played to the end of it, and we thought, oh, uh, it may be one of those end condition games where the game is so good the whole way through, and then at the very end, like Melbeth, as uh, not Malbeth, um Arvidui just legs it off the board, and and it becomes a yeah. bit anticlimactic. So I would have almost prefer at that point he could abandon it. So I, I I would love only a very 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 slight change to this, where there was some sort of in- thing to encourage you to to stay in that area. Maybe Melbeth's prophecy only works in that that center area.
0: Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking too, like, if he's if last stand, like, if, you, if you're going for your last stand, you're choosing a place to make your last stand, have mm. have that fearless special rule, you know, affect him whilst he's within 12 inches of the centre of the table, that way you're incentivized to s- stick around in that heavy terrain, because he's not really fearless if he's deciding to run away <laughs> from the city that he, you know, grew up in and rules, like, it, it kind of defeats the purpose...
2: And that means the specters can actually go get him as well if he decides to run away from that 12 inches. Or the other option is just to have um like Melbeth's, I think it's called Foresight, isn't it? Where, where, yes. um So if Melbeth is within 12 inches of the center, the Foresight bubble works. So you can also like daisy chain that out a bit because we like a bit of maneuver but also it um it encourages you not to just leg it to the side and castle up at the side of the board because what I don't want is a game where the good side just runs as fast as they can to the edge of the board Avendui's in the back rank they just they just tank see how they go if they're losing Avendui just steps off easily I don't want that that's that's not as exciting as fighting around the streets in the middle
0: Hmm. yeah I I agree that's it kind of sounds a bit what you've um kind of played out there i am curious though how did the angmar orc shaman and the barrowite go in this scenario
2: (laughs) oh that that was interesting uh the angmar orc shaman i decided to to go and really toughen up uh, threaten uh and the 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 captain so i thought well if i can pull off a will on them that means it's going to be easier for the barrowite to go get them later so i thought i'll run the the angmar orc shaman forward with a few forces on one of my flanks and hope that the, the wither spell would just either get off easily because they choose not to resist it or force them to spend some will on something and then I can go in later and help out. So he was, he was heading towards those and ended up dying really quickly to like the first <laughs> combat. He, he took on like two guys. I thought he's, he's one of my best tanks because you really don't have much orcs. 24 orcs against 36 yeah. good guys is not a huge amount.
0: You're so, outnumbered, essentially. Yeah,
2: you are outnumbered. So I thought, oh, yeah, well, the, sh- the Shaman can... Like, I'll fight one combat. I'll tank that combat. If I lose it, I'll lose a wound. Who cares? Then he'll just jump to the back until he's out of will. Then he'll come back and do the same thing. But no, they, they <laughs> killed him. Two guys, two wounds, failed his fate, dead. So. Oh, that's rough. It was a bit It was a bit rough with that one. So I still think the Shaman... Like, I would have preferred he was a barrel white. The Shaman... Is odd, but in a scenario you don't care about the points because that's irrelevant. So he's mm. just an, another guy. The Barrow White, on the other hand, though, was amazing. And what I did with the Barrow White was use his terror bubble just to just to stop uh, the the Arnold guys moving around. So he was in the middle of my my rank, front rank. He had two wounds. He has high defense. I don't care. I'm not generating that Angmar or courage. The orcs aren't causing terror. So that's that's yeah. kind of interesting. I would have wouldn't have mind that rule in the scenario, but that's that's okay. But what he, I decided to do with him, I was going to move him and wait to go to Dewey and um, the captain. But then in the end, I decided to just go and, and strategically paralyze the Arna warriors every once in a while. So just as they were trying to, to like retreat and fall back, I'd paralyze the model in an awkward spot, like basically the middle of the place they wanted to fall back to. So they had to make a choice then of did they go and try and revive this guy or did they abandon him and give me like free barges and free other stuff off it or just give my orc something to just go and attack. And the numbers game is huge in this one. Every guy you kill from the good side makes such a difference because some of them are failing terror. The trolls are just dominating. They're coming through and they're they're killing whatever they face and, and they're going full kill mode until they got near Avendui and then they went full hurl mode and just threw every guy they could at Avendui and tried yeah. to goad him into combat. So that that was all good fun. And in the end, we had a result where Dewey and Melbeth managed to get killed very close to each other, but off uh, Dewey's aggressive move, he ran in, he he called like a heroic combat or something to try and get, get going. It didn't quite work, and then a troll barged into him and, and, and took oh. him down. But it was really close, and it, it could have paid off. David was setting up something pretty nasty with the the aggression, it just didn't quite work out. But it was when I had only like maybe a dozen models left and David had similar numbers as well. So the, the casualties were were roughly even and there's some, some real interest going through that. I was worried that the the evil side would just be a pincushion. The good side would just shoot them all down, but it didn't really eventuate because of the terrain, because of the specters, because of the mm. combat. They, they tried to pick off some wounds off the trolls early. I think they hurt one of the trolls a little bit and then he eventually died. But other than that, it's kind of hard to to shoot and maneuver and set up the walls especially when you're the guys with the yeah. best courage you have to be at the front cuz someone's got to someone's got to stop that troll someone's got to throw themselves at it and say right you're not going to do a cheeky hur right down my lines and kill avendui
0: yeah it sounds like it sounds like the terrain was a big player in the, in this game and it was what kept the game interesting which is really really good to hear um that you know what might look like on paper like a whitewash um for say the Yangmar side or the, or the good side actually turns into a really interesting and strategic game simply because of the addition of, you know, some heavy dense street fight terrain in the center of the table.
2: What it also meant was the Shaman didn't get to do its bubble of doom, uh, for the whole time. There was, David had spread out so that the basically his battle line was fighting over about 15 inches. And oh, wow. then, and then like, like with all the terrain helping him out, lots of little bottlenecks around, like he was really clever with the maneuver. And he kept wanting to to move it outwards, so he would go like pretty heavy strength on extreme flanks on either side. So I couldn't afford to just abandon a flank because he was doing damage to me. So I had to like be clever about it, and that worked really well for the shade because he meant he always had some fights that were out of the shade's range, and yeah. it took me probably three turns to get the shade in what I would consider an optimal position because he went really aggressive at the pathway the shade went and just clogged it up, and then. So, so basically set a, set a wall up with the Shade and the Orcs that were accompanying it, and then went and then attacked, man, re-maneuvered his battle line so it was away from the Shade. It was classic anti-Shade tactics, and it was really interesting, and it was interesting for both of us. So I really enjoyed that because I was trying really hard to work out how I could maneuver the Shade back to, to the majority of my battle line and use it as a tank. And David was finding ways to just throw a Ranger in there and just, just grab him and, and pin him and 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 then mm. then i had to make the choice do i use the will or not the answer was probably yes but i did get down to i think one will with a shade by the end of it well. so it was it wasn't a, a like that i could just use them without thinking the whole time the first few turns i did use it cuz i only had like three combats or two combats and i thought no it's not worth it yeah so so there were some choices there as well so the ter- the terrain just absolutely made it but also the really interesting participants Uh, that that are designed to go up against each other and sometimes you just you don't see them they don't shine until they do so these guys really do like you get to use all the cool stuff of angma you get to do terror tests you've got these monsters going around like crazy but it's not the normal monsters you see in an angma list like normally an angma list you're thinking a birdo, you're thinking a gulliver you're thinking something a witch king something that's that's just massive but to have just a Cave Troll being by far the scariest thing on the board was a really nice change. And it, it just reminded me of those really, really old-school fellowship-type scenarios where the Cave mm-hmm. Troll was like the ultimate enemy. This this had two of them, and, and how you dealt with them with with less than ideal ability. You couldn't just flash kill them easily. You'd have had to work for that. And if you, if you did it, you're putting Arvidui into harm's way.
0: Yeah, it's, it sounds like it. I, I remember the old-school... Um scenarios with those cave trolls uh particularly with the ones with the dwarves and you you were like okay uh i can't really deal with this very well at the moment i only have fight six and to go into a troll for a 50 50 was was uh you were sweating a bit when you went in for them
2: well even the old fellowships were like that originally weren't they if you didn't get gandalf to transfix it it, the best you had was fight six, so so oftentimes you could lose to a to a troll, and when you lost to a troll, it, it hurt you. And it's the same thing here. And the power attacks are so cool in this scenario. And I know I've, I've I've said that I don't like them all. This one, but everyone feels pretty useful in this one. If you if you're just up against one guy, um, oh the rend often doesn't work because you've got the you've got the mallets on the trolls and the the burly, but I guess yeah. it might work on the the bigger heroes perhaps. But more the barge is, is king. Just saying. You've you've put one guy in the way, it's in an awkward spot, I just need to move it and keep going and keep moving and keep moving. So the barge is the, the go to. And then if you get a, a shot on Arvindui or Malbeth with a with a hurl, you take it because you're probably not hurting the Arnold Warriors that much. Knocking down is really cool. Rangers don't like a hurl, but your job is to kill two heroes. That's all you have to do. So it doesn't matter how you do the wounds, if you can do them through a hurl, you you do it. And it I think I got a I got an early wound on on one of them with the hurl as well it just set it up because suddenly they were a bit fragile
0: yeah I mean the, that's kind of like the kind of the go-to lord of the Rings strategy It's the thing that we tell a lot of new and younger players to the game is if 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 there is a win con play to the win con go for the Vps at every opportunity don't don't just 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 kind of sit there if, if you have a chance to put a strength three hit on 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 the thing you need to kill you put the strength three hit on the thing you need to kill
2: Absolutely, and and those are exciting roles for both people because they they really have some meaning. So I I I did this as almost a chore. Like I I forgot how much I like the the two forces in here, and and yes, I I like Arnor, uh, sorry Angmar. But you've been playing them a fair bit, so I I haven't played oh. them as much. I I like Arnor, but I I didn't remember how much I liked it. And what I liked about it most of all for the Arnor, and I know this isn't the Arnor episode. But what I liked about it most of all was they had some character because their weakness was really obvious and I had to play around that. There, mm. It feels like a lot of times when you play a game now, either as a player or as, as the rules, basically give you an out, give you a way to solve an issue. give you so, so they've got a weakness, but if you take this model, you don't have the weakness. Or they've got a weakness, yeah. but if you play in this way, you, you don't have to worry about it. And this was really refreshing because... There was no way I could could get my courage of two up and running. There was no like fearless dewey bubble or anything like that that was there. There's no or a
0: bypass or a compel or anything like that. You have you have to you have to literally either brute force through with a bunch of courage tests on courage two or position it in such a way where your courage two isn't going to hurt you as much.
2: Yeah. So I had to have, okay, here's my six guys. I need two guys to pass. So the order that you, you took the courage test was important because I didn't want like my cowardly guy just standing there and blocking all the others off. Like some guys you'd I have to move out of the way and just say, this guy's not taking any test whatsoever. He's going to go move over here for next turn because he, if he fails his test, like I'm stuffed because I, I'm not mm-hmm. holding anything here. And then the evil side can just keep pushing towards Avandui. So. I really, really like that. And it got me a little bit inspired because I've played with Angmar. Not Angmar. Um, I'm confusing myself so much. I've been playing with Arnor since then a little bit. And I've been intentionally designing my list with the handicap that we talked about in that, I think it was even our last episode, where basically you design a list to, to have weaknesses. And my problem mm. with, with that list, and I know this is Scenario Spotlight, and I know it's not list, but my problem with that list was that the special rules just got rid of the weakness entirely. But by allying and doing a cool thematic list, I not only gave it more options and more fun, I was able to give it more character because it had that weakness. And and sometimes, yeah. like a weakness, like some parts of us as gamers don't like it. Like you think, oh, I don't like having a weakness. It, it's really bad. But from a story point of view, from a narrative point of view, from a from a tactical exercise point of view, it's so much more interesting. It's so much more fun to have that. Mm. I can't do everything. I, if they attack but, me this way, I'm in a lot of trouble. What am I going to do? That was, partic- that was fun.
0: Yeah. Particularly if both players have a weakness within their force, then you're both trying to play around uh, th- these awkward situations or these things that you're not quite as good at. I think we, we kind of went into it a little bit in our, our, in our last episode and you're kind of right. We are tre- treading a little bit on ground we've already tread in, but uh, i completely, I completely feel you here, Jeremy. I, I played a, a game recently with Dunland where I didn't have any of the <gasps> fight four guys up against Rohan, so it was suddenly this this weird game of trying not to be charged by Rohan cavalry, and my opponent tr- constantly trying to get in this position where he could charge me with his Rohan cavalry and get into this into a, a really good charge position. Um, and yeah, it was ended up being a pr- pretty cool game because of it.
2: Let it be known for all these people playing the Green Dragon drinking game. That wasn't me that was mentioning Dunlin at that point. That was Kylie. That one was all on <laughs>
0: Kylie.
2: <laughs> I've been mostly well-behaved so far.
0: So far. <laughs> Time will tell if uh, it keeps going. Hal, we're in the Angmar episode. I'm surprised uh, Dunlin has not yet come up as a subject of possibly running some uh, Ruha warriors or something like that.
2: Yeah, it, it's... um. Uh, no, no. Let's not go. Let's not go into that as well. Yeah, there's <laughs> the, the whole history of, of Angmar has lots of men around that. I really do hope, and this is another game, not not the part for this one, but I do hope that that if it gets updated, when it gets updated, we do get more of a men presence in like Angmar men, so the Kandu do men, Rundar men, yeah, all those sort of tribes around that area, I think, could be really, really interesting. So yeah, maybe um,
0: some new trolls, some hill trolls, <laughs> some, something from the Moors. The Moors was like, you know. Absolutely chock full of trolls, and then we don't really see much about it and stuff, so yeah. I,
2: I think it's we've basically got a very, very specific force r- around this very specific battle, but anyway, this is a scenario. But like I said, this is a specific battle well, series, it's not really the For All of Arnold here, but close to it. Uh, mm-hmm. that did it. And look, this scenario is it's is definitely on my list to play again. I usually oh, want to go, I, I want to have a
0: crack at it, definitely want to have a crack at it at some point.
2: Yeah, I, I put, I make a scenario tray, so I put the models I need in a tray. And if I do this too often, it causes all kinds of chaos because bits of my collection go everywhere. So normally, I, if I'm well behaved, I'll put them back in their, their, their uh, location afterwards. But Jeremy, this... you're never,
0: you're never well behaved. I, I have more <laughs> than once have sat in your garage or in, in your uh, painting room reorganising your collection because you do not have the will or want to, to do it yourself?
2: Well, it's not so much that. It's more that good scenarios like this cause problems because I, I don't want to put them back after playing this scenario. My intention is I'm going to play this again. Now, it doesn't always eventuate, but that's always the intention. It's like this was good enough that, that the, the models don't get back. So the Arnor and the Angmar are together in one little draw at the moment, but not particularly full. Now, I will um, I will do a totally terrible segue over here. David and I were discussing this one, and this is another one of our criticism of scenarios – Uh, banners this is the perfect time for a banner to show up there was no banner in this scenario and there's no reason why each force couldn't have a banner and I miss the days of scenarios where they just said up to two models can take a banner up to one model can take a banner and then if you don't want a banner don't take it if you want a banner take it I want that reminder so next time we play it we're going to give a banner to the the Arnold forces and we're going to give a banner to the Orc forces and it's going to make it interesting because a banner behind a Barrow White and a Troll is suddenly really really scary a banner next to Arvindui is suddenly much more reliable but it's also a key target for the Spectres to make dance around so it creates more interest at all more, times. More, There's no reason. More on be.
0: that. More on that. It gives you pressure points in your line. It allows you to be more aggressive in a particular area. Because times I've seen a Banner completely change the landscape of a flank. Um, I think the best example I can ever ever say to this, and again, this is a cheeky little plug. Uh, if you ever watched my round one from Articon 2019 against uh, 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 the Norwegians, uh that is a good use of how a banner can completely change the landscape of a flank. I had eight orcs and a banner on one flank held up twice their number in Lake Town Militia by themselves. That's what a banner can do. And yeah. Yeah. The,
2: yeah. It's almost like a shade for every other army, isn't it? It's so good. So yeah. So that's my only criticism uh, other than the, the maybe the scenario conditions, if there's something to encourage staying in the center, but honestly, like as players you're there for fun. So in a scenario we often make a call that, that we we'll say to the other person this is not the best choice but it's so much cooler and you just go for it and I think that's that's a good thing to be able to do so this this definitely encourages that sort of behavior and that uh, anything else you want to say about the scenario Kyle you haven't played through it you want to play it though No
0: no I really want to play through it it was it was great picking your brain about this it seems like this is one of those hidden gems and we've had a few of them There's been a few like really interesting really cool hidden gems in the back of uh these books, that yeah, it's around.
2: yeah. There's some sneaky, really good games for themed opponents, which you just you miss out on sometimes with the, Am, the point smash Armon, games.
0: On, and, ambush at armor on hand is another one that um, I remember being a pretty cool scenario to to to, to play. I think we've also played the uh, the the one with Sauron in it. The Last Alliance one was also a pretty good one to play through as well. Oh,
2: so many, so many good scenarios. But, but Fall of Arnor from the, the Lord of the Rings Armies book, you have this scenario. It's sitting there. You might need to proxy some of the Arnor guys, but Gondor guys work fine for them. You can, you can do whatever. So if you don't have Arnor, just, just use Gondor. Just, even you don't need the Spears. They all have Spears. Just use Men and Minas Tirith and away you go, because I think it's actually worth playing and, for, for for both the person who likes Arnold but especially the person who likes Angmar because it, it gives you all the fun of the Angmar stuff without all the guilt of, of playing nasty stuff that people complain about. It was really good.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. Mustering an up.
2: Where do the riders from Snowball none have come, my lord. And now we come to it, Kylie. We come to the muster, the muster of Angmar, and this I'm really looking forward to Angmar muster because. Uh, there's a lot of choices, there's a lot of options in Angmar, and, and more than, than people take. So I'm interested to see what we come up with. So we've, we've kept these semi-secret, we've tried to cover bases, but I'm sure we're going to miss some options as well, because we've only got a limited amount of list. So I'll ask you to start with your first one, Kylie, because I think you've got a, a good starting army, you told me.
0: Yes, I reckon this would be a, an ideal starting point for anyone who wants to get into Angmar. It kind of covers all the bases a little bit, gives you some good hitting options, and for the points level... Works pretty well so this is a 500 point list what I'm I'm calling our uh, baby's first angmar army so in warband number one we have Berda troll chieftain he is leading five angmar orcs with shield five angmar orcs with shield and spear uh, three angmar orcs with bow and one angmar orc with banner in warband number two we have a barrowite he is leading three angmar orcs with shield three angmar orcs with shield and spear and one cave troll with troll chain and finally, in Warband number three, we have a World Wild Wag Chieftain and four Wild Wargs.
2: Nice. This has got a little bit of, well, not a bit of everything, but it's got, it feels like a stand list rather than a particularly Angmar type list. So the only thing mm. really you've got going for you in terms of Angmar is you've got your hero troll. That That's something special, but you've got a Barrow White, which is going to... To definitely help out and and cause a little bit of terror, you got a couple of trolls of terror, so that's that's nice. And you got your your wags to move around and and do fast stuff. And, and you got a good amount of models. How much models did you end up with? Twenty seven was it?
0: Yeah, uh, it's 28? a warband of fifteen, a warband of eight, and a warband of five. So 20, 28, yeah.
2: Twenty eight, yeah, yeah. That's a good amount for five hundred. Like it's not it's not a horde army, but you don't expect to take a horde army with with two trolls and a Wag chieftain as as big models. So they they take up a fair chunk of points and hit pretty hard. And I think anyone who comes at five hundred is gonna be at least a bit wary of a barrow white with those those big hitters in the same army. It's gonna make them think twice about what to do. Kylie, I am so surprised though. Where's your Spectre?
0: I actually realized that after I did the list uh, that I didn't have a spectre, but kind of on further, further reflection, you would have to drop really three orcs to slot a spectre in, and that takes your model count a little bit low. This list, I, I don't feel, needs the pools and stuff around as hmm. much because you have the leverage with the white, uh, Wild Wide Chieftain. So you can kind of get away with it, but yes, if you wanted a spectre, you could definitely easily drop three orcs anywhere you like and drop a single spectre in there. And that's probably, honestly, all you really need at uh, five hundred points.
2: Yeah, I'd be tempted to drop uh, spear shield orcs so at what seven points a pop. Yeah, I'd be tempted to drop a couple of those and then maybe another weapon. So, so yes, you, you're lowering the number by one. And you're lowering your equipment, but I feel like this army probably doesn't need to have massive shield walls. I think it's it's almost a little skirmishy force. And and the the big guys are doing all the work. You're not forming a battle line and expecting the charge and You're more than happy to have three combats a turn with Birda, the cave troll, and the Wild Wild Wag chieftain doing all the work. You don't care about multiple combats and things. So I think there's some options there. I think the Spectre would add a bit to it, but I I tend to agree that this feels like a standard army. You can probably do without it.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because like m- most of the most of the threat in the list is coming from your triple threats. You have a birder, you have a cave troll, and you have a white wild chieftain. And the addition of the barrow white means that the white wild chieftain and the cave troll can be threats on the on their own as well. Because a paralyzed coming into the top and copying a tra- cave troll to the face, or a paralyzed coming in over the top and copying a white wild chieftain to the face, is at 500 points, gonna spell almost certain doom for, for the hero that is being uh, hit with that paralyze.
2: And you can play that annoying formation where you throw a little terror bubble ahead. So you put your maybe, maybe your birder, may, uh, your cave troll, your Wild chieftain, and a handful of orcs just covering up the gaps with the barrow white causing that terror behind it. So you can have a little like front rank of, I don't know, six or seven models long that entirely causes terror and just just hope people charge it. And then when they charge it, you've got the Barrowite then to say, well, I'll just pick a key target and and you can start getting some real chain barges and heroic combats and all kinds of really fun things going. So I think this is... It's a good... I think you're right. It's a good starter list. Uh, in terms of breakpoints, you've got a low model count, but the Barrow White really does hold this army together in terms of, of terror. Uh Bird is a really good leader and, and does a bit of everything and has some weaknesses as well. I think it's got a bit of character to this army. You've got a banner. Uh, I think I think you're okay.
0: Yeah, that's what I was I was hoping to hear y- you say, Jez.
2: Yeah, I, what I think I noticed, though, you've got uh, no honesty bows, so you're honest. I uh, yes, is... I
0: do. I do. And... That was a um, uh, oh, misclick, the... Uh, I did read it out with uh, Orc bows. They're not spears that you're seeing in the list. Not the list. spears. I that. Did, okay, I, so that was that three.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll listen back to the recording as well. I'm just tuned out on that. Okay, no, that's all good. I like I like that as a starter force, and it's one that I think if people coming from, say, Mordor, or, or even Moria, they wouldn't have a hard time putting it together. You've just got to get a Birdo model, a Barrow White, and and maybe just paint up the Orcs you got. Hmm. Nice one. Okay, so I'm going to go for. I'm going to go smaller than that, Kylie. I, I think you've started us a bit high at 500. That's It's a bit on the expensive side for me. I'm going all the way back down to 400 points, a classic points level that, that no one plays except for us. But 400 points, I've gone for an army based around uh, one of the first angmar scenarios from the the old uh ruin of arnor book there was a, a scenario that introduced us to a certain character that has become a, a classic and one that that we're very fond of yes. so and a, it really I, opened our eyes to this character's use i
0: have fond memories of that game we played at realm of relevance all the way back in the day where we, we pulled this model out for the first time and our collective minds were blown.
2: Mm, yeah, it was just, it was a total shock in, in what it did. So I've gone for, for Warband 1. I've gone for Gulivar the Terror of Arnor. leading, leading. Six dead marsh specters. So, so this this warband alone basically what happens is the dead marsh specters try to be opportunistic and just break up a formation. Anyone who jumps out of line is going to be a target for Gulivar. Now, Gulivar can be patient, this army can be so patient. So, Gulivar is jumping around doing all the work and, and he's not afraid to barge either. You could just totally mess up a plan doing all kinds of fun stuff. And then to back them up with warband two, so I've got to, I've got to build up the numbers, of course, don't I? Because I'm only at seven models. I'm going for a Barrow White. And another four dead marsh spectres. <laughs> now these are going to be angmar spectres, of course. So I've got uh, twelve models. I've got two heroes. <laughs> so n- not much on the hero side. I've got very very threatening heroes. Gulivar is half the points and and does everything in the army. Ten barrowites. I uh, do no, ten, ten barrowites. <laughs> I was going to say ten, uh, Ten spec, ten barrowites. Well, that's a good choice as well. Maybe next, maybe next list. Uh, ten spectres can can do a huge amount, especially now that they have that blades of the dead equivalent rule. I think it is blades of the yes, dead, isn't they it? They do have blades of the yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they they can hurt things really well. The White means that that anything that comes at and tries to assassinate Gullivar... Is has got to to deal with that as well as Gulliver, And Gullivar's got so much maneuverability. And the Deadmarsh Spectres don't have to form up at all. They can sit in terrain. They can dance around and and do much. You can keep a little hit squads of them. Little groups of threes that when something comes forward, you can just go and trap them and kill them. You've got a lot of fun in this army. And I think it's a really good training exercise to learn how to use Gulivar. Because I think if you can win with an army like this, I think you have passed your first test for Gulvar and you're well on your way to dominating your local scene.
0: Yes, a hundred percent agree, Jeremy. I was so glad you said that is the training Gulivar list. So I was gonna like coin a phrase maybe it's like the Rocky Bell Boa list or something like that. But <laughs> Gulivar Training Wheels, I think, is the perfect name for this for this list. And honestly this is what got us opened our eyes to the power of the Gulivar and I think this goes a long way to, to kind of showing players what Gullivar can do.
2: It's actually a really cool theme as well, like just the, all the, the ghosts and then a, a vampire bat thing mm-hmm going around, I, I just think it's a, a really cool army, and it's not its not a world beater, like, I think it's really strong but I think it takes a lot of precision to play right, I think you can easily easily lose your models, it does not like shooting, so you've got to find ways to, to avoid that, so it teaches you to, to hug the terrain, to hide around, to be opportunistic to be silly, to like uh, fell like guys in the way of other shooting, all kinds of fun things but it, it, it's a good fun army, and because goulevard has got the mechanic where, where it can get the wounds back, you can pretty much play this a really, really long game even though you don't have much in the way of resources. You've only got basically Gulivar's might and Barrow-White's will but that's enough for a very long game.
0: Especially at 400 points too. Especially at 400. Yeah, there's... Yeah,
2: yeah you, you're pretty much playing against 20 guys and Gulivar could kill 20 guys on his own.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. I just kind of... Taking some of your inspiration here, Jeremy, I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly introduce you to a thousand-point list that honestly is in a very similar vein to what you just mm. read out there. And I've played this list before as a bit of a gimmick, uh, just like a little fun game I played once against a couple of mates at at a GW, and had an absolute ball with it. It's basically I'm not gonna bother reading out the warbands. I'm just gonna tell you what models are on the list, and you can kind of work out the warbands yourself. But basically, okay, basically we have the Witch King of Angmar. Uh, with the with the crown, uh, horse, Morgul blade, three might, fifteen will, and three fates. The mm-hmm. tainted on horse. Yep. The Dwemer on horse. Uh. A shade. Two Barrowites, <laughs> Gulivar, and twelve dead marsh specters.
2: Oh no, you didn't, Kylie. That's that's
0: insane. I took it, and it was a blast to play. There was shenanigans. Yeah four days, because you, your model count in this list is super duper 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 small. You're like, only like 17 guys or something like that? No, a bit, bit more than that. Uh, 7 plus 12 is 19. So you have 19 models. So you really have to make everything work, and you're doing all these shenanigans with this list, you're throwing out spells left, right, and center. A lot of the times the Barrowites are actually throwing paralyzers at, you know, basic Bob, you know... You know, random mm. berserkers and stuff like that, just just to get them out of the fight for a little bit, and you can do absolutely crazy stuff. It was the two games I played with it were domination and uh, the the run into the camp one, and it was just absolutely hilarious to play.
2: Yeah, you got you got a really interesting one because once again, Gulivar can fight combats forever and so much magic support, but the Raves Raves are good at combat, but they don't want to be doing it forever because of the will. Uh, you've got the the specters which can can if they've got an ideal situation. They can fight okay, but there's not many of them, but they're pushing models around and the Barrowites are just the ultimate threat. And and none of your models is really cared about. uh, Well, Gulliver may be a little bit about courage, but I'm thinking when you're breaking, you're not too worried about it for, for most of you guys. So you're gonna stay around and fight the game for a long time. So that's a, a, another really cool yeah, that is definitely the the upgrade. I would be tempted to to get a Felbeast in there somewhere. I just love the idea of a double hit squad of Gulivar and a Fell Beast. Yeah, that so, that
0: could be good. Cool. You could quite easily say drop a point of will off the Witch King. Uh, what is it, three Spectres and and Chuck a Foul based in there, could definitely have some fun with that. But uh, if any of you are out there looking to play a kind of, a bit of a a fun gimmicky thousand point, let's have a bit of a laugh list, take this. But make sure your opponent knows you're taking it because it can be a bit of a weird game if they're not expecting to play up against an entire army that is basically spooky ghosts. I'll just tell
2: them that that you're not doing a, a battle line army and I think that's fine. I think it's... It's something to think about. So you just you're taking something a little bit different or hero heavy or something like that just to, to break it up. I think with the with the dropping, if you drop two Spectres, you've got thirty points in the bank. You drop a horse, because obviously you're gonna upgrade one to a fell beast. Take your pick. Um I would go for the tainted, but Witch King Witch King's not a bad option. Dwemer Drim- Lake's probably the worst option, but but once again a fell beast is a fell beast. But then two Spectres, two stats, and um, a horse, and you've got you've got yourself a fell beast and that, mm. that could add extra joy to this army.
0: Yeah, it definitely can, especially if you have it like on the tainted or something like that, and like, get those juicy, <laughs> uh, juicy. What is it? Is seeping decay? I believe the rule is. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: when they roll a six, so yeah. they, they finally get to him, and they you get casual wounds. Yeah, it's, it's anyone that's not a ghost, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so it works super oh. super well with this list. You can do some really crazy shenanigans with it. I I have seen the tainted untrap. Uh, himself and untrap other models by using that sneaky seeping decay uh, decay ability.
2: And look, it's such a long shot because it, it, it's not reliable at all. But if you're doing it every turn, if you're doing something opportunistic, it, it, it becomes worth it. And, it. and it's it's frustrating for your opponent. It's it's almost the opposite of a fury save where you know how you don't expect it to happen, and when it does, it's just annoying. This is the same thing. It's just annoying to lose a guy, especially if you had a trap going, and then you just one of the guys dies and suddenly you have to reposition all oh that's good fun as well that's oh you've got the all-star specter army don't you well everything's a ghost love it
0: yeah put the specters wherever you like
2: hmm okay so kylie i've got i've got another one i think we're gonna be going for for a few armies here all right so i've gone for a bit more of a standard army so i say (laughs) uh 650 so 650 i think is a reasonable points level and it's one that i hear a lot of events playing at Around the place now, I know there's not a lot of events on at the moment, but a lot of people intend to, and and this is the perfect for that two hour game time. If you want a two hour game time, six fifty is you go to. It's a good number. Mm. So twenty four models I've got. So to start with, to start with twenty four models. I've gone for Birda, the troll chieftain. I love love me some Berta. Great model, great in the game. You, you're never upset taking Birda. Super you duper co- cost in. effective
0: as well. What is it like? hundred and ten points for. Yeah, Cave Troll with Cross stats. Effective. Yeah, super
2: Beautiful model, can can do whatever you want him to do. He's he's like a, a beautiful goblin king. He just just looks the part. So you've got Birda, you've got uh, an Angma Orc Warrior with banner who basically plonks himself right behind Birda and waves his, the flag of Birda, trying to give Birda extra rerolls. You've got two Angmar Orc Warriors with shield, you've got five Angma Orc Warriors with spear and shield, uh, and then a Dead Marsh Spectre. And I'll go for the rest of the warband in a moment. The other warband has a Barrow White and some Orcs as well. So three Agmar or of shield, five with spear and shield. Going for the tactics we talked before, where you put a shield on your spearman, might as well. Why not? Uh, and then a Deadmarsh Spectre. And in addition, each of the warbands, so each of the two warbands, has a troll with chain and a hand and a half hammer, and a troll with chain and the spear.
0: Oh, uh, well, wow. So, so let me get this <laughs> right, Jeremy. You have created a list that is effectively a troll shield wall.
2: Yeah, five trolls. Oh, I
0: love it. I absolutely love it. This is like the the souped up version or probably the better version of the uh, monster shepherding tactic that we've talked about in the past.
1: Mm. I really, yeah. really,
0: really, really like this idea. You can do so many, so much fun, fun shenanigans and stuff. Bit of a shame you don't have like a harboring or evil in there to break up your opponent's formation with the terror a bit more. Yeah, I know. But honestly, you kind of want your opponent to come in on you. So, yes, I do. for that t- courage to, to not be as potent is probably actually a good thing, because you only want the odd courage test to fail, so you can still have the models in combat, where if too many fail, then it kind of can muck you up a bit as well.
2: Yeah, so this army is, is very much a death ball army, like the, everything runs behind the trolls, and the trolls aren't afraid to do barging and anything like that. There's, there's no Honesty Orcs, and the reason is I've got Honesty Troll Chains. So I've got four troll chains, which are pretty lethal weapons. I know they're very close range, Jer- but they hit really hard. Jeremy,
0: you have you have better than honesty uh, tr- uh, troll chains in there. You have honesty throw stones. Honestly, that is yes. that is that is the reason why I'm giving you a pass. I'm not taking the honesty bows here. Is that you have the uh, throw stones? Because if you're ever in a really advantageous position and your opponent uh, doesn't respect uh, your uh, your ability to throw stones, and say you maybe even get a, a Cheeky Deadmarsh Spectre fail courage test on, say, maybe a Malher or um, uh, a Faramir, or maybe not Faramir, Faramir has ridiculous courage now, but maybe you'll say something like a Hurin or something like that. Something with, you know, a fairly low courage, but not low enough that you, is out of the realm of possibility that they'll fail a the courage test. And You just you bring them forward, and then you just lob five throw stones at them, and it forces your opponent to come towards you. Really nice, love it.
2: Yeah, the thrower—that's st- twelve inches as well. So you just get there and you park yeah. them five and a half inches away, and just say, "Take this." Yes, I'm five plus to hit on the cave trolls, but I don't really care because if I hit with two of them or one of them, you're getting hit with such high strength that. It's going to hurt, and I'm always throwing them at something valuable. You don't throw them at the, the little guys. You throw them at the big guys, and if you have it in the way, you have it in the way, and it just scares people. So you're right. They are they are my artillery. They are my hitters. They are my everything in this army. So 24 models is really low, but the idea is that the orcs pretty much don't fight a combat unless I have to. They're there to do some peel, uh, but that's about it really.
0: Yeah, perfect. They're there to peel. Couldn't mm. have said it better myself, Jeremy.
2: I know I'm learning, Kylie. After all this, I'm starting to pick up some of your words.
0: <laughs> all right. Do you have another? I one? Do. I do. I have. I have a couple more. So I'll give you. I'll give, this one's Ooh. a bit of a gimmick. I'm gonna. I'm gonna mm-hmm. put that right out there. I feel a little bit, you know, ashamed in myself that I've come up with such a, such a wacky list. But it's it. It can be fun if it pulls off. So, Warbird number one. We have the Dwimmer Lake on a horse. Uh, He has leading Mm -hmm. five Orc Warriors with shield, five Orc Warriors with shield and spear, and five Orc Warriors with bow. In Warband number two, we have Burda Troll Chieftain. He is leading five Orc Warriors with shield, five Orc Warriors with shield and spear, and one Orc Warrior with banner and shield. And finally, in Warband three, we have an Angmar Orc Shaman on Warg with a Warg Rider with throwing spears and shield. And you know what? Because we like that Warband 3, we're going to copy it two more times for Warband 5, (laughs) 4, and 5. So we have effectively three Angmar Orc Shamans, and the whole purpose of this list is to absolutely (laughs) neuter our opponent's hero. Just drop their strength super-duper low, get them down to, like, say, strength two, so that basically there's nothing really good that they can go and attack in our list because we're mostly defense five.
2: This is going to be fun against a 650-point list that has a big hero. So I'm looking at things like, a I don't know, like an Aragorn equivalent or a <laughs> Lendil or, or these sort of guys, what Elrond, someone like that. But, man, it is gimmicky. Three shamans with... Like, what's the other spell? They've got Wither and... Wither and, and instill fear. Instill fear. Oh, doesn't, yeah, doesn't instil do it doesn't do a whole fear.
0: lot. It's mostly there for the Wither, but... It's the Wither, is I'd like, yeah. like you to think, say, you're up against... Uh, I think the dream scenario would be like an Elrond. You know, he he's, yes. he's solely relying on that strength for He doesn't really have much else. Uh, or maybe even a Gothmog, and you just sit there with the Dymolite. Like, you park the dimolate within six inches. And then you go, right, Shaman number one, Wither. Shaman number two, Wither. Shaman number three, Wither, and you just keep chipping away. Hell, even if they have two heroes, you could get their strength down low enough. What could also be quite fun uh, is withering, say, an enemy uh, troll, like a troll chieftain or something like that, and mm, get the troll chieftain yeah. down to absolutely garbage strength and just just sit there and laugh at them, whilst Birda walks up to them and hurls an enemy troll chieftain or something like that. That could be yeah, really fun.
2: <laughs> yeah that that would be an interesting combination actually but i i I, uh, I don't know this is um be very careful if you take this army that's all i'm going to say about it because it, it's it feels like it's it's lacking well it's lacking numbers lacking and heating and power it's lacking yeah, a lot it, it's, it's,
0: it's lacking a lot of things but as as i said it's totally there for a gimmick it's there for a laugh you're taking this list not to win games but but Kind of pulling off uh, a little bit of a shenanigans, particularly if you if you know your opponent's running some like big character or something. Like, say say you're in a in, in your little community or whatever, you have the, that guy that constantly runs the cave Drake or something like that, or or that guy that constantly runs that that Black Gate legendary legion. And you're like, I'm gonna pull this out and. Uh, just just making his life a little bit miserable by making his troll chieftain, his mighty three might troll chieftain down to car, to strength two for a game and you know, just have some fun with it.
2: That's what it is, isn't it? It's that it's that okay, you keep taking the same army and I'm sick of it. I'll take something that just goes and, and annoys you, and then forces you to think about more balanced list. Okay, I, I get you there. Now I can't help but think, Kylie, if Matt was here and read out this list, I think you would have ripped into him and destroyed him for oh, it. Oh,
0: absolutely! But I wrote this list in three <laughs> minutes, probably less.
2: That's no excuse. Doesn't matter. Like anyone can write a bad list in three minutes.
0: You know what? I'm gonna, <laughs> Is I'm that gonna, a challenge. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this as a challenge. I'm gonna try and make this list work. I'm going to take it to a couple of games in our local communities, and I'll report back to you at a later episode with my findings.
2: I look forward to it, Kylie. I look forward to it. <laughs> okay, so that that's that's your gimmick out of the way. What have I got for the next one? Oh, I've gone for for oh, probably as close as I can think to a to a, a standard type of anger army, but with a bit of a twist as well. I must admit. So I've gone up to 750. So I'm bringing out the big guns now. I've got. Warband number one. I've gone for the tainted on fell beast. I, I love fell beast. I think they're really cool models. I think they're really scary, and and the, the sort of the bat vibe is, is really good. Uh, tainted, I think, is probably one of the better fell beast riders in the list. You've got three options. Uh, Which king's always good, but the, the tainted's a bit more of a budget option and does some other cool stuff as well. Uh, I especially like the idea of the fell beast bomb with the um, the no one has any stand fast combination. I think that that could be good fun to drop at opportune times. Uh, we've got uh, a Angmar Orc Warrior with Banner. You've got, uh, what's that, another 12 Angmar Orcs, is it? Yes, 12 Angmar Orcs. Uh, three of them have shield, eight of them have spear shield, and one of them has a two-handed weapon. Yeah. Then we've got, yep, so it's just a, uh, two-handed weapons are pretty good in Angmar. You take a few of them. Next one, I've gone for our old friend, the Shade. So had to get some shade in this Mustering army, absolutely. And he's, well, he, it, whatever, they... Um, there's a lot of them, isn't there? Mm. Uh, 12 models, 4 uh, shield, 7 spear shield, and 1 two-handed weapon as well. So once again, combat orcs. So I've got a good amount of combat orcs between those two warbands, and backed up by a shade they can hold their own at the very least, and they're probably going to scare people out of my, my death ball. Yeah. Then I've got, for warband 3, I've gone for a bit more movement here. So we've gone for... Uh, oh, this is interesting. I've got an Agmaral Captain with Warg and Shield. So here's the captain. We talked about this captain. This is a good captain, wagon shield. And if I if I get him near the shade or the tainted, he's going to be causing terror. He's definitely a good tainted friend. He's got uh, six agmat walk warriors with bow or honesty bows. So these guys can just stand at the back and, and hug objectives or or just take random shots at horses if the if the tainted doesn't feel like Black them out of existence. And then I've got the Wag Riders. So I've got a Wag Rider with Banner and Shield. So I'm bringing a Banner around just in case I want to go doing some fun adventures with the Tainted and the Captain. And I've got, what's that, five Wag Riders with Throwing Spear and Shield, which is my favorite combination. And these potentially, once again, if they're hugging the Tainted, can cause terror. So I've got an actual mobile contingent as well. So anything that runs away from the Shade Bubble... These guys can go and gobble up. And I've got one last warband, Kylie. This one has got a Barrow White and four Spectres, which can do either. They can go hang around with the Shade, or they can go on their own missions. They are incredible objective grabbers, those Spectres, because of their courage. They can do what they want. So I've got my Death Ball of Orcs of the Shade, and honestly, no one's fighting near that. So I've got good stuff that can play around on the flanks as well.
0: 43 models. 43. Oof. What um, say you? I... Don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think you've got some really cool playmaking opportunities here. The only thing that I'm a little worried about is um, a secondary model to fall back onto. So you, you kind of... It's a bit like Gulliver in the sense that you're a bit all legs in one basket with the Tainted Unfair Beast. I really would have liked to see um, maybe instead of the Orc Captain, maybe a White White Chieftain or maybe even a Sneaky Cave Troll uh, somewhere within the list. Just to give you mm. a secondary hitting option or a secondary model that you can play off and pivot around. Because you've got the spell cast, yep. y- you're not too worried about enemy heroes taking out a cave troll something like that. That could be helpful, but I think the big change, if I was only going to make one change, uh, it would be put those Angmar Orc Warriors with Orc Bow, those Honesty Bows that you got, and stick them on a Wag. Put them on a Wag. I think dropping the three models to get those four more yeah, four true, guys true, true. on the wag and make that a solid cavalry block solid yeah. cavalry contingent I think is gonna do you a way way more good in the long run simply because you're you got more maneuverability, more redundancy in that charge into the flank. Because like you said, models are gonna be running away if you take some casualties on your on your WAGs, you lose two or th- two or three WAGs on on the approach uh to your opponent. Suddenly, you're only down to a couple of wags, a captain, and the tainted, and that's that's not a lot to play around with. But if you had an extra four cavalry models in that block, you lose, say, two or three of them on the charge in, then you've still got a decent block in yep. when you go in for that charge. And I think the warg riders are, are, are a key part of this list to really, really put pressure on your opponent, and I think you need to get more of them in there.
2: I am totally sold on more warg riders, and I was just looking, I'm like, oh, I'll drop one spectre, and that's almost paying for them already, so... I, I think you're onto something there. The the alternate hitter, I think I'm intentionally not going that big hitter. My dream is that the shade combines with the wag riders and you get a, a cavalry charge yeah. backed up by a shade. I think that could be really cool. But honestly, I think I think probably Gulliver would be a better choice than the, the Tate did for not much more. But I like doing something different in that one. If I was going to go for another big hitter, the problem you said of the, the Wag Chieftain and the Cave trolls is they don't they're not friends with the shade. Ah uh, like yes, shade. that's true. So I would I would actually drop the shade for them if yeah. I was going to. No, that. no, so, no. Uh,
0: in, uh, in that case, in that specific case, I think uh, ignore that previous point I made about a secondary hitter and just go with the more wargriders. Drop drop that Dagmar special. Yep, yeah, three is probably enough. Uh, three specters are probably enough. Yep. Use that to get those Orc Warg, uh, Orcs with Orc Bow onto a Warg and hell, that, that is a decent force. And that is that is a 10 model cavalry force with a Felbeast backing them up. I don't care what army you're playing. That is that is a scary, scary charge.
2: Mm. It's... Yeah. No. Well, look, I do care what army you're playing, but, but t- like yeah. I, I, I'm totally interested in that. Yeah. It's a really easy change, Kylie. So I'm just making the change right now. So let's just let's just do some live list editing. It's <laughs> my favorite kind. So let's let's go go live here. Okay. So the new new one at 750 points. I'm down two models, so I'm I'm at a, a healthy 41 models, which is still a good That's amount. Good. Good. I've I've got. 12 models with a Tainted, so Tainted on beast, Orc with Banner, 4 Orcs of Shield, 6 with Spear Shield, 1 with Two-Handed Weapon. Not much change there. I've got uh, the Shade still leading 12, but the composition's a little bit different. 5 with Shield, 6 with Spear Shield, 1 with Two-Handed Weapon. So, same amount of models, just less Spears. Then, in Warband 3, I've got the Agmar Captain with wagon and Shield. I've got the Agmar or Warg Rider with Banner and Shield. I've got five Angmar Orc Wag with throwing spears and shield, and I've got the four Angmar Wag Riders with Orc bow. So tasty! And then Barrow White and three Dead Marsh Spectres. So I've really haven't lost much. I lost an Orc and a Spectre, and got four Wags. Yeah,
0: no, perfect, perfect. Absolutely love it. That that I think is um, it's deceptive in where its mm. power lies and how it can play because it's a really it's just like like you were talking about earlier with the shade. The shade just basically means that your higher higher fight. Effectively in that particular area. And with the lockup from the Shade and the Barrow White. You could really do some really funky uh, strategic play around your Orcs and stuff. uh, And with how you charge. Because one of the great things about the Tainted is. Warriors can't go in. uh, And move whilst we're there within 6 inches of the Tainted with the heroic move. So you can set up these really funky charges. Where the Tainted sits right behind your Agmar Orcs gives them all terror on the wall riders and then your opponent is just can't go into them. They freeze.
1: Yeah. And they won't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there
0: are some really cool stuff that you can do, uh, offensively, uh, and defensively with the tainted in, in that regard. And with a shade or oh, I back the tainted to, to knock out a hero, especially if that hero is, um, paralyzed.
2: The key with this army, I think, is to not get the shade locked down. I think the shade has to be moving from battle line to battle line because whatever part has the shade... Is almost too scary for your opponent to charge. Mm. So you've got to you've got to play off that. You've got to intimidate them with with some some orcs that maybe are not in a great position with a shade nearby. But then when you swing your real hitting, you've got to make sure your shade is supporting as much as possible. Because if you get the shade supporting those twelve Wild riders or ten Wild riders or whatever they are, that's going to do some serious damage. That's basically like a, a like a um not a rivendell knight, but like a, a high fight cavalry charge. So like a gladrum knight charge or something like that on the hits. Although it's strength four as well, which is really nice. So it's it's a hard-hitting charge.
0: It is, and with the throwing weapons on top of that yes. as well, you, you can get some funky stuff going with it. Oh, I certainly can. Okay, well, that,
2: I'm out. I'm done, Kylie. All do you right. have another one? I have
0: one last list, and this, this was the list that you kind of challenged me a little bit to do. Like, I was thinking, oh, do I just do I just take the easy road and just throw my Articon list out and, and kind of you know, praise myself, give myself a bit of a pat on the back about how good the list is. And then Jeremy went, no, I'm over that. What
2: You've done it too many why, times. This why episode? don't you
0: rank it up to a thousand points? And this actually really made me think about how I would run a competitive Angmar list at a thousand points. And th- this is what I come up with. There's, there's a couple of things I want to talk about once I've read out the list, but I'll get into my thoughts and processes about why I've chosen particular stuff. So in Warband 1, we have the good old Witch King of Angmar on crown, with horse, with mogul blade, uh, 315-3 for heroic stats. He has five Angmar orc warriors with shield, five Angmar orc warriors with shield and spear, five Angmar orc warriors with bow, bit of honesty, bow's there, and one Angmar mm. orc warrior with banner. In Warband 2, we have Gulivar, uh, the terror of Arnold with four dead marsh specters. In Warband 3, we have the tainted on horse with two Angmar orc warriors with shield, two Angmar orc warriors with shield and spear, and another three orc warriors with Honesty bows there. In Warband 4, we have a Barrow three Angmar Orc Warriors with shield, two Angmar Orc Warriors with shield and spear. In Warband number 5, we have another Barrow so second Barrow White here, uh, three Angmar Orc Warriors with shield, and two with shield and spear. And finally, in Warband 6, we have an Angmar Orc Captain Ongwag with shield, and he is leading four Angmar Wag Riders with throwing spears and shield.
2: Mm, okay. So that's an interesting. I didn't expect you to go up this way. So you basically, if I remember correctly, Kylie, you've all you've done really is add uh, a tainted, a barrow white, and a very handful of warriors. Is that right?
0: Yes. A bit more than a handful. Maybe, maybe uh, maybe two handfuls. Like four or five. Yeah. It's about. It's an extra. I think from memory, uh, nine models to the list. T- took it up from. Okay, and they mo- to- are they mostly orcs? Uh, no. There's an extra spectre in there. Extra war rider in there.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's not too bad. But still,
0: what's the model count at the moment? Uh, I think it's 47.
2: Oh, that's not bad for a yeah. thousand y Thousand's a bit of a funny one because that that's not Horde level a thousand, but it's 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 not weak in models yeah. because everyone takes the big stuff. You expect to have a Witch King, you expect to have a Gulliver, you expect to have a Tainted, so that's all good. Double Barrow White is is nasty. That that's going to help out so much. Well, Tainted adds so much more end game options, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, well that's what I was thinking because it was I basically had three options in front of me and I got to pick two. I either take a third hitter. Uh, so another pivot off Gullivar, so maybe a burder, maybe even just a generic mm. k or maybe even a White Wild Chieftain could have been a sneaky addition in there. Any of those options could have been uh, really good for a, a another hitter. Uh, taking the White and taking the Tainted, because the Tainted has this really interesting interaction with Gullivar where if you can get the Tainted close enough and... Have him around Gulivar to back him up, he can lock down your opponent's ability to re-engage on Gulivar. They're forced to re-engage with heroes. Now, as we talked about with this list, this list is really good at locking out your opponent's ability to do actions by draining their resources. So double barrowites was almost basically a must for me. Throw the double barrowites down, get that double spell cast with with the tainted and the witch king, and suddenly enemy heroes that are around Gulivar can no longer call that crucial, crucial heroic move to push in and pin Gulivar in place, which allows Goulivar to play a little bit more aggressive than he normally would be able to.
2: I think so. I think you've got a little bit more of a forgiving army here. It still still plays in a very similar way. You've still got Goulivar doing most of the work, but, but huge amount of spells. And, and yeah, just the two ring races as well is mm. huge because you can look at... You can look at Drain Courage being really effective. If you want to double the speed you're doing that, you can look at, uh, which which you, I don't think that was a go-to tactic, but that actually becomes a viable tactic because if you're doing two a turn, if you can get off, say, three Drain carriages for very little resources in two turns on a hero... Suddenly, they're in this army. They're not doing what they want to do. They're, they're really frustrated. I'm so, so that,
0: that's a good. Start. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. but I'm so so glad you noticed that because that was going to be my next point. Is drain card actually becoming a really really good useful tool with this list because this list wants to always go late game and wants to t- take Gulliver to the late game when he has stats and no one else does because. We've talked about this quite a few few times on the podcast, but the big monsters and stuff, dragons, Gulliver, Ents and stuff, shine in the late game because no one has the resources left to deal with them. So that's what I was trying to do with this Liz, and Drain Courage is a perfect way of delivering Gulliver to the late game.
2: Oh, absolutely, and and you're right. An Ent with with three Drain Courage's on them suddenly doesn't want to be in the end game or hanging around doing that so you can you can play the avoidance on them and just just keep them back and that's something you can do uh drain courage and specters is such a fun combination as well it, it's frustrating for your opponent when when their big hitter is just doing nothing i, I remember a game years and years ago where i had a Lindil that cop so many drain courages that i think he went down to courage one yeah and he just did nothing the whole game it was it was so 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 bad and that, that's what could happen and, and my opponent didn't try and kill kill him, didn't have to, just just made him so that he just didn't do anything. Mm. So yeah, you got some got some fun options in this one. I like the choices. I think you've done a good job. Thank you. Don't play it though. It's just mean.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't envision myself uh, putting this on the table. Maybe, maybe you might sneak a tainted Gulvav combo on the table one day to see how if, if the theory I have in my head works. Because I always see the the, the tainted Gulvav combo as a a luxury you can never really afford to take because there are, you need other things in the list. But when you've already got a solid core of Angmar orcs and the Witch King and and what what I had in my master's list, a, a thousand points almost seemed like the perfect opportunity to do it and play that hyper-aggressive Tainted that that runs forward and gets in your opponent's face and and does some funky stuff. Mm. I really wish that the Tainted could use his might point on that uh, Seeping Decay roll. That could be really interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, Kyle, I was just thinking about it. Like, we we haven't got anything in the Angmar list added yet. Um, I've been a big fan of getting Men of Khan Doom or or any any of those men added to it. Can you imagine what kind of crazy special rules we're going to end up getting when they get an army bonus? Like... Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be scary stuff.
0: Yeah, I hope that um, they don't bring any baseline, uh, fight four troops into the list though. That's that's that's. No, I'm happy
2: with fight three. Yeah, man.
0: yeah. I I just want fight three land with some interesting mechanics and stuff like that, and maybe maybe an extra spirit that does some interesting interactions with say, Barrowites, and maybe allowing them to get some enchanted paralyzers off. Because I thought I think that would be a a really cool thing that. They've kind of hinted that it could possibly happen, but it's never really going to happen because the only way for a Barrow White to get uh, might is if they win a, uh, a duel against, I think it's like Lurds or Shagrat or something like that. A challenge.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know what? You're probably right. That's probably going to be in the, the army bonus as well, isn't it? It's going to be that all Barrow White spells count as channeled.
0: What could also be cool is if they, if they allowed the Angmar spirits to use each other's will or something like that, might, will, and fate. So you could have, say, you know, a Tainted nearby and the barrow white could dip into, say, the Tainted or the Lake's resources or even the Witch King's resources or something like that. I think that could be a cool because I think they had a very similar uh, profile in an old white dwarf called, I think it was like a wave or something like that. And it was basically this this bolt-on mm. battery for for Shades Whites and the Witch King that allowed them to to use this Dust Waves, uh heroic stats as as if they were their own, and it was a pretty interesting mechanics out of it.
2: Yeah, I think we've got to like add in now a wishlist segment to our to our army list review episodes because we always seem to go to this as well and, and start predicting what's happening. The nice thing about this podcast is because we go so long, we've predicted everything. So we always get something right because there's just <laughs> so many predictions. So just keep them coming. It's good.
0: Yeah. What's interesting, I found that is neither of us uh, opted in to take an allied contingent.
2: Allies are dead. Allies are gone. Mm, which is a bit of a shame. Allies are so last edition.
0: Hmm. Because, like, um, I, I, <laughs> no, I, I distinctly remember used to running an old uh, Agulava with Dweller's Combo, because they both have that regen uh, ability. Yep. Yeah. So.
2: Angmar has men. Like, I I want to be able to do, uh, I've always said, some sort of evil men army, perhaps one that I've mentioned before many, 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 many times. Uh, and, and Angmar. I think they will go perfectly together, and, and we don't get that option anymore, because uh well i don't want to speculate too much on the reasons but it feels like in order to control the the competitive scene a lot of these these sort of armies have suffered in in the variety so hopefully 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 we'll get like a legendary legion that is the men of khan doom and it's just a witch king force leading it and i don't care if they take out some of the options just just give me some men in the, the army for the theme and for the scenarios and
1: especially
0: cuz there's like this other lots of uh, additional media around Lord of the Rings that kind of give some really cool ideas for what you could do with a list in say Lord of the Rings cuz I'm I'm definitely having like flashbacks to uh, I'm not sure if you've ever played it Jeremy but there's an old game RTS game called Battle for Middle Earth 2 and it had an expansion called Rise of the Witch King and it was heavily them, uh, themed around the fall of Arnor and the rise of the Witch King and his his power. And they had some really cool units that I thought could be a really cool way of bringing them into Lord of the Rings as some as as an inspiration of some of the stuff you could do.
2: Yeah, haven't played the game, but the idea is so good. Like the the idea of that that rise of the Witch King. The Witch King has got such depth of story that I think it'd be really cool to have. Almost a, an attachment, it's like almost an opposite journey of the, uh, the Ring Bearer, but like a, a like a Rise of the Witch King supplement and just follow the Witch King yeah. all the way from Arnor to Mordor. That'd, that would be cool. really cool.
0: Or even just the whole of, like, because Arnor, the, his rise to power in Arnor is really cool because, like, he goes on this whole campaign to, like, take out Weathertop. He does this whole thing with, yes, like, yeah. having to get around the elves. He did this whole thing where he was, like, breaking up the three factions of, like,.
2: Was it, like, Gorfindul and Kydan he had, like, some duels with at some yeah, point? Yeah. Or, or his armies? He, um, yeah,
0: he, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff about him turning some of, like, the Arnorian princes into Barrowites and stuff like that. Also, that oh, would be a good. really cool mechanic, too, if there was a way, like, some, some either a new hero or an upgrade for a Barrowite or something where they can stab an enemy model and turn them into, like, a spectre or something like that. Like, like go in, you get a kill and you spend some stuff where you spend a once per game ability and you get to turn them into another model, like a specter in their place. That could be...
2: You know what it should be? It should be a spell that you do in combat.
0: Yeah, that could be really cool. So you
2: target a model in combat with... Yeah,
0: instead of like striking blows. So You trade out your strikes. You you spend the will points, get this like paralyzing effect off or something like that and turn them into a specter. That could be, yeah, that could be really cool. Yeah, yeah, no, just,
2: this is good. This is a good wish listing. I like it. No, we're both passionate about about Angmar. I think that the whole story behind them is really cool, and they they got a lot of a lot of depth to them at the moment. I wish the the uh, the trolls and the wags get the keyword for the the shade combination. Mm. I think the shade's been hit enough. I think I think having more variety in the force is a good move. I don't like their ally matrix. I think it's too restrictive, but. I, I think overall this army, if you if you like this, if you like Orcs and you've been playing Mordor, get onto Agmar. It is mm. it is good fun. It's where it's at.
0: Yeah, there's heaps of heaps of good stuff. I mean, we didn't even touch on all of it. Like, barely talked about Waiwai Chieftains. Barely talked about Golf and Ball. Golf? You talked about it all the time and every opportunity. Golf and Ball's in this list, and we didn't even touch him. Oh, we did at the start. Oh, we did at the start. But he's... he's Not in Muster, yeah, you're right. But not in Muster. <laughs> he's, he's he's actually he's not bad at low points.
2: He'd be good in in some of the other stuff. So yeah, we can we can definitely definitely add him in. I th- I think he's really cool. With, say a barrow white and then just a bunch of wag riders and having um, sneaky terror on on the, the wag riders mm-hmm. and have him raiding the shire at like like three or four hundred points, like little 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 points.
0: Yeah, that could be really cool for him, like a mini tournament or something like that. Because Goffman's was actually pretty good at low points, as I said. The uh, the yeah. extra yeah, his his blubber saves, if you will, are, are quite handy.
2: I've. Oh, they're they they, they, they they're inbuilt story. They just—they—they they work at the opportune time. I love yeah. it. Okay, well, let's close it out, Kylie. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, and I'm, I'm glad we finally got to do this episode. It was planned to be years and years in advance, but I think we had to kick it forward. Um, if we get another book for them, well, well, we'll talk about them again, won't we? Oh, most
0: definitely. Agma will always have a very special place in my heart. I will always, mm. always have time to talk about Agmar.
2: Yeah, I know, I know, almost too much. Okay, well, thank you very much, <laughs> listeners, and remember, Trap Swing Games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. The Green Dragon Podcast discusses tabletop wargaming using the Middle-Earth strategy battle game rules for Games Workshop. We have no affiliation with Games Workshop, Warner Brothers, New Line, Tolkien Enterprise, or anyone else involved in Tolkien's universe. We're on our own. Thank you to our patrons for your support. You can become a patron at ww.patreon.com slash the Green Dragon Podcast. You can contact us via our Facebook page at the Green Dragon Podcast. Or on our email, thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Not so sure about that plural. This podcast is for entertainment, so please take it that way. Farewell, listener. The road goes ever on and on.